for May 20th, 2009. This is episode 77 of Hunterfic Weekly. Welcome to the place where the story never ends. So run the next time you're feeling jealous of me because I'm so famous and awesome at Quidditch. Just remember that time and welcome back to Potter Fifty. Mike and I'm Aaron. And today we are entering day two of the great Puffwell blackout of 2009. When Don't you hear this episode in August or December of next year, you may not remember the great Puffwell blackout of 2009, but here we are. We are sitting in a cave. We have no electricity. It's just me, Mike, and Aaron because Ryan is out battling for Puffwa. But we're here and we're on and we are podcasting and we are talking about the Book of Albus, chapters 1 through 25. And I have to say, I I really do find it amusing that no one had the schedule out of every single person on PFW except P.S. She's the only one who knew who was supposed to be on and who knew what chapters we were doing out of everyone. And do you know what? I'm the only one who's supposed to be here. <laughs> well, so I, I just when, think of it as everybody got lost on the way. Down, it took everyone else with it. So we <laughs> had to pull Mike and Aaron out of next week's episode and bring them here. So are we just going to jump right in? Sure. Seems like the easiest thing to do in since we don't really have any distractions, we can do it. Because cool. <laughs> right. we don't have Ryan or Jen. Nobody to monologue. That's very sad. What do you guys think of the fic? Do you, are you both big fans of it? Did you, I, I am, I, well, one question is, what did you think of this fic, and how do you think it compares so far to the Backwards with a Purpose? I don't like it as much as Backwards. I like, hmm. Backwards is one of my favorites of all time, and I think when I read this the first time, Book of Albus, it didn't really seem on the same level to me. I think I didn't really connect with the character of Albus. I didn't really like him. He wasn't didn't seem like that nice of a guy to me. So um, I thought the story was interesting, and reading it a second time, I really appreciated it, and I really thought it was really clever and well done. But it's not, I don't like it as much as Backwards now. Um, I'm with P.S. as far as not liking it as much as Backwards. However, that's it, because mainly because Backwards of Purpose is one of uh, my, I would say, ten favorite fics of all time. Just Is it the only complete time-traveling Harry fic? No. Like, there's I've not very many time travel. I've actually read, it's one of the best, I'll say that, but I've actually yeah. read like dozens of completed Backwards time time travel Harry Potter Write some down for me, Mike, because I want to read more like this. Yeah, I seriously. Love- well, Scott's fic right off the top of my head is a good example. Oh, oh yeah. okay. Um, well, I was like, the, the the big ones in my mind are, um, besides this one, are, of course, Nightmares. Erasing the Future by Mox Terminator. It's on SIYE. I actually have a whole, I don't know how many of them I'd recommend, because really, they're, they're, well, I've read a lot of them. There's like I have a list somewhere of like dozens of the things, and this is really one of the creams of the crop right here. Yeah. Um, but what I was going to say about uh, Book of Albus compared to Backwards with Purpose, I think it's a great companion um, story and I really do enjoy the way the time travel is because it's so I think unique to this story this concept of you can go back several times but it's only for a short period of time and you have limited uh, ways in which you can alter the timeline. I, I don't really, I don't think I really connect with the character of Albus either 
And, um, but it's, it's good to see how you've got this character in Backwards of Purpose, Merlin, who you have no idea until the last chapter who it is. And you know that they've had all this, this, this work that they've done behind the scenes. And in this one, you get to see how that work takes place. And it's not necessarily how you would think. And then there's little parts where you didn't even suspect, you know, where he goes back and he sees, uh, Luna and back when the she was Rookwood six. Stuff, the Rookwood stuff, yeah. Um, you learn how that, uh, extra word got into the prophecy. Um, yeah, that, that was, re- see, that yep. to me was the most, I think, clever part because I would have accepted the prophecy being changed by the fact of the time travel. I have to say, I have some problems with these laws. I like the fic a lot, oh, but God. I have some serious problems with. Uh, P.S. is rolling her eyes because I had this conversation with her. And my she eyes falling out. <laughs> <laughs> That's all right, Mike. I'll, I'll listen with rapt attention. Go on. Okay. The story is good, but I had to suspend my belief for a few things because I see some either gaps or self contradictory or whatever, about particularly the law about... There are a couple of other things with the other laws, but particularly the one about may not change the prophecy. I have two big problems with this. First off, she kind of contradicts herself because the prophecy does actually... This is a minor thing to me, but the prophecy does actually change. She says herself in her author's note that the prophecy is changed to include bent for always and always. So clearly prophecies can be changed. Did it really change? Because I kind of got the impression that the known prophecy changed because because of what he was talking about. The terrible power part is the known prophecy, but Ben for always and always, if you read it both in the fic and in her author note, she says it's an actual change. The laws of the time travel, I think, only apply to this form of time travel, I believe, because whenever Harry goes back, he changes stuff all over the place. That makes total sense. Yes, that's Even what with it is. this, though, it has to, because here's the thing. When you say you can't change the prophecies, right, it has to be one of two things. It has to be either you can't change the prophecies once they're made, or you can't change anything that will lead to a, po- a prophecy. What I mean by this is, if you say, if, if say Albus went back to 1980, in one version of how I interpret this law, Albus could go back to, to 1980 before the prophecies made by a year, and he could kill Voldemort, and that wouldn't violate the prophecy because there is no prophecy yet. That's one way to look at it, in which case he's just stupid for not going back to 1980. If you look at it that he can't go back to 1980 and kill Voldemort because there will be a prophecy, then if you think about that, there's hundreds of prophecies, and that means you can't kill anyone who is the ancestor of anyone who's in a prophecy before they have their kid. Not only that, but you can't kill anyone whose descendant may in some future point be in a prophecy. You see what I mean? It just means you can't make, to my logic, what you get, what you wind up getting is you can't kill anyone at all before the original time if it's that you can't change any prophecies, period, because pretty much everyone's going to be at some point have an ancestor or descendant who's in a prophecy somewhere, if you see what I'm saying. Okay. And I, I, feel, that, I think making it seem bigger than it is. Yeah. I was going to say, uh, is gonna be a prophecy. I feel like uh, I'm going to be explaining plot hole or uh, potential plot holes, but uh, constantly in this, the, the problem with the time trial fic, you got tons of plot holes. It's unavoidable. Uh, and it's, what is it? What's the name of the author again? Deadwood it's Deadwood Picker. Yeah. There's another name anyway, but Deadwood Pecker <laughs> does a good job of closing as many of those as possible. One of the problems, I think what, what, what we're looking at here, this is the problem is that the, the two laws, you must not change proper prophecy in that which has been foretold, and then you may not challenge the cornerstones of fate. I think those are two are interrelated in as much as, for example, I think let's let's talk about a, a prophecy that's in the canon, the uh, prophecy Trelawney makes about Pettigrew. I don't feel like that's something that's so critical. It's critical, yes, but it's not like the one with the power to, to defeat the Dark Lord approaches or whatever. I think that if it hasn't been foretold yet, it can be changed unless that change would affect that cornerstone of fate they talk 
talk about in Rule 3. Right. Like, I think it's pretty clear in this fic that whatever you think about the prophecy, Voldemort and Harry fighting and one of them killing the other is a cornerstone of fate. So just to be clear, you're saying that Traveler may not change prophecy. That only implies the prophecies that are already in place at the point of time he arrives at, not the prophecies that will be made in the future. Yes. Like you said, there are infinite possibilities. And even if you, you accept that there's maybe one prophecy per generation, which we know of two prophecies in the entire span of Harry Potter. We know of four, actually. Sorry. Four he prophecies? Breaks, he breaks two in the Department of Mysteries and we hear them talking. Remember? Oh, sorry. I mean, two there's that like are a, made during There's the, a million yeah. on the wall. I mean, just yeah. because we heard those two doesn't mean we don't even know when they were made. That's yeah. true. I guess my point is still made if there's millions on the wall, then yeah. yeah. My, my thinking is that you could go back before that prophecy is made, before it's foretold. In other words, once that once it's foretold, he comes back the second after Trelawney makes that prophecy about Pettigrew. He can't change anything then. But if he came back the second before and killed Pettigrew, he, that would be okay. Um, in which case, I still say that he could have, in theory, or the logical jump to make is you go back to 1980 and then you, or you go back to whenever before that prophecy is made and then you try to deal with Voldemort. See, there's the, there's the problem, though, is comes from Rule 3. because well, We don't know that's Rule 3. He doesn't even attempt it. You're assuming not that Harry and Voldemort facing off is the cornerstone of fate. You're assuming that Harry being hit by a death curse is the corner. You're assuming the prophecy that you know what I'm saying? There's a lot of, you're assuming I would a lot say of that No, I would Harry say the whole thing, those that whole chain of events is a cornerstone of fate. Definitely Harry becoming the boy who lived has to be one. And the only way he can do that is to be hit by a killing curse and survive. There's no other way he could become the boy who lived. And I think that's integral to the idea of the, the cornerstones of fate that there are things that absolutely must happen. And I think that maybe this is an unusual time. Maybe there are more of those than usual. Maybe Harry just is one of those people who has a lot of them associated with him. But I definitely think that it would be impossible that that would be one of those cornerstones. You don't know. Also, that there's the thing with you can't make yourself not exist. Yeah. And you don't know what's not going to make yourself exist. You know, yeah. if he changed it so that Harry wasn't the chosen one, then like it could be that he wouldn't exist. Things are different. If it's Neville and not Harry, and then maybe like Ginny died or something because she was with Neville. You know what I mean? Like anything could happen once you change enough. Well, I have yeah. three questions with that, with what you guys said. First, the law doesn't actually say, if I, if I read this correctly, my interpretation is you shall not create a reality in which the traveler no longer exists. It says tra- the traveler may not create a reality which the traveler no longer exists. This will cause pain onto death. So I actually interpret that to mean that you kill yourself if you do that. Because if you think about it, there's, you know, you have no way of knowing what brings to the creation of Albus. You know, maybe if he's born a day earlier or a day late, he could theoretically be a different person. My other question, my other comment to Kronk is still going back to the, let, let's assume, I still think he should have logically tried, to, you know, to have tested if this was one of the cornerstones of the universe before he assumed it. But let's say you're right. Let's say you're right, though, and that the Harry Voldemort thing's a cornerstone of the universe. Does that not mean, then, that you couldn't, for instance, go back to 1000 AD either and kill Bob Potter, the great, 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 great grandfather to Harry Potter because to do that would undo the cornerstone of fate down the road. Right. And if that's your, and then if that's your argument, though, that still that starts to apply still to every cornerstone that either will be or has been that you can't harm anyone who is the ancestor of anyone who will at 
at some point in infinite time going onwards be the ancestor to, to someone who's involved I in a cornerstone. I don't think there the are that many cornerstones. There's also some practical limitations, and I agree with you, um, by the way, Mike. If you could get the memory of somebody who had met, let's say, Harry Potter's grandfather, and when he was a kid, if you could get a mer- memory of that and go back to that time, I don't think you could kill him. I think that would be that would violate the cornerstone of fate. And the thing is, is that there's some limitations within this this method of time travel. It has to be a memory, so which means you have to extract it from a living person or has to be stored in some capacity. We don't know if there's a lifespan on those things. Um, I'd like to think that you couldn't store a memory forever without it losing some essence of itself. Maybe, you know, a thousand years is too long. Um, we know from canon there's a lifespan, at least about, we have Bob Ogden's memory, yeah. which was before um, yeah. Tom was born. And I guess my problem, too, is, because you get to remember this goes forwards, too. Well, I'm not just saying, like, obviously, you can, maybe you can't go back 500 years, so it doesn't matter who's the ancestor of Harry Potter 500 years. Let's say, like, Death Eater Rookwood, right? Let's uh-huh. say 300 years in our future, one of his descendants is supposed to be a cornerstone of fate. Then you couldn't kill Rookwood. And what I'm saying is, even if you say there's a cornerstone once a generation, there's going to be enough people that, you know, for, we're talking all of time, infinite. We're calling cornerstone all is not a prophecy. It's not a prophecy, but I'm saying, I'm still saying, you can't tell me there's not, why is Voldemort and Harry a bigger cornerstone than, say, Hitler uh, at t- taking over Germany? Or this, this you know what I'm saying? There's, there's somewhere in the world, there's an event as big and as much a cornerstone as that is. And pretty much every generation. I think you can say with some certainty that there's at least a cornerstone that can't be changed per a generation, if not more. And my point is, infinite time for as long as human civilization goes in the future, you have this. So however many generations human civilization goes on, anyone who, who's going to have a descendant who becomes part of a cornerstone for all time infinite into the future can't be harmed. And even if that's not everyone, you would think you would see somewhere in this story something going wrong because you can't change the cornerstone of the future and there has to be thousands upon th- tens of th- hundreds of thousands of people who have descendants who are going to be involved in some mm. cornerstone somewhere no, in the future. No, I don't know. Mm. I actually, I, actually, this kind of t- goes hand in hand with one of my, my major problems with the fic, which is where he doesn't hit this faint pain until death thing. He okay, A couple of times he does something stupid or he tries to do something and he gets that pain, like he's like, and, and it's fate kind of preventing from doing stuff, especially uh, I think he does it on the, uh, the first time he tries, I don't remember what he does, he tries to try to kill Voldemort on the first time through. Yeah, yes. and that is where that's why we find out about the prophecy, the cornerstone of fate thing, because he tries to kill Voldemort and then he blacks out from the pain, and then when he wakes up, Harry, um, everybody's dead. Mm-hmm. What you guys all told me, by the way, was because of it's a prophecy, which we just showed was not. It's not the second law; it's the third law. Uh, incoming! We're going down. But my problem, my prophecy. Fight. Come on. <laughs> yes, <laughs> no. It, we, we just determined that it's not a prophecy because if it was a prophecy, no, then the prophecy's already 19. been made. It's it's right. both the prophecy and the cornerstone yes, of fate. It's both right. the prophecy and but the cornerstone. I don't think that. I was, sorry, I was going to say I don't think that that, for example, James Potter dying would necessarily be uh, something that could be pre- not be prevented. I think maybe Albus would have been able to prevent his life. I think that Lily's sacrifice is required. Yeah, and I think I that, that say the people see. And also, I don't think cornerstone of fate means everyone involved. I think the yeah. cornerstones of fate in this little story is probably Harry, Voldemort, and Lily. I think you could have created a ra- or an, a, a reality where Ginny didn't exist, and it would have still been okay. You could have created a reality where Remus didn't exist. It's not, I don't think it's everybody involved, even like quote-unquote crucial people. Well, Albus wouldn't have been able to do the, the reality with Jenny gone because that well, you know what, I, you, you, I mean, somebody else would have had to do it, yeah. but you know what I mean. Yeah, I think You see what I'm saying, Kronka, when I talk about I absolutely do. I absolutely do. And I think part. I think this all, this whole argument revolves around the exact definitions of these words that have absolutely no context other than this one fic in this 
one particular manner. I, I love him. I, I think it, I think it's great. He came up with these laws of, of time travel, or he or she is it is it, is it so a he or she? Her name is Ella. If you want to call her by her real name, okay, Ella. Okay. Um, the, I love the I love the rules of time travel. Um, they're they're not specific enough for me. Um, I, the the cornerstones of fate is not defined as well as I like. What exactly it means, you may not change prophecy. I mean, I think for a, a lay reader, somebody who's reading this, you know, it doesn't have quite the the nitpicky mind that 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 uh, obviously um, some of us who've been, who've been jaded by years of reading, you know, dozens of fan fictions uh, are wouldn't look as deeply into this. But because we're looking deeply into it, we're analyzing it. It's part of our calling as people doing a podcast about fan fiction. We look in depth at everything, and this is one of those things that if you look too much at it, starts to unravel a little bit. In this kind, because I mean, I've only read this in nightmares, and yeah. if you guys weren't going on about it, it would not strike me as wrong at all. Yeah, yeah. time travel fix are notorious. Any kind of time travel in any kind of um, fiction, uh, be it television, movies, anything, is so very, very difficult to pin down perfectly. On a movie here, Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. Uh, not, not an excellent adventure, the bogus journey when they, there's this great scene where he, they, they keep saying they, they go into the future and do something, and then it's already happened in the present. And they just have to remember to go back and do it again. There's so many you know uh, different ways to look at time travel. It's, it's why it's become such a fascinating subject for uh, fiction writers. And I, I love it when it's applied to Harry Potter, because even Joe's time-turner stuff, yeah, there's, there's holes within that even. Yes. And it's nothing is none of it is perfect, because there's always different interpretations and different ways to make it work. And um, you don't often see rules like this. You don't often see there being some sort of higher power. I don't want to call it a higher power. Some sort of hand of, call it the hand of fate, looking over the time traveler and saying, you may not do this. See, I almost think it would have hung to better if there hadn't been these laws because I can't sit here and do this. I almost think it would have hung to better. Like when I read it, I, I just don't even read the law part because it's such a great <laughs> it story. A, I read the laws and I just start getting pissed off. I'm like, no, it doesn't It would have been a six chapter fic, Mike. He would have killed Voldemort before he was able to kill it, James and Lily. What I mean by not having the laws, I, I don't mean there aren't laws, but I mean doesn't write them down so firmly like this. Because for instance, where are these laws, like who laid down these laws? Like how do we know exactly what it is that causes no, everything wrong? I don't mean who, but I mean like what he does action-wise. Like instead of saying that there's cornerstones of fate and that's why he can't go back to 1980 and kill Voldemort, you could, you could just not put it out so clearly like that, that, that there are cornerstones of fate which cannot be changed at all. And then you leave it up to the reader interpretation as to why when he goes back does this backfire on him. I think that would have been stronger personally. Okay. How about we yeah, move no, on? I was going to say, how about we talk about the actual? Not, go down from the. We, we've kind of been talking about the grander. We've been talking about the macro parts of the fic. I like to talk about the these um, amazing uh, worlds that she creates in between the jumps because that was one of my my favorite things about this fic was um, how each that was, that how was each my was favorite different. part actually because in between the jumps to me were a rehash of what I had already read in backwards. I was more interested in reading the different future that he'd created for himself. Mm-hmm. Did you guys reread the chapters that she recommends you reread as you go along in here? I did not. I had just finished reading Backwards with Purpose when I... Um, yeah, me um, too. And I, I jumped one from one right into the other the next day, and I did them both yeah. once a day. I, would I purposely waited. Yeah, I, I purposely waited, too. I, I was reading... I read Backwards with Purpose as it was still a work in progress, but when she came out with a Book of Albus, I was like, no, I'm not going to do that again. I waited <laughs> until she was until she was done with it before I, I touched it, and 
and uh, that ended up working out well um, because enough time passed that I, I came back around and I reread Backers of Purpose, which is, like I said, one of my favorite fics. And it was great that it was to read those back to back. It made it really cool. And now I just finished rereading it again, the first fic, the Backers of Purpose. And you, when you, you know all the stuff that Merlin has done and you reread that, there's all these great little moments in there. Yeah, I was going to say is that because she, she gives you the chapters too as you go with backwards. <laughs> I mean, a uh, book of Albus, like go reread this chapter and you reread it and you're like, and you're impressed. Like, wow, she actually had this planned out in her head oh. already when she wrote Backwards to the Purpose. This wasn't like a, she finishes and chooses to write this. It's kind of, or at least I don't think it was anyway. I get the sense that it was all in her mind as she, from the beginning. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's an incredibly complex story. You go in this, um, in the second fic, you have seven complete storylines or timelines, not storylines, seven complete timelines, each of which is affected by these seemingly fairly insignificant changes in the past, but each of which leads to a similar future. And it's great how she's able to make these small changes turn into big changes and, and how then when you go back and read backwards, how the, the small changes that they made proved to be so huge back then even, writing the article. Even just little stuff like him meeting Luna, I thought was great when she was like six. And didn't she name him Merlin? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, he, and you see him introduce, like you wonder where Luna in Backwards with a Purpose, why she starts calling him Arthur and Guinevere. Uh-huh. And you see it's because Merlin, I mean, not Albus, brings up the idea to her first. Uh-huh. It's all sorts of great, like, great little time travel things you know, that that I think really you, this fic has so many little great ones. Because he goes back in time so many damn times. And seven times, it's it's insane. Something interesting I think I've noticed, I could be wrong here. Go for it. Says this. I was reading every time, all the chapters, the first, the second, the third, the, you know, the, the, the obituary chapters. Mm-hmm. Is it just me? But I, I noticed that he he's different ages when he dies each time, mm-hmm. which makes me think, but in every single case, he's dying young, and it looks like it's like roughly the same span of years. So my thinking is this, that it can't be like Albus first thinks, that it's that the reason Harry's dying, well, two things. First, it can't just be a simple disease. Otherwise, why would it keep changing gears every single time? You know, what is making it change gears? And I don't think Albus can be right either, that it's because of something Voldemort did to him as a baby, uh, like the killing curse hitting him, because, again, because he never stops that. So that still happens. So then why would it be changing every single year how old he is in these obituaries? So I think it has to be something else that occurs to him at some other point that we're going to figure out that's post-Voldemort killing him as a baby and can't... Voldemort didn't kill him. I mean, you know, kill and curse him as a baby <laughs> and, uh, and okay. Mike, not being a disease, me, yeah. Okay, do me a favor. Look at chapters uh, 22, 17, 10, and 1, the four obituary chapters. And if you, you, you said it was about the same span of time, do the math. Is it the same span of time? Uh... Speaking of the obituary character chapters, I love how the, the, the people by his bedside keep changing. Yeah, I, I how, love how different you see little glimpses of uh-huh. how what he did changed the outcome. Like the battle, like sometimes where the battle will change. Mm-hmm. Or um, like um, when he makes this. Who died by the people that aren't there or by the yeah, people well, who, get, who are getting memorials. Like there's like there's like a Neville memorial in one of them or something. Like maybe Oh, I figured it out. Yeah, the, the Neville, model, Neville Longbottom Memorial Wing uh-huh. and the Molly Weasley Foundation. Then the list of family members. And then I, I'm trying to see if that's still in this in these chapters here. Is um, this do we get the one where they're estranged? I'm looking. I think, I think it's the fourth one. I think fourth. I figured it out. I think the, we don't see it. What, what, yes. what I noticed. Oh gosh, that that got me. 
it says yeah, it's, it's the fourth one in the fourth obituary. He in the reality of the fourth obituary, the Weasleys are still estranged from them when Harry dies, despite the almost lifelong estrangement. Yeah, yeah that's the one where when Albus goes to talk to uh, his cousins, and they look at him like he's crazy, and yeah, and like when, comes when he's help. getting when he's getting his memories back, he doesn't realize. I think I figured out what you were talking about, though, Kronk. Mm-hmm. I, I could be wrong. I don't think you see it in the second one, but every single other one, if you look at the the second time he faces Voldemort, it matches up with the age he died. You know what I mean? When he's like seven, when he's fifteen, he dies at thirty nine. When he bite, beats Voldemort at seventeen, he dies at forty one. And when he beats Voldemort at sixteen, he dies at forty. So it has mm-hmm. to be something that's happening the second time he faces Voldemort. Okay, keep that in your mind, Mike. When you when you when you read, I'm glad you spotted it rather than uh, anything else. But that's important. I won't say how or why, but it is important. I've had to guess. I could be wrong, but I'm guessing it's supposed to be maybe like a lesson for Albus that no matter what you do, you can't. Maybe maybe that's where he gets the third law from. Thing, like, when I figured out what it was, and it was somewhere around here or a little past, I burst into tears because of what I, I was so afraid of what was going to happen next. But yeah, yeah. I had to guess the plot will be Albus has to because res- he goes back in time to make Harry live longer, and it's not going to be over until he resigns himself that Harry's still going to die at around forty. Mm-hmm. That'd be my guess. That, that's the point. He has to like he has to learn to resign himself to fate. Or- I'm not going to say anything about the end of this fic because I really, really, really like it. Um, and um, I think Albus's journey, even though I don't necessarily love the character, I do appreciate the journey he goes through and the, what he what he has to do to fulfill, I guess, his destiny, oh, yeah. or at least fulfill. It, it, it's just you know, a little his purpose. It's Sorry, just so. a little past here. Yeah. It was. Yeah, I figured it out around here, and then I hit the fifth. And I, and I think it confirmed me. It, the fifth confirmed for me what I already knew. Well, what? It, uh, uh, yeah, I think it was the fourth one where I noticed that what Mike noticed that there's that it seems that despite the fact that he keeps dying young, there is a correlation with when he yeah, kills Voldemort. Because then you see, as the realities change, you begin to kind of match up. Because as Albus makes different changes, you see the realities beginning to look more and more like what is in the text of Backwards with Purpose. Mm-hmm. So, like once yeah. you hit the once you hit the fifth, you're like, you're gunning down the home stretch. It's very similar. Like, you begin to see what happened because you well, like two is different more. between what, what, what's different between the first time Voldemort uses the killing curse and the second time that would make him die. Tw- and then the difference is, I guess, that Harry really dies in a second. So, it has maybe it's something that has to do with because he really dies instead of just it bouncing off him, or maybe it has to do with with something like the distance of time between when Voldemort started making Horcrux. I don't know. I have to think about that. Yeah, mm. you will figure figure it out by the time you read chapter yeah. 29. 29 is actually when I... obituary, and that is, yeah, yeah that, that's when I knew, because I, I was sort of suspecting it before, but then once I saw what's what makes the fifth different from the others, I realized what it was. 29 is when I actually, I know we're not covering that far, but 29 is when I felt she really ratcheted up a notch yeah. um, and made it all that more, I don't know, intense, I guess. Wait, I just had a thought. Uh-huh. Oh, I wondered, maybe it has absolutely nothing to do with Maybe it has to do with when he went, when he tra- what how old he was when he tra- when Harry traveled back to another time. Maybe it has to do with his time traveling and not with Voldemort. Or mm. am I just getting too crazy now? I, I'm not going to comment on any of these theories, Mike. It's <laughs> way too easy just to spoil it for everybody. And I really do think I think the twist in this book is one of my and is one of my favorites. And the twist and how he deals with it is just mm-hmm. it's so powerful. But we're getting we're getting into um, what would be next week's podcast. What did you guys think about this thread that he has? With was it Emily was Wilder? Emily Wilder? Bored. Is it Emily? Sorry, you bored? It bored you? you didn't like it? No. Nope. Yeah, it kind of felt like as much as we don't care about Albus because we don't have any kind of context for him, we care even less about this girl the 
that you yeah, know. I applaud he may her not... for trying to develop him. I could have liked him if she developed him more because it's not. I didn't dislike him because we have no context for him because yeah. I mean, obviously that would make me hypocrite. But <laughs> um, so true. I didn't President... like him because she didn't do a good job of developing him. I was curious if they read it why she chose to make it um, a character we never heard of as opposed to like a, you know whatever the, like, a, like a Malfoy or crab or not you know what I'm saying like why is opposed or anyone else any other name we knew I thought it interesting that she made it and then the logic works about why she's a muggle-born I still thought it was an interesting choice that she went to basically a character where the reader doesn't have any preconception with them as you would with a Malfoy and not or whoever else in Slytherin I didn't really think about that that much I just thought okay there's a girl you know like I probably wouldn't have well because the connotation is that the reason they become friends and their connection is that she's a muggle-born in Slytherin House and thus isolated, and he's Harry Potter's son in Slytherin House and thus isolated, and she's also the only one in Slytherin House who doesn't know what the name Harry, know what the last name Potter means, and have connotations either positive or negative to it. I'd kind of like a prequel. I'd kind of like a prequel to this fic, actually. It, I think that would help a lot in, in both getting us like Albus and Emily. The fact that we have no context for these characters, and they keep changing, uh, especially um, her, because the, the timeline keeps changing. Uh, I think if we had time, and, and part of the structure uh, of the, the fic is that these are these are fairly short chapters, and it's all about getting back to the past and changing the past. It's not about developing the character in the present or in his normal past. I'd like to see, I, I think a good companion piece to this one would be um, see Albus maybe in the seventh year at Hogwarts or something. Yeah, um, I would have liked, but I would have liked to see that before. About we do see that. I would have no. I would have liked to see more of it because more it would make me like make yeah. me. It would have made me like Albus. Yeah. <laughs> I think maybe the best way to do it would be to have not if you don't have the epilogue at the end of um, Backwards with Purpose, you don't know it's Albus, and then she just writes a fic about Albus. You're like, oh, Albus, okay, that's interesting, and then bam, she hits you with the the, the knowledge that he's or something. I don't know. If, you know. I would not have been sad if if that she'd finished Backward with Purpose without, without telling us Merlin. Merlin was. I wouldn't have read another thing she wrote. So. That's true. That's true. Okay. Well, maybe leave the epilogue in. I don't know. This is this is a you know a far field here. I think. Hmm. But yeah, onto a theme earlier. I, th- I did think it interesting with all because I don't know if you were on. Were you on any of the co- podcasts for Back with the Purpose, Grunk? Yeah, um, we did the last one. I think. Well, yeah. Well, at least the ones I was on, like the topic of conversation for both of them was uh, the Weasley Potter relationship, and I yeah, found it was interesting. A topic conversation for ours too. <laughs> yeah, so like, I guess all of them. Uh, that was probably it's because and- it's such a unique element of the sto- of that story because it's nowhere else. There's nowhere else where, where Harry and the Weasleys ever don't just love each other from the start. At least believable. Very few fics like that, yeah. Well, except for the ones where, you know, I don't know. Yeah, it's like evil like trying to manipulate, you know, J- Harry and Ginny into being together and they said to feed him poisons and I'm like... <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, my point was, I, I thought it interesting based on what we read in Backwards and the Purpose is that we saw a future, like we mentioned, where they never reconcile and like, you know, there's no connection between Ginny and Harry and the rest of the Weasleys forever, yeah. and we also oh, except saw for, one, except for Percy. Percy's always with them. And then we also saw one though where there was never any estrangement, right? Did, am I remembering the first few? There's no estrangement, right? Yeah. Because it's in not the first until... few, don't they? Oh gosh, um, the fourth one is where they, the estrangement begins, and um, it happens because, because they delay telling, isn't it? Or? Uh, no, the estrangement happens because of the letter to the uh, to the article oh, that God, uh, yes. Elvis writes. The, the article, yeah, it, it, which they don't Merlin. ever reveal was Merlin. I don't. Think uh, they just assume it's Merlin. I think towards the end of backwards, but it throws an interesting spin on all of the theories we were making on the podcast about why the split happened. Because the split, because one of the big theories, at least in the podcast.
podcast I was on was that the split between the Weasleys occurred because Harry went back with pre-knowledge and that his his reactions and interactions with the Weasleys couldn't be as natural as they were the first time around. But then we find out that's not really what it's about. It really is all just this article because the same things happened when he goes back before the article, including him sleeping with Ginny right in front of them, and they don't uh, kick him out. So it's clearly not that Harry's acting differently to them because he he's really a 30-year-old. It's clearly the article that changes yeah. things. And, well, and it's because the article brings up such uh, it, and it's because Albus writes it from the perspective of somebody um, who's not trying to, who's just trying to open people to the possibilities of, of whatever, instead of trying to actually convince people of that, that this is the case. He's trying to just, just get them, keep them thinking about it. It like, it like puts enough of a seed of doubt that the, everything he does is put, that everything that Harry does in um, the backwards of the purpose is taken with a grain of salt and a, a, a particularly, you know, dark grain of salt. Um, so when that, when he rescues, Jenny from the basilisk, for example, they, they they're like, well, they're not. Oh, thank God you rescued for the basilisk. You're like, why did you know where to find her? Basically, with no prior <laughs> anything. Like, yeah. did, did you take her down there yourself? You know, it's yeah. We'll and even things like beating Quirrell is taken in a dark context because uh, that's the way they, they view everything he does is that he I'm could trying, turn it. I feel like I'm always interrupting somebody. <laughs> I'll go for it. Go for it. I'm trying to figure out like what made the estrangement last in the third timeline. Is it because oh, we know why. he didn't save Arthur? I mean, is it because since he wasn't, Arthur died? Arthur was killed by the snake. No, no. What, what it is is that he um, – don't they say that it's because he doesn't confi- – he's not confiding in Dumbledore and there's not the whole thing like we'll tell Dumbledore and meet Snape right away, but we won't tell anyone else. Is, isn't that the problem? So that they they, they just there's they blurt out, I guess, to the Weasleys right away, and they're not taken no, seriously. They they've been telling Al, they've been telling Dumbledore since the second one, since the right. But they've been tell, but isn't there the whole point that they've been telling everyone, and Albus has to make sure they don't tell everyone that they only tell Albus and Dumb. I mean, Albus and Severus. I thought that the no, um, they, I, I'm pretty sure that the first the, jump they didn't tell Albus. In the second jump they told Albus. In the third jump they. Told Oh, wait, hold on. Let me find what I'm talking about. You guys keep talking. I'm going to look for something. Um, so, and I think, because the thing is, he, in the third jump, Al, I'll call Albus Potter Al and Albus Dumbledore Albus. Okay. Because that's what he calls himself. Al isn't there to help Harry fight off the snake. Because if you'll remember in Backwards with Purpose, Harry fought off the snake. The snake didn't eat Arthur. But because Al was not there to fight off, to help Harry fight off the snake, Arthur died in the third And also to, to hold off uh, Kingsley. I think right. Um, the reason for the prolongment of the estrangement, or why it's prevented, I think it doesn't come until later. There's a um, a moment in Backwards of Purpose. Yeah, I think it's in the chapter where the Weasleys are talking about going back and are, uh, are saying they're going to join their side. I think is where they mention it, um, but I don't. I'm not sure exactly that's if that's exactly where it is. But the 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 actual action of of Al doesn't happen until later in this fic. Yeah, because it's not until after the, I think the sixth jump or the fifth jump when he fixes the family. Mm-hmm. And I was going to comment too, I thought it interesting though that even on the after the article's written, if I remember correctly, he's still honored the same way. So it's interesting that even if even though he's distrusted at the start, he still seems to finish up at the end of his life in the exact same place, mm-hmm. regardless of whether the article's written or not, in terms of respect people hold for him, I mean. Because he defeated Voldemort. I mean, even if, I mean, I think most people would have regarded him as a hero for defeating Voldemort, no matter what the article was. 
because I think the Weasleys could never personally trust him because they couldn't get over the fact that he, they thought he was corrupting their children. Mm-hmm. But I think the world at large would have trusted him. Mm-hmm. To me, Voldemort figuring out that they were time traveling in so many of them, I thought was an interesting twist. And it makes him, because in Backwards of the Purpose, Voldemort doesn't come off as that intelligent in all honesty. Like he just uh-huh. like, he just sort of like goes through the motions, like this sort of crazed lunatic that you just easily predict and checkmate. But then when you go through um, this one, you realize that like most, it seems like most of them so far, he figures out they're from the future and then it ends in disaster, or at least as much of a disaster as it did to begin with, right? Mm-hmm. Am I wrong? Sorry. <laughs> but, no doubt. <laughs> Sorry, Mike. <laughs> oh, I don't really know what you mean. What, what I'm saying is that Vol- Voldemort figures out in most of these worlds that Harry Potter traveled back in time, and that he's from the future, and that he's using that to predict everything Voldemort does. And I'm saying I thought that was interesting, because in Backwards of the Purpose, uh, Voldemort doesn't really... He's a bad guy, and he's a presence, but he doesn't really... It, you kind of get the feeling that Harry's checkmating him at every single step, and that he's never really a major threat. And, he, and I almost, you question his intelligence. He's kind of of like Ryan's, uh, you have two hours, Voldemort, and then <laughs> and you read the Book of Albus, and you go, oh wait, it hits you that he really is a really he's supposed to be at least at least in this story a really intelligent guy, and he actually in like whatever like three out of the four universes we've seen, he actually somehow figures out that Harry went back in time, and he uses that and he counters Harry's moves and Harry's advantages. But Harry still is able to thwart him in the end because that's one of those cornerstones that we were talking about. Well, yeah, he thwarts him, but it's not he doesn't he doesn't not as easy. Yeah. yeah, well the whole point of Alba's going back I think if, of Al going back at first was he wanted to save his dad but I think along the way he also was like well if I can make it easier for him we'll, we'll have to do that as well because um, kind of going hand in hand when he gives him the memory first he says save my brothers yeah oh that's in the for the first jump yeah mm-hmm. and um, I think there's a later one where um, I don't know if it's in the next section or not but where he it's not really a big spot where he uh, somebody tells him to save Neville if he can Luna says it to him does Luna that's say it to him that's when they meet, yeah. There's some. They meet at some point and talk, and Luna tells asks him to do it. I'm pretty sure, yeah. Okay, yeah, because you know Neville dying. Uh, I think does Neville die in every single one of the timelines? Not the yeah, final. Not in backwards. The purpose he doesn't die. I'm not dead. Yeah, he says he's not dead. Yes, he is. Right. Sure he does. Yes, he does. I am not dead yet. I can dance and I can sing. I am not dead yet. I can do the Highland thing. I am not dead yet. No need to go to bed. No need to call the doctor because I'm not yet dead. Absolutely, he does. He has a great death in backwards. Purpose. What does he do? Why, he how many burns himself? He, he takes well, out the right. Death Eaters with him. That's, that's right. That's mm. he, who else in there? Like Greyback and like a yeah, bunch it's of like, like Greyback and like it's a lot of Death Eaters. Yeah, and um, he sends the Patronus where I have no regrets, and and Harry like falls apart. Like it's one of the best deaths in the. It's just a great death, um, and, and he always. It's like one of those weird things where he just keeps dying and said, "I feel happy." I feel happy. Couldn't stop him. Yeah, but what I really like is the line where he goes, the, the whole argument that they can't change things right away, which I think is key to understand when I, when he's talking to, uh, when Al is talking to Albus, or <laughs> Albus is talking yeah. to Albus, uh, depending on how you look at it. Um, and he's going about how, where is it? <laughs> you, have, you have to tell them that the closer they stay to the original, the better off they'll be. They'll be less suspicious, too. The whole reason I'm here is because I've got to make sure that Voldemort doesn't find out about time travel. But if they go up the pedigree the first day they come back if they appear to know too much we think that he puts the pieces together i can't change what i did in the past but i can try to hide everything else yeah because so that's, that's yeah. why basically why merlin exists because the first timeline where there was no merlin they were too obvious rookwood figures 
figures it out. It's who figures. They freed Sirius right away. Mm-hmm. So part of Al's job is to keep their cover. Yeah, and um, it's something that Viridian struggles with in Nightmares as well. The idea that you have all this future knowledge and you you want to use it, but you can't use it too much, or else the timelines diverge. And in this case, the the diversion is that Voldemort learns about the time travel and starts acting randomly, or starts acting in, in you know, more aggressively, or you know he changes the way he way he works, and that's what really gets um, and that's what really makes it hard. Was when you have this this foreknowledge, but it becomes useless, and part of what what Albus does is he helps protect that foreknowledge and make it useful again. What was it in Viridian's world? Why can't they do it right away there? Do uh, you remember? Well, it's, it's just Harry and uh, Harry elects not to make major changes um, early. Like he doesn't rescue, he doesn't, he doesn't set the into motion the events that uh, release Sirius until I think his second year or the summer after his first year uh, when he can come up with a plausible reason to have heard something about Pettigrew or something. And he doesn't confide in Dumbledore, so he can't just you know have Dumbledore's now. He's by himself until um, the end. Of the well, second Sirius comes chamber. in, right? Tell the yeah. kids real early, though. He tells them after chamber. Yeah, uh, in tells the chamber. Sirius too, doesn't he? At some point, I, I remember. And, oh, he tells scene. Sirius. He tells Sirius first. Um, I think he tells Sirius um, at Christmas it, during year two when um, he's got out of Azkaban and um, uh, he's on the run and he ends up at the Weasley's house. Um, and it turns out Sirius has learned Aquamancy or already knew Aquamancy, so Harry can tell him. And yeah, but that's but that's still um, it's a year and a half, almost two full years that he can't. Say anything to anybody about time travel uh, because he's he's worried about um, dumb, first Dumbledore meddling and then also Snape learning about stuff. And he can't just take off and do it because then he's worried that people get suspicious or something. I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, there's a great fit called um, what is it? Uh, I gotta look it up. Or I need to I need to find this fit because it's uh, it's a great great little uh, time travel. Interesting, the role Aquamancy plays in both. I guess it has to be an important theme of time travel. Is cause I, I think about it because you mentioned Aquamancy and obviously Aquamancy and uh, whatever they call the Obstu Kafushie. What one, is yeah. that, Michael? Say it again. <laughs> I didn't know. I, mean, I just said Obstu Kafushie. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that one, the Obstu one. Yeah, I, I thought that was an interesting take. On that. But my, I actually had a question about that. Doesn't he say, Harry? Doesn't Harry actually learn Aquamancy in one of these um, different universes? Isn't there one where they says he, like he know he teaches himself Aquamancy with Snape and Dumbledore's help? Al writes the book so that they find out about Obfuscamancy because he thinks that's more useful, doesn't he? Or he leaves it. Or right, but it's not that they don't know Aquamancy. It's just that they, I guess, they learn the better Obfuscamancy version. Obfuscamancy is just better because yeah. it, he can put fake memories up. It's more suited to Harry, yeah. So they yeah. don't... See, because the thing is, the reason why it wasn't real safe for Harry, Ron, and Ginny to do Occlumency is that you would realize, Voldemort would realize that these teenage, these little kids knew Occlumency, and that's weird. That's suspicious. But yeah. with Occlumency, you can't tell they're doing anything. Yeah. I found the fic I was looking for. It's called Natural Order by Mosh Pit. Um, it's, a, it's a little five-chapter fic that's um, very short, 20,000 words. But uh, essentially, instead of Harry going back and you know letting his future knowledge unf- you know letting time unfold and things kind of naturally turn out he just goes back and he starts he he just starts apparating around killing horcruxes um he by the end of um where is it at the end of he kills Voldemort out of Quirrell's head like really <laughs> early like like when when they go remember the part in in, in Sorcerer's Stone where um, Snape and Quirrell are off in the the, the forest talking 
thing, and Harry hears like part of the conversation from his room. He basically kills Quirrell. Then he kills Quirrell, and he killed Voldemort. Good for, Voldemort you, right there. Good for like, you, Harry. Like literally, like ten minutes into the story, he's he's done. <laughs> and then he goes to then he goes to um, a Dumbledore, breaks the Elder Wand, uh, puts a memory charm on him, and a memory charm on himself, so he doesn't remember any of his future knowledge. It's like it's, it's unbelievably he's done in like ten minutes. It's great. Um, <laughs> See, I like that there's a fic where that happens, where he doesn't sit around for five years waiting to do it. See, what I want to see yeah. is like is the opposite. Like I want to see a fic where he doesn't really do anything big. He's just sort of a little more careful than he was last time. And I'm sure that would probably be too boring to be an actual story. Well, the interesting. Like, I want to see one where he's you know just a little care, a little more careful. Like maybe he kind of like nudges Sirius away from the veil, or he like he he does what like the Harry and backwards was trying to do. Like he racks up points early on in the Triwizard Tournament so he doesn't have to deal with Cedric getting to the cup first or getting mm-hmm. near the cup first. Like gets such a head start that he gets there right away. Yeah, well, except gonna, that, that backfires and backwards a little bit. I know. And we're going to mention other time travel. The one I'm talking about, Scott's story. I I, I do like the premise of that one a lot. It does. It but gets a little. I'm just going to say this because Mike isn't going to say this. Scott's story is called Altered Destinies by Dobby Elf and Lord. Dobby Elf Lord. And the plot is it, it does get a little silly. There's a couple of sort of like like I think they're purposeful sort of jokey moments. On the whole, it's a really good fic. And then the premise is that um, Harry goes back in time to when Voldemort's a little kid, and the idea is he's going to kill Voldemort when Voldemort's a kid, so that nothing happens at all. And this is like I'm, I'm not giving anything away. I'm telling you like the first chapter. But when he sees Vol- like orphan Voldemort, who's so similar to him, he sort of he can't. This being Harry Potter, of course, he can't kill the ten year old kid, even knowing what he knows. And so instead, he adopts Tom Riddle hmm. and tries to raise him to be a good person. And then this is also the same time as Grindelwald's going on, so he gets sucked into like the whole Grindelwald thing. That's cool. Yeah. Is it have, real Grindelwald, or did he have to make up Grindelwald? When did it, when was this it? was written before we knew anything about Grindelwald, so it's a, it's a made up Grindelwald. Yeah. Yeah. We still don't even know that much about Grindelwald. There's like, I know, I know, I, well, I, he's I, like he's not Dumbledore. Like Dumbledore doesn't know him until the war starts, sort of thing. And he's like, it that. doesn't it doesn't really matter. I mean, I just, just I was just curious because I w- I want to see a story with him because I haven't seen a lot of stories about the Grindelwald time with real Grindelwald. Real, real Grindelwald. Real Grindelwald. <laughs> real Grindelwald. It's usually, it seems like all the stories about Grindelwald are old. Yeah, it was written pre uh, Deathly Hollows, in other words. Yeah. 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 Okay. Hmm. You know what else I would also like to see? I would what? like to see, and I was thinking about this, and I was thinking about doing it, and I'm wondering if it's a dumb idea, because I think it is kind of a dumb idea, and I wouldn't probably wouldn't do it, but I'd like to see it. Is one of these where Harry doesn't go back? I want to see one where Harry died. So oh, I did find one like that. Somebody else goes back. I'm thinking in my mind, like if I were to write one, I would have <laughs> I would have things go pear shaped in Deathly Hallows. I would have Voldemort catch the trio, and I would have it be like Ginny and like Luna or something. Okay, and never go back. P.S. I'm way ahead of you. Um, uh-huh. Go to S.I.Y.E. Uh, KB yeah. has a story. Jenny returns. <laughs> okay. Work in progress, but uh, KB is very good about completing them, and she's actually very close to being done. It's kind of similar to Natural Order, and uh, it's not Where really. It's not like a go? full. Where did search go? The search box is gone off of Psy. No, it's not. It's there. Hang on a second. I'll help you out. Yeah, I got a direct link. Other fist. Uh, the Green no, Gecko story. I bet I have to like allow Java or something stupid like that. Yeah, allow Psy. But the Green Gecko yeah. story also has a kind of. Um, 
It's not really the Green Gecko story. Um, Resonance. Resonance. Oh, that's on my list. I saw that one. Trilogy. And in the third one, it's not time travel, but it is. He starts hopping to alternate dimensions. Like he'll hop to a dimension where Lily and James are still alive, or where Slughorn's around, or where um, uh, Dumbledore. That that's where the Slughorn bit. By the way, he goes to an alternate dimension where Slughorn's at a party with him. And And it's an old story, so he doesn't exist in Harry's home dimension. Yeah, well, he probably exists, but I guess he just never. He never came back to Hogwarts, and Harry. That, like, breaks my brain. That's, like, I can't even, like, think about that. Does Karis exist in, like, old stories and he's just not there? Or, like... I guess that's how you have, that's <laughs> how you have to put is it. Is he just somewhere else? <laughs> like, that just... <laughs> well, you know, it's really kind of... Uh, if Harry... If Dumbledore doesn't take Harry to see Slughorn, would Slughorn just keep running until the war was over or he's killed? That just concerned me about in Backwards with Purpose because they never go and get him. They don't so, need to. Uh, I know, but, the, but the, he's still running around. <laughs> Well, he, 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 he can figure out he can stop running at some point. I, I think that, that Harry you know, from... 20 years later, he's still running around. Well, I'm sure he'd stop after the war. He's not sure. He finds out the well, war's he, over. He was retired. You know, he um, you know, he had been retired for, what, 17 years at this point? Uh, when he's When he's retired, uh, well, he does, doesn't Snape take over for him for Potions Master? Yeah, he, Snape... he retired, right, he retired the year Harry was born. Yeah, so it's, it's like 15 years of Slughorn being retired before he goes on the run uh, and he's perfectly content to be doing virtually nothing I'd like to see in a fic a like a first or second year fic where you hear about Slughorn in the context of like a ministry gathering or something where he's peddling influence or whatever at the uh, at the ministry or something this not just you know him being transformed into a comfortable comfortable armchair somewhere Harry goes disguised as an old man who was good friends with Dumbledore before Dumbledore died and everyone at the party accepts his story except Slughorn who's really suspicious of him. Huh. Are you seeing an idea or is that actually... No, that's happening? what actually happened. That's how you meet Slughorn. He's the only... He keeps questioning Harry because he doesn't believe... He is having trouble believing Harry's story and Harry has to like sort of like run away from him. Oh, I like that. I like that a lot. It's just like a couple of throwaway lines but it's like some man named Horace Slughorn was seemed suspicious and kept pestering him with questions about who he was and how he knew Albus and so he hurried to Minerva to escape. And yeah. <laughs> that's that's awesome. I, I love that. <laughs> that's pretty awesome. Wait, anyway, uh, sorry. I, I stopped telling my, I forgot. To, I forgot to finish telling my idea. So, like, okay, so it's like Neville and Lin, Ginny and Luna, right? And they uh-huh. they go back because Harry, Ron, and Hermione are dead. And the only thing that throws me off when I'm like trying to figure out how I would go about this is like the first year ne- Ginny mm-hmm. and Luna are at home, so it's boring. So, like, I'm trying to figure out like ways that they can go to Hogwarts early, but I can't. That's well, here's my question: Why do they always have to jump back to year one? Like, if you don't want to have to write, they don't always. I actually what? thought about that, and in my mind, I was thinking maybe they would try jumping to the beginning of the second year. That's uh, the thing I think they do the second year. You want to try to prevent uh, the the reason you wouldn't do that, Mike, is you want to try to prevent right, or be able to control the resurrection of Voldemort. Exactly. Um, you could come back fourth year. Yeah, you could come back fourth year. Um, the advantage of going back earlier, and it's what they talk it's time. about. I would say. I mean, I'm just saying this in what I had in my, had for my idea is like it depends on. On what kind of time travel it was. The reason I can't write a story like this is because I can't make up a time travel. Because I was Ooh. thinking about like. Um, oh, I'll tell you what. How- P.S. I've, I'll, I'll help you with that. That sounds okay, uh, that sounds, okay. sounds like an intriguing okay. idea. Because okay, like I was thinking, I was like, I needed if I was going to have them jump to the beginning of second year, I was going to have Ginny be 
concerned that they would need to be exact because she didn't want to have already started writing in the diary when they came back. Mm -hmm. You know, I I do remember reading a fic somewhere where the rule was something like they could only go back to like half of what their age was exactly, Mm -hmm. like whatever their current age was, they could have it and they couldn't do anything else. And he, so he and Harry was like, this was like this was one of the ones where the war kept dragging on like a long. It's like he was like forty and he went back to when he was like twenty because he couldn't go back any further. It's hard to come up with original time travel premises. I tell you, uh, they've there's a bunch of good ones out there. Um, I'm very much a fan of the the one in. Uh, I'm going back to it again. Nightmares of Futures Past. I'm uh, really a fan of that one. It uses a lot of uh, pro- kind of uh, principles of physics. Um, the the one in um, in Backwards with Purpose, or not the one, the several. Um, Ella had a great imagination as far as that goes. Uh, not not only just coming up with one, but coming up with several. All of them unique, and some of them particularly kind of scary. The <laughs> yeah, all of the less, one, yeah. What was the one where like uh, you can be born like in into the in the form of a newborn or something, and you get born and you live like one day, but you're like super powerful or something? Like these were like freaking scary, you know, stuff that that you could do in this book. You know, anyway. But um, there's you know as many as as much as imagination as you have, you can come up with these um, you know ways to, to travel through time and. My, my thing is that I, I, I am afraid, like, going through the, the stories, mm-hmm. to some degree, it's hard to come up with changes, you know, because, like, what do you, like, I mean, I think the first interesting thing is not having it be Harry, so that, like, makes it more interesting to start with. Yeah. The, the real trick in any time travel story is to change enough that it's different from canon, but not change so much that you have to completely rewrite canon. And that's, I, I think... Um, and the catch, there, though, the catch, though, is you have to make it believable to, but you have to give a reason like you have here about why you don't just, why they don't just go back and totally diverge. Like, why doesn't Harry go back in year one and kill Quirrell and round up the Horcruxes and all that sort of stuff? Because an 11-year-old can't do that. Yeah. There's a lot of practical reasons, um, and I think that those, um, any any one of our listeners who hasn't read Nightmares needs to just go, just needs to bite the bull and do it, because even though it's a work in progress and will probably never be finished, it's still such a great uh, example of this genre, and it answers all those questions. It answers why can't he do this? Well, he's eleven. He's got the trace on him. He'll be he'll be sent to Azkaban theoretically if he does too much underage magic. Um, yeah. He's got he's got these limitations. He's only eleven. Um, I think they they touch on the concept, uh, which is a completely fan fiction thing of his magical core not being developed enough or something. Um, <laughs> that, that's one thing. Um, you know, even though it is purely fan fiction, well, that, that's that's, that's canon too, though, isn't it? Well, a no. magical core? No, well, not the core part, but the idea that his magic isn't fully developed because isn't there the thing in book six when they go on the boat and Dumbledore's like it won't recognize you as a full wizard because you're still underage so yeah, you can still- oh, yeah. Well, that, that implies to me at least like maybe t- whatever you want to call it it doesn't have to be a core who knows what it is but I guess your magic your magical uh, abilities yeah it sort yeah. of matures yeah well, I think that, that has some some value like I would probably have trouble buying a time travel story where Harry couldn't do where Harry sorry I would have trouble buying a time travel story where Harry tried to do lots of stuff first year because I don't think he had like the physical magic to do it. Unless he went to tell Dumbledore. That would be the smart like thing. He couldn't beat up Voldemort in a fist fight. You know, I mean, if if, if the fist Harry fight. Potter series was not about magic, if it was about like boxers. And well, like Harry know. went back to when he was 11 and was going <laughs> to box Voldemort. He well, all Voldemort did is a turban when he's 11, so I don't know. Maybe he could win. Turban versus the 11-year-old boy. Who will come out on top? Turban loses. But see, turban just, like, it's, like, I almost wonder if like, like when the different they always come back to first year because that's when the canon starts. But 
you also wonder if it's like if you have this power to travel through time, are you going to risk going back to, you know, not going back to a good time? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, especially if it's good to have first year, like, be a time to rest and get your bearings before yeah. that stuff starts happening. You know, I've, what else I've never seen is somebody travel back to a time before first year. Except, well, yeah. okay, not um, now I know one you just alter destinies is different. That's before that. But I mean, like, why not go back to when Harry is nine or ten, like yeah. shortly before canon? I'd never seen I, anything like that. I think that'd be interesting. You could you could maybe even make it a different character, make it like Fred or George, and go back to their first year, or uh, or make it Bill yeah. or Tom. That would almost be too easy because, like, if you were if I if it was like an independent character, like an adult at the beginning yeah. of the story, I would say if I was Bill and like I could go back to like when Harry was nine, I think it would be over too fast because I'd just go and get the Horcruxes. You know, like, we don't know where the Horcruxes are. Go and get them. Well, like, if Bill is going to travel through time, I think he probably is in on it enough to know about Horcruxes. Now, that would also be interesting is that usually when they go back in time, it's from a world where um, everybody has died except for, you know, maybe one or two people and Voldemort has been destroyed. Ooh, you know what I would like to see? I would like to see, okay, this is going to be complicated, but, like, the pretext of the story, and I don't mm-hmm. know if this would be kind of hard to, to represent, but, like, what would happen was, like, a Death Eater, the Death Eaters lose, and then a Death Eater goes back and tries to change things. That would be but cool. But the premise is, an a- is, like, the story is, like, on the surface is an AU fic where things are sort of going wrong, and they can't figure out why, and it's because, like, Bellatrix is from the future. That is something I actually would love to see Death Eater go back. I would, that'd be, I'd say that's a brilliant idea, P.S. The, the only problem I see with that is that it's if you were to do that, you would have to make so many plot reasons why they don't just win immense, immediately um, that it that's wouldn't easy, be... Though. They can't kill Harry, because Harry's still protected by the Blood Wards, and they can't not kill a, Dumbledore. Not at Hogwarts. Well, he's protected by Dumbledore. The same reason they can't kill Harry in canon. Yeah, I mean, I think the plot would be... I mean, if, like, Bellatrix goes back to, like, first year, and she can't get to Voldemort because he's in Quirrell's head, and maybe she doesn't even know that. Like, well, you so, can bring Voldemort back. Voldemort still can't touch Harry as long as Dumbledore's yeah. alive, and Harry has blood protection wards. What I was about... To, what I was going to say is, and I, I think I started to, was that I'd like to see it where it's a character that has incomplete knowledge, like somebody who comes back from the future and say, let's say Harry dies while killing Voldemort, and Ginny's like, oh, well, I don't want that to happen, but she, but Harry never told her about the Horcruxes. He doesn't tell about yeah. the Horcruxes in canon. You you As far as we know, in canon, Ginny does not know what a Horcrux is, or that what the Deathly Hallows are, for that matter. So, what if what if you have everybody die but Ginny, and she comes back with incomplete knowledge? She, she, they still have to go through the whole process of doing the, of the Horcruxes. I think that would be fascinating right. to see, you know, like, she tries to kill Voldemort in the graveyard or something, and he just pops back into his body, or they immediately resurrect him again or something. That yeah. would be that would be so cool. Um, like, that would but, be... But then again, I think that would almost become too similar to canon, because, like, then you have... You can, like, insert the text of Half-Blood Prince here, you know? <laughs> yeah. Depends what happened. It depends... I mean, you, you could right. do it so that it wasn't... You know, you could make whatever changes you want. You could have it derailed. Yeah, and especially what you since said, we don't ever see what happens when you kill somebody who has a Horcrux. You know, like, is a, or is a Horcrux like, you know, like a computer game where, like, you die and then you go back to the beginning because you have a Horcrux. 
<laughs> I mean, you know, the thing with time travel is you could make it, like, for instance, for all you know, Jenny goes back in time and she does something she thinks to help and Dumbledore ends up dying in book three and then everything oh, falls. Oh, yeah, because she, if she doesn't know, oh my gosh, so here's one. Like, let's say, did, does Jenny know that they used the time turner to save Sirius? Oh my no. God, what if Jenny, like, waylaid the, the second Harry and Hermione and they got Sirius because they couldn't get there in time or something like that? You know, like something way early that's big. Or let's say, for example, she completely, let's say the diary doesn't come into her hands for some reason. Like, oh, you're stealing my idea. And for that matter, then. My idea was that Ginny has the diary, right? And mm-hmm. since she, she's not going to write in it, she's definitely not going to write in it. But they don't have anything that will destroy a Horcrux yet, so she has to hide it. And somebody steals it. In my mm-hmm. idea, it was going to be Romilda Vane. Mm-hmm. So you've got Romilda Vane writing in the diary, and they they. This, the plot of Chamber of Secrets is still happening, and they're all like, what's going on? How is this possibly happening? Yeah, it's always fun when you have an alternate person doing the Chamber, um, do, writing in the diary. Because I've read it where it was Percy before, and I think Ron, and is it... I think there's a fic I'm reading now where that's happening, but I'm not sure because he takes so long updating, I forget what happened at the beginning, and I'm, so I'm not even going to say what, which one it is because I'm gonna, I'm so, I would be so embarrassed if I was wrong. <laughs> Okay. But, but to answer your question, by the way, Kronk, about earlier, I've never read a fic where it goes back in time to, to when Harry's alive, but he's before first year. But I've read a lot. Obviously, I told you Scott's where they go back to Voldemort. But I've also read a, a, a lot, like a whole ton of them, where it's them going back to the Marauder time period mm-hmm. as a, to try to change that time period somehow. And, you know, I've read somewhere like Harry wants to meet his father so badly he goes back, you know, like he can't resist temptation or something, and he goes back to when his uh, dad's alive. I read one more Hermione. Hermione goes back to try to warn them about Peter and like all sorts of Marauder Euro ones when they go back. I've seen ones where that he just goes back. That's he doesn't. I don't think he really wants to change anything. I just think that he wants to more or less like teach them, like prepare them for what's happening. But it's not really. I mean, I guess that is changing. But I mean, oh my! You know, what this just reminded me of. I read this crazy. This is not a figure I'd recommend because it was just off the wall. But where after the war's over and Harry is just exhausted from battling, so as like a quote reward. This is before Dumbledore dies. It's written before Book Six as a reward quote reward Dumbledore sends him back in time be the defense against the dark arts teacher for his parents and his parents yeah, I, here I, I, I've read one where that happens yeah I've read one where something similar happens but yeah hell I've read one where he was the defense against the dark arts teacher for Dumbledore well that's kind of well, what's interesting is that in Scott's like, book that's kind of what that's happens that's getting he's into go- like I'm my own grandpa st- like territory there's one where he's the defense against the dark arts teacher for himself what like the, he, dis- well, he disguises himself oh the, like, is, are there literally two Harrys? There's literally two. It's actually two Harrys and two Jennies. Because I've, I've read one where he is the defense against the dark arts teacher, but he there's only one Harry. It's because he it wasn't a time travel. It was like a he saw like what happened, but it was like he lived it. So it really is kind of like time travel. Okay. This really wants me to make you um, read Scott's fic because it's making me think of. Oh, I'm going to read it. When Harry goes back, well, I won't say anything. Then if you're going to read it, I'll, I'll shut up. Yeah, that's that, they got to put near the top of my list just now, <laughs> up there with uh, resonance. I'm looking at for uh, a new read. Residence is a big time commitment. And I will say this, it's, it's one of my favorite fics, but I'm honest enough to admit that the author comes a long way in terms of her writing style. And it starts, I'll warn you, Aaron, the beginning is terrible. It, it starts off kind of like a, like a hard thing to read. Like kind of like the, the writing style, it takes you a while to get into it. You're like, what the I have. That's all right. I I'm have, used to I that. Have There's a lot of fics. I had given up on it before it was picked for the podcast, and so I have to read it again. But I couldn't get through 
and I'm actually kind of excited to read it again because he, Mike has really talked up the end, uh-huh. but the beginning is terrible. I like the like, third. This third is one not a spoiler like. because they defeat Voldemort in the first chapter for not no the reason. The first chapter, like the fourth chapter, but yeah. But like they do it right away, and it's stupid. Hey, I'm an idiot. I really should reread fix that are works in progress if he takes a long time in updating them because in meaning of once, one else is writing in the diary. I actually I just went through yep. the tech the thick and searched for diary, and I found the. Was book. that where you were? Was that she, the fic you were talking about a minute ago? Yeah. Uh-huh. I could. I had a, I had a suspicion that she. Well, she gave it to Lavender. It's right there. <laughs> I just right there in black and white. I don't think that it ends up being Lavender though. I think they pass right. it around. I don't fic. think it's Lavender either. I have my suspicions, but I think it's Neville. Mm. I think it somehow got to Neville. But it seems to me like Neville is the Ginny fill-in because I think Neville feels left out by this Harry, Ron, <laughs> Hermione, Ginny thing. You know yeah. what'd be awesome is if it's like someone like Draco, like if it somehow <laughs> gets to the, the Slytherin's and it's Draco. I, I can't wait. I love that. I remember. I'm a, I'm a fan of that fic as well. Um, but it's, yeah, it, it's been a while since it's been updated, sadly. Not it just me or we spent the last like, hour of this podcast not talking about the actual thing at all, by the way. It was updated, like, last week. Was it really? Yeah. Oh, never mind. I'm thinking of another, another, uh... I mean, it takes, it takes forever in between updates, but the last update was very, pretty recent. You're right, you're right. That's what, I did read the new, the new chapter, um... I thought that was going to be more interesting than it was. That was really cop, I thought that was a really cop out. Like, I was, I was such on bated breath when they were evacuating Hogwarts, and it turned out to be stupid Dobby. I'm so pissed. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I, I kind of like, like how Dobby's like going all these extreme measures it to do stuff. It's interesting, but I think it like I'm bored of it now. Yeah, I think we have to call this podcast a survey of time travel because right, <laughs> like the last hour, all we've done is like discuss like. But different see, this is travel. fun. We should do like a special edition where we like take different genres and like talk yes. about that would the be best nice, stories yeah. in the genre. And well, like, I mean, how well read are, are we now at this point? Like, how many? Hundreds of fics have we read that are that are that and there are these broad you know, genres that we're talking about. We're talking about specifically now time travel. We also have just straight up AUs. You have you know Eight specific eras. You have specific ships, and we we talk about these single. But a part of you know part of our responsibility, I think, dealing with a, a fic like this, which is a time travel fic, is talking about it in the broader context as well. But we just yeah, kind I've, of got off on a major. I, I'm just I I do I like the um I think it's hard to isolate. Um, a story without talking about anything that's similar to it. Very true. Especially in a genre like this where there's, there's, Ooh. it's different than like comparing, say, different, I don't know, like different Harry Draco fix. Like this is like, it's more or less a set things that can happen because, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? I mean, you go well, back in time, so only certain things can happen. Well, going back to the, um, going back to the actual fic that we're covering, the cor- idea of the cornerstones of fate, I think is also partially a, a cop out for saying that, you know, J.K. Rowling wrote these things and we need to, at least kind of be close to that in order to make our story recognizable um, and, you know, keep it familiar for people because how, you know, how easy is it to just, you know, it's, it's it was your own story. It's not a fanfic that becomes your own. Yeah. If you, if you just start writing about, you know, Harry and, and Hermione falling in love, you know, 20 years in the future and, you know, Harry's got a Mercedes and stuff like that. It, it's, it's the same characters, but it's the world is so different that what's, what's the point. It's not, you know, it's not uh, familiar. And I just described the plot of one of my favorite fanfic. But uh, <laughs> um, but anyway, um, coming back. Is a random question? That's yeah, okay. Uh, this, both this of random cast. Uh, quick question for Crunk before I get to my random question. Have you ever watched the Star Trek stuff? All those Star Trek, the things that are on TV, not 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 the movies. It's Star Trek's the TV shows, right? All the Star Trek stuff. The, the shows, right? Have you ever seen them, Crunk? Are you a fan of them? <laughs> yeah, no, maybe. Um, Isn't he I, funny? With, without admitting anything, uh, I I I am I am looking at my. Uh, 
a next generation DVD set over on the wall. So, yes, I'm a, okay. a Star Trek fan. I could so, probably rival. I like. I'd like to do a, a, a trivia contest with Ryan sometime, just to just to see how how, how close that would be. But go I ahead. I know PS is a fan, and I asked Ryan this question, and I'll ask you the same question. Well, actually, first off, before another question, before I get to that, what's the name of the first captain in the, the original Star Trek again? Kirk. Kirk. Well, Kirk. Technically, okay. the first the first captain is Robert captain April. Was- okay. Well, so here's my question. Two questions, parts of it. One out of all the captains in all the Star Trek shows, which one do you think is the best captain, as in the best Picard. leader of a starship? And the second question was, who do you think, Picard or Kirk? Picard. Picard, See, Picard Ryan is the best Kirk. captain. Kirk is my favorite character. Ryan said he thought Kirk was a better captain than Picard was. Kirk is a terrible oh, captain. Kirk's an awful captain. It, it, it's, as far as the... Part of that is that it, the, the, the premise of the show, I think, was still in its infancy. In, in, in infancy. infancy. Um, and I think that uh, Kirk's also a much... So, so hot-headed and um, brash and just young that he's he's not nearly as good a captain as Picard, who's been a captain for like twenty something years in Next Generation, or why even is Picard as better than the ones that come after him. Why is Picard better than say Cisco or Janeway? Mm-hmm. Um, because they're not the captains of the Enterprise, and I think that's different. I think you can't compare yeah. the captain of the Voyager to the captain of Enterprise. Well, uh, I, I think if you were to compare the the let's say the the five um, Star Trek captains, um, Kirk, Picard, Cisco, what the hell is, is the captain Enterprise name? I don't even remember. Oh, crap, what's his name? I, he's in my brain. It's not Archer. That's the other one. Or is it Archer? I can't tell that. I know no, Reed, it is Malcolm, Archer. and Archer are all the di- are three of the guys, but I can't remember which is the captain and which switch. No. I feel like shocked was surprised. Ryan disagreed with you all. Isn't Ryan like the Star Trek episode in like the Eastern? He said, he said Kirk. He said Kirk was better than a better captain and leader. Than I see For the most part, that's probably an emotional. Um, yeah. Because yeah. see, see, I can separate my emotions from my logic because I think I prefer Kirk as a character to Picard. But I think I acknowledge that Picard is a better captain. I would rather serve under Picard. I would feel well, safer. I, I, yeah, I think Picard's a better captain in general. Uh, Picard's made so many... He, he makes mistakes too, and he, there's moments when I would you know be terrified to be on the Enterprise, but <laughs> not as many as when Kirk is, is captain. Uh, oh, what about the honest. later ones? They just screw up all the time? Um... No, no not really. Kirk or Picard? Why well, ask both? He, he asked first which is the best, and then he asked which is better, per Kirk or Picard. Um, I'm a big fan of a Cisco. Um, I'm a real big fan of Cisco, but I think that as far as a captain goes, um, he his attention is split. Now we're getting into to fine, you know, uh, Star Trek canon here, which is totally totally off topic. And I thank you for taking us there, Mike, because I think <laughs> it's important for us to go as off topic as possible tonight. Um, but Cisco has his attention split. He's not just just the captain and commander of Deep Space Nine. He's also the emissary of the prophets, and especially in later seasons, he his spiritual role with the Bajoran people is um, becomes a much larger part of his, and it splits his attention and his his um, his love. I think of being both his role as the, as the captain and as being the emissary. Um, he chooses to be the emissary more towards the end of the series, and I think that makes him a worse captain. Um, Picard is always first and foremost a Starfleet captain, and he's so experienced. You said there were, there were there were five, didn't you? Who were the other two? There's the original one that's that's um, Richard the, and Janeway. Yeah, Janeway is. Um, don't even get me started on Janeway, but um, and she's a very good captain, I'm, I'm sure, or something. But I she like is, Voyager, and I wouldn't want to serve under Janeway. No, Janeway's. Uh, I don't want to. I don't want to talk about Janeway. All right, is there any other ones too? The, the one from so, Enterprise, I actually don't know well enough to be able. Archer to, is fine. I like Arch. I like Enterprise. Ryan thinks I'm insane because I like I like. I 
right. I haven't it's, I haven't seen enough Enterprise. I, I like some I'm of my favorite. Is my, um, Enterprise. My dad is an old school original series fan. I was raised on the original series. My okay. dad, I think, probably prefers Enterprise to any of the other spinoffs. See, for me, I grew up on Next Gen. So mm-hmm. uh, uh, what I've seen of of um, the, the original, and I, I grew up on Next Gen, and then I graduated to D Space Nine and Voyager. What I've seen, uh, and by the time Enterprise came around, what, what killed me on Enterprise, honestly, was when they had the opening credits and there was vocals in the oh, opening. I love that. I love sound. that. I that like, is really? such a wonderful, inspiring song. All right. So both of you rank all the captains in order. From best oh, to last. Um, okay. Let's do this privately and then on go, we'll post in the box. Okay. Well, no, no, we're doing private, then each of you read them out loud so everyone can hear it. Okay. Well, that's what I mean is like, so that we don't. Okay. Hmm. And this is in, is this incompetence? Yeah. Who's the best preference? captain? However you interpret that. Like, who is, who do you feel is the best captain of this ship? Not okay, the best the person. Caveat, I have Best captain. Okay. Caveat. I have seen virtually no Deep Space Nine. We skipped that somehow. We were always watching Next Gen and Voyager. Do you look what Ryan's missing? I don't know if I can if I can answer this question uh, intelligently. I, I, I have uh, to okay. do four because I have to leave Cisco off. I'm sorry. I have to leave. Okay, that'll be fine. I have to leave Archer off, so that'll work just fine. Or just put them in the bottom. Why this, you leave this is in ranking well, as I of. Wanna, I don't want to make it look like I think he's the worst. I just don't know him. This this order. I gotta I gotta warn you before I post this. This the order would be totally different if we were talking about characters as opposed yeah, to captains. Me too. Me yeah. too. In fact, I think in terms of characters, it's backwards. It's interesting. Pretty close. Is, no. I went backwards from competence to character. Apparently, I like incompetent people. <laughs> um, three. You ready? Yeah. Three, two, one. Post. Three, two, one. All right. So read them out loud now for the people. Okay, listening. I did Picard, Archer, Janeway, Kirk. I did Picard, Kirk, Janeway, Cisco. And you so then Kronk doesn't know who uh, Archer and PS doesn't know Cisco. Is that what we're saying? Why they're not on the list? But we don't know them well enough to to right. make an informed. Yeah, I, I'm saying we've. I said it. I've, we've seen the okay. least. Yes, I'm somehow we skipped. So it. the biggest difference seems to be that Kronk puts Kirk second and PS puts Kirk last. That seems to be the big difference. Mm-hmm. You both have Picard first. You both have Janeway third, and Kirk's like one of you think. I guess PS thinks Kirk's horrible, and Kronk thinks Kirk's pretty good. Well, I don't think he's horrible. I just think he's the least of these. These are all the the, the thing is all these captains are exemplary. They're all yeah. you know if, if this was the, and, the, and, if you were ranking all the captains. Said, Mike, and I'm going to display my dork colors and say Mike specifically said TV. Since he left off the movies, that's why Kirk is not number two. Okay, now I have to, uh, oh, I, I was taking the movies into account. You take the movies into account. What does Kirk jump to then? I, I meant the Star Trek series. All right, take oh. the movies into account, then Kirk goes to two, and then that makes Kirk, Archer third and Janeway fourth. For me, the moment great. that Kirk becomes awesome, and, and I never saw the original series until way after I saw the movies, the moment Kirk becomes awesome is in Star Trek two when he does the thing with the uh, prefix code and uh, absolutely just pones Khan uh, in the face. That that was that was the, the moment when I began to love James T. Kirk. Okay. I have to say I, I understood like three words in that sentence. Oh, yeah. You need to see Star Trek 2. It's pretty amazing. I'll see any, I haven't seen any of the Star Trek. Oh, damn. My, I, I'm just trying to stop calling it, it Star Wars. If it weren't so late, I would call my dad and I would hold the phone up here and I would have him do it. But he's, he's probably How much of this is going to get into the podcast is my question. <laughs> yeah, we have to torture Ryan. The podcast Ryan sat out of. We had a 30-minute Star Trek conversation on the oh my one God. I want to see 45-minute like, time travel discussion back for that. And he sees these ranked lists in the chat box. <laughs> you know? I, I just love that Ryan's reaction when he finds out of all the podcasts he missed, he missed the podcast of us discussing Star Trek captains for half uh, an hour. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Priceless. Alright, we, we, need, we need a segue 
back to this fix somehow, I think. Okay. So, uh, Harry Potter is the Picard of Backwards of the Purpose. Mm. <laughs> is he? Or Dumbledore is the Picard of Backwards of the Purpose. Yeah, he's the most competent character in story. I would think of Harry as the, the Kirk-esque yes. character. Harry is Kirk and Dumbledore is And Ginny is Janeway. <laughs> All right, your, your analogy has just broken down. Congratulations, Mike. I was actually going to say that that Albus that Albus Severus was going to be Janeway because uh, the one thing about Janeway she loves messing with time. How many time travel episodes are there in Voyager? Like forty? Or like 50? crazy dimensions and stuff. Like, Absolutely, I love I love the Voyagers and stuff. And they take I like, <laughs> the one that always makes me laugh is the one where there's two where there becomes two Voyagers and like they take like the baby died and Harry yep. died. They have to get the baby and Harry from the other one and then the other one can blow up. Everybody else can die as long as Harry that, lives and the baby. That one had a great twist that it was the, the, the ship that was, you know, intact and was good was the one that got attacked and then the ship that was all damaged was the one that survived. Like that, I love that twist in that episode. I, I didn't see the actual movie but I saw it coming attraction so I know there's a Professor X one. Isn't there where he goes back to our modern day Earth? I, I remember seeing a coming attraction. Who that the hell is Professor remember. X? He's one of the captains. I forget which Picard. one. Picard. He's, he's talking Picard. about Patrick Stewart. Patrick Stewart was in another movie and he played a guy named Professor X. He was in the X Men movie. Played Professor X. How do you not know? Do you not You've know never seen X Men? P.S. Nope. I oh, was no. raised DC. I was raised rabid DC. Ooh. Well, yeah, I was raised raised Marvel, but I, I appreciate DC quite. These DCs, I think, outstripped Marvel in recent years. Although the new no, Wolverine yeah. movie looks incredible. I've, ne- I've never really gotten into Marvel. I've had some. I've had some dabbling in Marvel because raising a child completely in one is a bit ignorant. But I I've never not, really. I, I, have I, no I always. Come home to DC in the end. Yeah. I have no background in any of them other than I watched the X Men cartoon as a kid. That's my background. X Men cartoon, the X Men the animated series was really good. That was a good. I used to love that series as a kid. Yeah. You know what's hilarious? Probably. The Iron <laughs> that Man animated cast. series. I have watched. I've watched. Been watching that on the um, the Toon Disney. It is which which animated series? Iron Man. Never seen. Um, it. it is the you know, crackiest ever. It is very. Funny. With the exception of the X Men animated series, the DC uh, cartoons are like a thousand times better than anything they've oh, ever done. Yes. Marvel. Yes. Yes. Batman the Animated Series, Justice League, Teen Titans was really good. I like, didn't watch. I never watched Teen Titans. I didn't really. Teen like Titans it. was really good. How old are you, Crunk? Twenty-seven. Seven. I grew up on the Batman animated series. Oh, so good, so good. Were you old enough to watch the X Men cartoon? Yes, or was that? Abs- I don't know. I never was exposed to it. I'm gonna have you to look up and see young. when it was. I don't remember watching any new Marvel cartoons when I was little. I watched the old, old Fantastic Four. Ooh. Oh, best cartoon. Ever Thundercats? Yeah. Thundercats. Wait, no, no, not that one. Never mind. Captain, Captain Planet. Captain Planet. I, like Captain, I love Captain you know, Planet. I'm going to embarrass Cody on this podcast. Cody never heard of Captain Planet. If I remember, if I'm not getting confused. I think it was Cody who I was talking with on Skype, and she didn't know who Captain Planet was. Is it 1992? I don't Captain Planet. I don't remember where I'm. No, 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 no. <laughs> I mean the X Men. I'm looking up X Men to see when this cartoon came out. I, in 1992, I was four. I would have been six. And I probably so I probably wasn't watching. How could you been four? Too. I was born in 88. How old do you think I am? thought you were 21. I am. That would make you four years younger than me. My birthday's already... Oh, wait, I, I was eight, My birthday happened already in 2009. I'm 21 years old. Me, I, I was thinking 86, not 84. I was doing my math. Use your math, Mike. Seriously. My- <laughs> I put my birthday on the wrong year. My bad. <laughs> Mike doesn't even know how old he is. But... Um, <laughs> 
Um, I was going to be six plus the day to do that. Six years. I was six years old. No, I was born in 84. I'm okay, eight years this old. is, I didn't watch the X-Men. Okay, you know when, why, we want to know why I didn't watch the X-Men. Because when I was four. a kid, we had rabbit ears and we didn't get Fox well at all is downstairs. The only place we got Fox was in my dad's, my parents' bedroom. And that's where we, we watched Simpsons there in the evening. Oh God, Simpsons but was so good. we didn't get Fox real well downstairs. So that's probably why I never saw the X-Men cartoon. Kronk will remember this. Kronk, do you remember the dinosaur TV show yep. where Don't Hit the Big yes, B? I remember oh, that. Yeah. That's my that's my first television memory. Like, Kronk first... remembers Ghostbusters. Kronk remembers Thundercats. I know Kronk remembers Thundercats. Oh, yeah. Thundercats. I was the, I was Original Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Yep, were you still young enough to appreciate Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles? I would have thought you would have been a little too old for it, but then. No, it was, uh, it was on when I was like six or seven. That can't be right. Sure. Well, now it can't be. I've been popular when you were six or seven. Ah, I remember something Teenage new teenage Turtles, but I don't really remember what it was. Cartoon. You know, but you know what the weird thing is? I can. I, I remember I loved the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle cartoon, but I can barely, I can't remember like any episodes. Same thing with Ghostbusters. I can't remember any of the episodes I saw. I just remember what I liked it. I remember the characters. I don't remember anything that happened in that show. Okay. The uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles TV series began in 87 when I was six. But when did it hit popularity, though? The movie, uh, the movies came the movie. out in... The second, the second movie was probably the height of its popularity, right? The first and second yeah, movie. I remember the movie. I don't remember that I... Okay, all I remember... it's This is dumb. I must have seen something because I named the trains, the train engines in our Christmas garden are named after the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. I, I can tell you because I, I must have seen something, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, because that they're named... They're, the, um, the trains are color-coded named after the turtles. When they became big, you would have been 10 and 11, Kronk. I know this because when they came big, I was 7 and 8, and I remember we would always play Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles in the schoolyard. We'd all pick a Ninja Turtle and then pretend to fight each other, and I was always down at the <laughs> The first movie came out when I was 9, um, and but I... What, why does it matter when it was popular? I watched it when, it, when, the, when, the, when, the, when the TV show first came out. That was my, part of my Saturday morning lineup. <laughs> I'm just well, There's a lot of... I like, see, looking at, like, I don't think Captain... Captain Planet wasn't just come on when I remember it, but I remember it. I watched it. I a joke. Like, everyone knows Captain Planet. I watched Captain. a lot of reruns. You know what I mean? Like, a lot of... You're, like, underestimating the power of reruns. Gummy Bears, Kronk. Gummy Bears and uh, Duck Oh, Tales. my God. Yes. Those, the, they, that was the era of great, like, um, TV, uh, of cartoon, like, jingles. Uh, yeah. Like, Gummy oh, Bears. It's been, it's been probably 15 years. Everywhere. everywhere. High adventure that's, that's beyond, beyond compare. They are the Gummy Bears. I don't remember the Tailspin song at Sing all. Sing Ducktail song. Sing the Ducktail song. Duck, like, something, 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 something. The words were, you know, whatever. I don't remember the Ducktail song either, but I, I have Ducktails on DVD. I haven't watched it yet. Oh my god, you have Ducktails on DVD. I have Ducktails and Darkwing Duck on DVD. Do you make copies for me, P.S.? No, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to let you steal classic television from me. God, Ducktails was great. It was. I was DuckTales was all reruns. I, I was like two when DuckTales went off the air, so it was all reruns. <laughs> Did you see the movies, Kronk? Did you see the DuckTales movies? There were yes. two movies. I don't think, the, I don't the think so. The movie was awesome. Wait, there were There's two the fact, movies. Speaking of which, is the movie where they go back in time, where they have the magical lollipops, and you look the lollipop, and you stick the lollipop in the Are machine. Are you kidding? Oh my god, 
I never saw that one. I just saw the one. I just saw the movie The Lamp. I might be thinking of the two original DuckTales movies is, if you remember the TV show, remember the caveman guy with the little cave duck, whatever his name was? Mm-hmm. Well, I can't remember his name, but you know what I'm talking about, right? The cave duck looked like Bubba, Bubba. Um, mm-hmm. so the, first, the first movies where they find Bubba and they and they start time traveling using uh, these magical pops, like popsicles. They stick machines and the popsicles start to melt and they can't get back to the future. And the second movie is where you meet Gizmo Duck. I think DuckTales is also my all-time favorite Game Boy game because <laughs> it was so good. <laughs> God, the original Game Boy, so good. Mario Brothers, Nintendo, that, those are the best original games. Oh, God. Oh, can't. So good. Well, you know what? So you know what? I have found really good Disney Afternoon fanfic. <laughs> really? Oh, yeah. Yes, it's really good. Like, they have, like, it's really, like, like actual, like, serious good fanfic. And it's, like, they all assume that, um, not Gummy Bears, but, like, DuckTales oh, and, like, Tailspin. Gummy you know, Bears, DuckTales, Chippendales, Tailspin. It is, it's, like, it is, it's, like, Rescue Rangers, Tailspin, and, like, oh, DuckTales. It assumes that they all take place in the same universe. So It's, it's like, not too it's hard to do. That some of them are spin-offs. So I think uh, Darkwing yeah, Duck is a spin-off. I think it's of, pretty, uh, it's pretty uh, much yeah, because Launchpad takes in the same universe. Launchpad. Well, you know, you, at least uh, Ducktales and um, well, Ducktales and Rescue Rangers have to because they're like you know, I mean, well, Duck, so does Ducktales and Darkwing Duck because Launchpads in both of them. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, what I'm saying is like they the classic Disney characters are in them. So obviously, Ducktales and Rescue Rangers and Darkwing Duck have a and Goof Troop have like a basis in like the original Disney shorts. So they all take place in the same universe because those did. Oof, so good. So good. Yes, yeah, so you got to make me copies of uh, DuckTales. Not going to do it. So not Why not? So it's stealing, Michael. <laughs> How dare you? How dare I imply that? Oh, my God. Gargoyles. Oh. Are you guys too Gargoyles. old for Gargoyles? No, I, saw, no, I, mean, I, thought gar- I, I didn't I watch gar- it. Cool. I didn't watch it much. But uh, you know who was on that? was uh, Kate Mulgrew. Yeah. Yep. That's crazy. Like, uh, I remember on my random IMDb searches finding that out. And that, and that blew my mind. There were other, there's another Star Trek actor on there. I think Michael yeah, Dorn or somebody. Um, a bunch of them. It's, um, I never remember their real names, but, um, the evil gargoyle woman is Deanna Troy. And, uh, Marina Sertens. Yeah. The, like, the guy, the human man is, um, Riker. Oh, you know really? John yeah. Frank's cool. Did you see Conan, the cartoon Conan Cronk, when you were no. a kid? Ah. I don't remember. That was less mainstream, but I like that one. I, I did watch He Man, Masters of the Universe. Uh, no, it was before my time, I think. Okay. Yeah. yeah. There was, there's an old cartoon that I can never remember that, uh, I've, I've wanted to find for years. It was like, the plot was this, this guy who was, they were searching for the, the seven cities of gold or something. And it dark was like, water? Really, was that what it was called? No, was like, that's oh. not Dark Water. Dark Water is okay. different. That's a good show too, though. Yeah. But, uh, I, I can never remember what it's called. Um, seven cities anyway. of gold they're looking for, you said? Yeah. And it was really catchy, and I just don't remember. Do you remember the studio, the channel, anything? Uh uh-uh. uh. Remember any of the character names? Uh uh-uh. uh. Was it built based on real mythology, like El Dorado? Or Some something? of it. It was partially based on it. Yeah. Okay, let's see El Dorado. Let us see Disambiguation. That's what I'm looking at too. Um, literature, art, and television. Was it anime? Because it's an anime show called Mystery no, City Girl. Into animated comedy film. A BBC I don't believe so. A 1967 film, a 2008 film. Um, you don't know, but I'm looking on ANN. Anyway. That's gonna bother me now too. Yeah, I, we, we have to find this encyclopedia. We'll put it on the yes. podcast. Everyone knows. Tell us everything you know about this cartoon. And, and you are made of veil. They don't have a search. Okay, let's All right, Conk, on my go. Tell us now. Tell us everything you remember. About this oh no. We'll try to we'll try to see if anyone on the pod, anyone in PFW knows what you're talking okay. about. Okay. Um, your- uh, it was it was weird. Like they they spend a good portion of it underground. There's like an underground city, and I don't remember what it was called. And there was like Is a little it, alien. Sorry. Um, hang on. I might have. Go on. It. Keep telling us all your details. Okay, it's it. kind of like a, like a little alien. I think I found it. I'm 
going to What's read you a summary. Go for it. Esteban is a foundling from Barcelona on a mysterious pa- with a mysterious power of ordering the sun to appear for whom he is, which he is called Child of the Sun. Upon the death of his adopted father, Esteban learns that he was rescued from, as a baby from a sinking ship in the ocean. Mysterious me- medallion that Esteban wears since he ever ever since he has to trace somewhere in the New World, probably coming from the mysterious cities of gold. Esteban leaves Spain to find his parents and find out who he is. On the way, he meets Zia, an Inca girl who was kidnapped from her people mm. years ago and has exactly the same medallion as him. Is that it? This, this sounds starting to sound familiar. Yeah, that was Mysterious Cities of Gold. It is indeed an anime. It was an, it looks like it was an NHK production. Studio Piero from, I'm looking for the year. 82 to 83 was the original broadcast. Um, it doesn't, no dates for it being brought over, but the broadcaster here was Nickelodeon, and the That's, dubbing was Steak. That could be it. And I'm, I'm going to give you the link to the page on ANN so you can see the picture. That would probably answer the question for us. Mystery could be solved, maybe. Maybe. I've, I've got the Wikipedia article for it up right now. Mm. You look at the picture, uh, you probably recognize right away if that's the picture, and P.S. just linked us. There's a couple yeah. of pictures there. The animation looks... Uh, I don't know if that's if that's right or not. <laughs> Can't make up your mind. Uh, it doesn't look like the anime as we think of anime today, which is interesting. Yeah, it's it's old. It's That's mm-hmm. 80s stuff. <sighs> Doesn't sound like it's the right. Uh, now that might be it, because it aired on Nick eighty six to ninety, which would be the right years, which is the right period of time. Hmm. See if you can find an episode on YouTube later, and then you'll probably be able to confirm it, or like a clip on YouTube. <laughs> the main kid was also Kintaro in Urusei Atsura. <laughs> That's funny. Okay, I'll take your word on being funny. Main kid was also secretly the actor portraying Neville in Backwards with a Purpose. <laughs> <laughs> he kind of looks like Neville. <laughs> <laughs> See what else we don't have Renault on the podcast we just we just stopped talking what, about the the, what is talking going about on in those pictures he's like killing a bird he's like chasing this small bird <laughs> now you have to put the pictures in the podcast when we put it up hey the bird's chasing him by the way isn't the bird behind his head no I'm looking at the little green bird that he's like reaching out to grab and it's, <laughs> yeah, it's yeah, cowering yeah. in fear that's right <laughs> he's a bird killer is what he is there's a lot of birds too there's like three birds in this picture there's a bird <laughs> over his head and the, the, the second birds. picture is like screwy perspective because they're all like falling down well, there's two birds there too the there's a little green. There's like a he's little. Sitting, nice he's, like, he's like sitting on that small black child. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't realize it was a person. I just thought it was a. You're right though. And wow. the girl, the girl is like falling. About, you know, the girl's gonna like fall flat on her face. Does the does the, does the black kid even have a face? Yeah. Oh yeah, it's bent over. I think it's like, supposed to be Middle Eastern. That is actually. not physically possible. Well, I want to know is what's with all the birds? Why are there like three different birds in every single picture we have of this show? You see, I mean, there's three. There's three <laughs> birds in the top one, and there's three birds in the in the bottom one, but they're all different birds, it's not the same three birds. It is the like, same bird. The green bird is the green bird. Look at and them; the they're different colors. It's, it's like no, it's, it's like it's just, I think that's just a picture. I think it's clearly the same no. bird. I don't know. And like and the the gold thing. Okay, that's definitely not a real bird. That is definitely like a machine, or it could be a mystical bird with magical powers. Yes, indeed. Very. It's, it's anime. It could be almost anything. I love, <laughs> I love like the stupid alternate titles. Like, why would you call it Esteban, a boy from the sun? Is it a lame? <laughs> I don't know. I think that's got to be it right there. I think it is, too. I think you solved the mystery. That's that's cool. Okay, well, uh, I'll have to check that out, see if I can find a copy of that somewhere. It's interesting. Okay, well. Oh, that, that was the original title. <laughs> YouTube it later. The sun is, is the Japanese title. <laughs>
Nice. If you you YouTube it later, I'm sure um, a bunch of stuff will pop up. I don't know, maybe not. I'll, I'll try it anyhow. So, um, why are we even talking right now? I don't I don't even remember. Are we done? Pretty much. Do uh, we have anything else to say about the actual fic before we just totally disintegrate here? I don't know. Um, I found the opening sequence. Let's see if that's it. Send it. Put it in the thing. I want to see it. <laughs> Boy, before we before we see the thing, we should probably see if there's anything left on the on the fic. Uh, yeah, this is it. This is it. Oh yeah. A lot of hits on it too. It's a popular show. 181,000 people have viewed this hit. <laughs> oh, God. He keeps falling down. That's what it is. He, sh- he lost his shoe. What happened to his shoe? What the hell is that plane? There's not planes back then. <laughs> oh, my God. There's there's people that are like, oh, I almost want to cry. 20 years ago, I was obsessed with this with this show. Oh, my God. This is so... Uh... I wonder if we can solve a cartoon mystery for PS. See, aren't you embarrassed, Kronk, that you used to like this show? No. Like, it was way better than the than it looks. Like, sure. you, 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 you used like gummy bears. You know, okay, come on. Whoever's editing this episode, who's editing this episode? They're probably going to hate us. They're, They're absolutely going to hate us. We the, the, the last hour, we've got maybe like five minutes of usable material for the podcast. Like, ugh, but see, this I'm, is entertainment. This is quality Puffwa, and since Puffwa is down, we need to bring you quality Puffwa entertainment. God. All right, here's a random question. Here's a Puffwa question for you. No, actually, it's not a good Puffwa question. Okay, no, here's a good Puffwa question. If you were going to send Ryan, if you were going to switch Ryan's brain into another Puffwa member's body. Who would you put his brain into? Does the other Puffwa member's brain come into Ryan's body? Yeah, like they switch, we switch, we body switch them. And chaos ensues. Who would we, who would we switch? Jen. Ryan and Lady Jen? Chi. Ryan and Lady Chi? <laughs> That'd be funny. Like, Ryan is Lady... Imagine Ryan going around in Lady Chi's everyday life and Lady Chi going around in Ryan's everyday life. I can, I can only think of the havoc that Chi would, would purposely <laughs> rot. Uh, <laughs> yeah, destroy Ryan's life. Can we solve a cartoon mystery for PS? What's the cartoon mystery? Okay, you guys are probably not going to remember this because because I was pretty old when this cartoon was on. I was like six or seven. And the cartoon was about dogs. And the dogs yeah. had like a spy system, like a spy I know what you're talking about. network. And it was really cool. I'm sure it was stupid. But at the time, I thought it was the coolest thing ever. And it was I don't so, know the name, but I know what you're talking about. That rings a bell. It was like these dogs that were spies. And there was a the like, main dog was like blue. And the, the girl dog was pink. And then there was a little brown, hairy dog. I remember the, I remember the premise you're talking about by Captain. Well, I'm sure one of our viewers will not. Does anybody ever, does anybody remember this, um, the cartoon? It, it's, it was, I'm pretty sure it was anime. It was these koalas. No. <laughs> anime, no. It was on Nick. It was one of those things, it was one of those Japanese shows on Nick that they, they took a bunch. I'm sure it was from the same studio as the mysterious gold one because they probably took a bunch. <laughs> yeah. So did you never see Dark Water, P.S.? Yes. You did see it or you didn't? I did. Okay. I, I haven't thought of that show in years until this podcast. Pirates love- of Dark I am I am a junkie for old cartoons. So like, you've seen say, Thundercats. If you, if you don't no no, I was I've seen SWAT Cats. SWAT Cats, psh, that's horrible. SWAT Cats is awesome. Come on. I was I guess I was too old when that came out. I thought that was a really I put that in like sort of the Power Ranger category. SWAT Cats. Wow, Power apparently Rangers. Care Bears was originated in Canada. That doesn't does that shock anyone? Come now. SWAT uh, Cats. Not really. <laughs> hey, are you are you shocked that Care Bears originated in Canada? It nope, seems like a pretty sort of thing. SWAT Cats was the first thing where I was shipping a slash ship before I even knew what I was doing. That's scary. Yeah, you know what? I could even, I wouldn't even. Oh my god, Dave of the Gnome comes from Spain. That's crazy. Dave of the Gnome 
name is Spain. The World of David the Gnomes from Spain, 1985. David the Gnome was my favorite cartoon when I was little. So, like, really Whoa, little. Like, it that's was probably crazy. Like, I, don't, I hardly even remember it. Let me see it. Okay, I want to get this. <laughs> Sorry. I went back and saw the show later, and I realized how horribly lame it was. But at the time, I thought this was the coolest show in the world. Do you want to watch that? Conan and the Adventurer? Yeah. There was a Rambo cartoon. Come on. I have that in the side, like, as the, as the related video. <laughs> wow. <laughs> is that like, you, you just listen to the strip, the intro, and it's like... <laughs> that is so silly. See, I never liked that kind of stuff. Like, the like the swords and demons and going up. I remember thinking the snake, the swords turning the snake people and sending them away. I used to think that was the coolest thing in the world. But now I, I, I listen to the intro talk about his parents turning to stone. I'm like, oh, God, it's silly. That's so stupid. And mostly what I remember about this is there was a phoenix, which, and this is why I, I always, and because it stuck in my mind, I always think of Fox like this. There was a phoenix who was obsessed with pomegranates. And that's how I eat pomegranates, because I would watch this show, and all the phoenix would do would, would be go like, pomegranates, pomegranates, I want pomegranates. And so I would make my mother buy me pomegranates to try a random fact. <laughs> Are we pretty much done with this podcast? Do we have anything else actually to say so we don't waste like whoever's editing its time? I'm, I'm pretty sure a lot of this is staying. It's entertaining. Oh, yeah, I'm but pretty I, sure I, this I, is going to get cut to hell. There's no way we can have like an hour and a half of us talking about things that are, have nothing to do with Harry Potter. Well, before we answer that, I think we should address the more important question. How dumb are you? It's hard to talk about Book of Albus. This is not the part of the problem. Is this is not a wordy fic. This is not a fic that's you know four hundred thousand yeah. words. There's this not is a, a lot of it physically. Like yeah, I think what, we should have we should have done one. We yeah, the whole one. thing. And I was thinking Albus that too. The whole thing should have been one. You yeah. know, Especially we should just. Uh, it really isn't that long. And you know what? I bet's going to happen. I bet it's going to become one episode because we did not do anything tonight. We did not talk about <laughs> fic at all. So well, I bet we're going to edit we did this a little week and next week together it's and have eighty. One episode. Promise them that. P.S. You don't know if we're going to. That or not. It's, cut it out. I'm just this saying. This is the 87,000 words. 87,000 words compared to backwards of purpose, which is 283. I mean, that's long at all. Yeah. And, uh, and the whole compare that to, I don't know. I, you I, look at it and you're like, oh my god, it has 50 chapters. The chapters like all fit in the, all fit in one screen. Like you don't have to like scroll down to read the chapters. Yeah. Without, Seven without of looking. those chapters are less than 200 words because they're the, the obituary chapters. Without you two looking, guess for me how many words a year like none other was. Like a million. Oh, I know. It was 900,000 words. You're both wrong. Actually, you both guess too high. You just destroyed my... Really? How many was it? 760,000. 760,000? Uh, um, Barb's Trilogy is over a million. I'm pretty sure Paradigm Uncertainty is close to it. Well, the um, trilogy's over a million because yeah. uh, You're Like Another is 760,000. Uh, Summer Like None Other is 225,000. And she only just started the third one. And it's already 57,000. So, yeah. yeah but there's like some 60,000 word chapters in, in A Year Like None Other. Like, yeah, that, yeah. That, so that, that's like... They grew like, that's child child part of why I got discouraged on a year like another because the first chapter is like three words long so I was like sweet this it's 90 chapters long but the chapters are really short you get to but 70 then, and it's like oh. when I was reading that PS I didn't have a job and so I actually like and I just wanted to get through the damn fit because it wasn't my favorite in the whole world but I wanted to read it so I could listen to the podcast and I just oh, I, 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 I went, went through like an entire night reading this fic like for the last like three chapters it took me like the entire night to finish the fic I, it was so year like another is one of those words like I feel like I wasted some time from my life. Like I would, I would like to oh, have this minute. You like maybe my all-time favorite Harry Potter fan. It's the reason weird. I'm on this board is because of a year like none other. I wouldn't have known PFW without a year like none other. Well, if it brought us the glory of Mike, then how bad yep. can it be? Right? It can be fine. Ooh, I just Rainbow remember reading. <laughs> uh, 
So, but it was so, like, see, it's the only. I'm sorry, I'm. This is you're like another bash session, but I. It, it is the only fic that I just like physically like couldn't keep reading. Like POU, it. I just didn't want to read anymore because I didn't like it. Like a year like none other, I pro- I couldn't. Like I probably would have like had a reaction if I'd forced myself. To keep That's reading. a shame. I, I I can't. I have such a hard. You know what I like to see changing the subjects. I don't want to bad mouth my favorite fic. You know what I like to see you read, Kronk? Uh, in blood only. I'd be curious what you made of that because in a lot of ways it's the. Um, um, exact opposite. It's the same plot, but the exact opposite of a year like none other is how I almost think of it. Hmm. Uh, it's it's all coming on the podcast, right? It is, yeah. So you'll probably, I don't know if you're planning to read it anyway, but if you read it ahead of time, I'd be curious. My, my plan is to read those ahead of time. I don't read them along with the podcast. If you read it, you can I, come, on, come on. I always like to be done before we start recording. So well, we, can edit this out. we can edit this out, too. But what I, that, actually, we should definitely edit this out since we're covering the fic. But what I, in fact, why don't we stop the podcast and I'll say that. Are we done with the no, podcast? I, I think we should, we should try and, and and try to uh, cobble together some sort of ending for this podcast. Yeah. yeah all right. Yeah. Why don't we give like final thoughts on the? Okay. On what of- I think these first twenty-five chapters. I think it's hard to talk about just the first twenty-five chapters and not the whole story as a whole, especially since I finished it. But I think it is a really great companion to Backwards with Purpose. Like it's a good a good continuation of not really continuation because it it, it literally is a companion because it, it goes along with it sideways. Yeah. It's right. a parallel story um, in. In many ways, to to backwards with purpose, um, and it really can't exist by itself. It's um, no. whereas backwards with purpose can, and I think that if um, I think it's an interesting fic because uh, not just because of the, uh, that, those reasons, but also because I think that it could have been made an independent fic. I think you could have written it in such a way where um, you you learn more about Albus. You you um, there's more um, background, more character development of him. I think you could definitely have it where it's its own separate fic, and it's and it, and then the two just kind of meet in between with the with the Merlin story, but uh, yeah. Um, uh, I, I enjoyed it a lot. I, I obviously I had my I still have uh, we stopped the debate, but I still have my problems with the rules of that uh, our time travel. But that aside, I enjoyed it a lot. I, th- I think actually that to get the most out of it, my opinion actually is you have to do what she suggests, and as you finish um, certain chapters in the fic, you go back and reread the backwards of the purpose chapter. Because I think when you do that, it just brings so much more depth to the story, and it fits together so nice. I actually I thought that was one of we didn't really hit on it much, but I thought that was one of the most more interesting things about the story, if you read it like she suggests you do, it's kind of like a two-layered story, because you're supposed to, I guess, my impression is that as she finished writing this, what you're supposed to do is you're supposed to read, you know, whatever, these two chapters of uh, Book of Albus, and you go and read these two chapters of Backwards with a Purpose, and then you sort of have the two layers of it, and it brings a new understanding to the story. Um, so I really liked that a lot. I, I also really liked the um, sort of a closure to our Weasley arguments of Backwards with a Purpose. I also found it interesting, the development of Voldemort from sort of Ryan's cliche guy into this intelligent person who's able to put together the clues and sort of figure out about time travel. That's something you never I've never read a time travel story where Voldemort figures out the other side's time traveling through like sheer intelligence. So I, I kind of like that. I like the expansion of Rookwood also in the story. That's what I like. Okay. Well, I guess uh, are we going to have an interview with Ella? Yes, I think we are going to have an interview. Oh, that's exciting. Ella. Hopefully yeah. by the time this podcast is released, Puffo will be back up. Yes. In the meantime, uh, be sure to twiddle your thumbs in safety and uh, try not to get any pieces cut. Watch old cartoons on YouTube. Yes, watch old old cartoons on YouTube. (laughs) (laughs) Good night. (laughs) 
TS is a little pissed off because I just gave her a math question. She can't find the answer to it. Oh, I gotta ask Jen to the question. I'll give you mine, Ryan. You're like the smart person, so I'm gonna see if you can get. Unlike Jen too, that was harsh. Jen rolled over her foot with her chair, and she's telling me she's bleeding internally. How did she do that? I don't know, but she's laughing at me, and I'm like, Jen, you're not bleeding out. She's like, I know that. I'm bleeding in. I think you're rolling How do you even your do that? foot with a swivel. I'm trying to... Oh my god, she's going to the hospital. Put on your headset right now. Jen, I thought you stubbed your toe. No, I'm dying. <laughs> <laughs> okay, explain to me what you did. Explain to me what and you did. And my baby's crying in the next room. I'm horrible. Okay, Jen, let's remain calm. You rolled I over your eating, foot. I was eating, for the first time, he was in his swing for 13 whole minutes. I uh-huh. was eating my chicken enchilada. I sat in my rolly chair to my computer, and for somehow, the side of my right foot got caught under the wheel. And it, like, pinched it. I guess pinched it. Whatever. And it's, like, bleeding under my skin, and, like, my foot swollen. It's like swollen like, like a little golf ball on the side of my foot now. I think I broke a vein. You can't break you need to put. You need to put ice on it. I know. I don't have any. Do you right. have like frozen peas or anything? Do you have anything in your freezer? I what have you, pizza. You have frozen <laughs> pizza? <laughs> Alright, Jen. Get the frozen pizza. I called my mom and I was like, because my mom lives five houses down. And I called her and I was like, Mom, help. And she was like, well, I'll come over as soon as Ugly Betty's over. And I'm like, Mom! I'm dying! <laughs> well, Jen, when you say you rolled over your foot, you sound like you stubbed your toe. You like, No, I didn't stub my toe! Mom, bring I, party ice and vodka. So she said she was going to bring an ice hack, but I have to wait till Ugly Betty's... <laughs> Are you serious? <laughs> Jen, I think I, you should call 911. It can be like the woman in the McNuggets. Come on. Like, call James. Well, thank God for Facebook I am, because who knows where my phone was. And so I, I am James, and I'm like, James, I'm dying. And he's like, what's wrong? Because he knows me, so he really knows to freak out when I say that. And, and you know, and I, he, I was like, where's the phone? And he was like, it's on my side of the bed. I'm like, what is it? Never mind. So I ran and got it and, like, hobbled over there. And I dialed him, and, and he was like, well, is your, is your foot turning black? And I was like, no, because I'm white. And he said, no, is it, like, turning, like, greenish black? And I said, no, it's, like, red. Like, I can see it bleeding inside of my skin. It's, like, purple red. And he was like, well, if it turns black, call me again. Bye. So he's only going to be concerned once you have What time's Ugly Betty over? What time's Ugly Betty over? Eight. Like, horrible people. They don't even care anymore. Well, well, Um, you you have to admit, Jen, it sounds a little ridiculous. I rolled over my foot. I'm bleeding and turning. Would it be any other way, though? I swear. Jen, we've been through two months together. You're not going to die because you rolled over your foot with a swivel chair. Yeah, that's what you think. It's like shitting up my leg and my head hurts now. You're internally like, bleeding from rolling over yeah, yourself you know, in the like desk chair. When you, oh, and you know what? I was opening a freaking thing of Similac this morning, the formula thing, and I cut my finger on the foil. You know, to, you have to, like, open a lid and then you have to pull back that, like, freaking thick foil, whatever. Yeah, I've done that. I, can't, Jen, we- I couldn't leave. I did that. So now I'm bleeding. Ugh. Does Poofo need to put you into assisted living? <laughs> you know, that's not too far off anymore. I was wondering what the podcast has lost from you taking so much time off. I think this is it. I believe what she has is called a hematoma. Are we, are we wicking it? What does that mean? Oh, no, I just, I just know that from experience, I think. Let's well, frankly. It. Jen, does it look at all like this? Well, now it's got a pizza on it, and I just dropped my phone. <laughs> <laughs> Jen, does it look like this? 
How can you not have any ice? Because Wait, do I want to we, open this? We drink I, I don't want to open this. We don't actually so. use ice. I don't drink ice normally. You can't drink ice. That would be painful. Well, get something cold out of your fridge, like a bottle of ketchup or something. I went and got the pizza, dude. And I'm not sure that that's the best conveyance for... Because um, I don't have... We have to, we have to go to Sam's this weekend. We're, we're living on ramen and burritos that my mom brings over. Well, look at the bright side, Chen. But Ugly Betty is over in nine minutes. Good, because my foot hurt, man. Does your foot look like the picture I just sent you? Crap, Ryan. I don't know. It's covered in pizza right now. It's got pepperonis on it and stuff. <laughs> you had to send us a picture of somebody's ass? <laughs> Sorry about that. You're sending a picture of an ass? <laughs> is that really an ass? That's not his ass. This is his leg. Oh, what is this picture? Ass. I'm not opening it. <laughs> that is his, no, it's yeah, his, I didn't open it. I it's his it. upper thigh. Yes, that's how my foot looks. Uh-oh. Except go to the doctor. Except he is hairy. No, you don't, you just need to you need to elevate your foot and you need it's, to ice on it. <laughs> it could be worse. You elevate, have to elevate your ass. The pizza is not balancing very well. <laughs> oh. All right, Jen. We need to keep your mind occupied. All right. I'm going to ask you a question, and I need you to think carefully and answer it. And by the time you answer it, Ugly Betty will be over. All right. Agree. All right. Here's the question I have for you. Okay. Three guys decide to rent a hotel room so they can play poker away from their wives. Okay. Uh huh. They go to the desk at the hotel, and the manager says that the room will be $30. They decide to each pay with a $10 bill, okay? okay? How much has each man paid for the room? $10 each? Right, $10. So they go to the room and they're playing poker. Now the manager is looking over the receipts and he realizes, holy crap, the room was only a $25 room. I've overcharged these poor men. So he calls over the busboy, Jimmy, and says, Jimmy, gives Jimmy five $1 bills, bring these up to room 317 and explain that I accidentally overcharged the men. So Jimmy is walking up to the room. Now, because of the Bush era, Jimmy is grossly underpaid. The minimum wage has not risen with inflation, and Jimmy is short on cash. So he thinks to himself, how are three men going to split $5? I know what I'll do. So he takes $2 from the five and sticks it in his pocket. He knocks on the door. He says, excuse me, you've been overcharged $3. We're very sorry. Here's your money. So each man takes a dollar bill back, and they resume playing poker. How much has each man paid for the room now? $11. All right, Jen, Wait, work with nine. me. Shoot, Every, nine. Each man, has paid, all right, each man has paid $9. How much have the three men paid combined? 27 How much has Jimmy the busboy kept? Two. What is 27 plus two? <laughs> Wait a minute. Oh. What did I do wrong here? My question for you, Jen, is if... I can't do math. My foot hurts. <laughs> into anyone on the line. They paid 27 bucks for the room. Jimmy kept two. They originally paid 30 Where's the other dollar? The dog ate it. <laughs> no. Really? I don't know. Did I do it wrong? Well, do it in your head. What did you do wrong? I did it wrong. I did it wrong. Well, where did you make your mistake? I have no idea. He gave them each a dollar back, $3. So if they paid 10 then they each paid 9 which was 27 because 3 times 9 is 27 right? right. Yeah. Yes, it is. Because yep. I'm doing the finger math here. Yeah. Yep. And... <laughs> 
I don't know. I feel like a really dumb idiot right now with a hurt foot. Gen 2, where's the missing dollar? President Bush? <laughs> yeah, the inflation. <laughs> P.S. Do you know where the missing dollar is? Has P.S. been here for the last hour? She doesn't want to answer. Here, i got to type this out. I want to give... Did I never give you, Ryan? Oh, God. P.S. is drawing this out right now with Monopoly. Oh, well, I'm glad it's not just me being stupid here. I am not, not stupid. I'm trying to do it. <laughs> mean that y'all were stupid. No. <laughs> I haven't taken math since my junior year of high school. Me neither. Did you, find, did you find the missing dollar? That's not true. I took math for liberal arts in college, and it was like how to balance your checkbook. And- <laughs> well, I took real math, not this shit. <laughs> P.S. Is, Jen, P.S. is much angrier since you last podcasted. I'm sorry, why? I don't know. She's been dealing with us for the last 20 episodes. Did you run over your foot with a roller chair? (laughs) Jen, you've got four minutes till ugly Betty's over. I know. Didn't they pay $9.33 for the room? Because they paid 30 and they they only got, the guy kept two. So that was $28 that he refunded to them, not $27 that he Yep, the guy kept the guy kept two, so he right. did. So that was twenty eight that they paid for the room. Now you got to split twenty eight three ways. But That's they each, $9. They each got a dollar bill back. They each got a dollar bill back, so I, each man actually paid nine. Well, each man actually paid nine thirty three for the room because, um, well, he got a dollar back. The thirty three cents is no, but already it's, kept it's, by the guy. How much did he lose? Like, what is his out of pocket expense? It doesn't. The question isn't asking like how much went to the room. The answer to the question is that math doesn't work in this problem. Lego's right work. and Ma- Ryan's right because math doesn't Lego work. Is yeah. right. If you get if you took Monopoly money and did the problem, it, you would have $30. But when you multiply 9 times 3 to get 27 and add any other 2, it doesn't work. So well, you asked lot. what if they paid for the room. There's, they're still all no, out for asked, room $9. Well, he asked me what was the expense. What did each man pay for the room? Each man paid $9. And 33 cents. No, each man paid $9. Each man took out a $10 bill, yeah. gave it to the guy. There's still out that 33 back. cents, whether whether yeah. they got it back. or I mean, It doesn't matter if it went to the room or to the, the bellboy. It's what they're like, out of pocket expenses. It still yeah. doesn't have it anymore. Yeah, each man spent $9 out of the money in their wallet. So I did it right. Maybe the mic was trying to make you think I did it wrong. I no, guess you've no. got it right five times, B.S. No, the, you can't do it by math. Yeah, math is stupid. <laughs> so, Ryan. Not, math is fun because Jen. math is always the same. Oh, vomit. Ugh. It didn't I work well that. in this problem. <laughs> I have one for you now, Ryan. Math is always okay. the same. Where's the dollar? What's your okay, question? Okay, I didn't right? sign up for this. <laughs> <laughs> Hold on. We're doing the most complicated time travel story ever, but we're getting confused over where's the missing dollar from the there poker game. missing dollar. I think the person who told you the story told you wrong, Ryan. They, can't, they Jen, left out the, the 33 cents. It makes perfect sense. They Each left man out the 33 cents. No, there's no change involved. Each man takes $10 out of their wallet and gives it to the guy. Each man gets a dollar bill back. Not a diagram, Jen. See, here's what I did. I drew a diagram, right? <laughs> like, I made up, like, a little story. I'm right? making a flow chart here. I Hold on. No, 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 seriously. <laughs> I've got this. a pizza in front of me. I'm making a pizza chart. <laughs> so not only is Ryan trying to cause war with another podcast, he's causing war among the podcasts. I'm not firing at them. They're firing at us. <laughs> My foot hurts. <laughs> All right, you've got 10 bags of coins, right? Mm-hmm. Each bag, there are 10 coins. Each coin <laughs> weighs 10... Jen knows this one. And each coin no, weighs 10 I'm grand. I'm imagining Dwight from the office, and I'm like, it's not real coins, it's pirate coins. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's just ridiculous. Hold on. Right. 
Ten over. bags of ten coins. Ten bags of coins. Ten each coins bag in is, a bag. Each coin weighs ten grams, except in one bag, all the coins weigh nine grams. You have a scale. Oh, of- hang on. I need a notebook. Do we even <laughs> use grams in our weighing stem in America? Well, this question is actually, the actual question is shekels, and it's the highest difficulty officer's question for the Israeli military. Um, it's not coins, it's drugs. <laughs> shekels right. are coins. Uh, all right, so yeah. ten bags, ten coins in the bag, each coin weighs ten grams, except in bag number ten, where they all weigh nine. Right. Okay. Get one measurement on a scale. That means one measurement only. One number coming up. How do you figure out which bag is the counterfeit bag and you can't tell by feel? Hold on. I, I, I understood the setup. I just don't understand the question. Say the question. How do you figure out which bag is the counterfeit bag? No, the, the line before that. You can't, you can't tell just by touching it which one's lighter and you can only get one measurement on a scale and you have to figure out which bag is the counterfeit bag. What do you mean by you can only get one measurement on a scale? Like only one number can appear on the you can't, you can't like weigh it and then weigh it again and another number comes out. Can you weigh each bag or just one bag? One, if, you, if, you, every, if one number comes up on the scale, that's your one measurement. So if you weigh one bag, that's it. Can't weigh a second bag later. Okay, so how do you know which bag is the bag other than by weighing it? Sure. You can weigh it. You can only weigh it once, what I'm saying. You can only, you can only each bag once or one bag once? Scale once time period. After you like, once you period, really that's it. Okay. Well, how much is supposed to be in each bag? There's, every bag is 10 coins. Every coin each weighs Each one 10. is 10 grams except one. Yeah, but what's the grand total per 10? Like, there's no way that you could measure it and know which bag has nine grams if you don't know what the so total what, of the tip was this, to be. Unlike Ryan's, this one does have a solution. I will give you it. The only one I'm going to say is, is, is the counterfeit bag smaller than the other bag? No, they're all the bags of the same size. All right, then I get now, one is blue. obviously poofier. <laughs> no, 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 They're all the same poofiness. Whatever. Identical. This they look identical. <laughs> I just want to know where the missing buck is. Dude, I've asked this question to a thousand people, roughly, and only two have ever gotten the answer. It's the poofier, isn't it? I was right. Didn't did I, you have I, an answer, didn't I, get it right? um, I actually wasn't listening to the question, and I really didn't want to go through it. Like, didn't I get it right? Mike, what's the uh, answer to the question? You want me to give it away? Wait, I, I want uh, Lego of all people isn't going to have a guess. This is Lego. Put it on the form did, later. I did not people... answer. I didn't listen to the question. I was in the. All right, Lego. Lego, my Lego. I'm still not understanding the function of this scale. Brian, have you got it? No. Got it. Have Brian. No, I'm not sure what he's going for, but I'm not sure I can picture what the the scale of measure is here. How you uh, Mike, what's the answer? I'm assuming Gen 2 has no answer. Just tell us the answer, Mike. No, no, no. Think about it. Think about it. Think about it. Okay. Um, okay. What? I, I I get nothing. You get nothing. I get nothing. How could you not get it and I got it? I'm I told you the answer questions. before. That's why I got it. P.S. Yes. Right, you what's didn't the tell me the answer. I got it last time. I'm getting four hours of sleep a night. What's the answer to the question? Tell you. You can take one coin from the first bag, two from the second, three from the third, and so on down. And you calculate what it should be if they all weigh 10 grams. And then you put it on the scale, and you get the one measurement from the scale. And if that number is six short of what it should be, you know it came from the bag you took six coins from. If it's five short, you know it from the bag you took five sh- coins from, and so on. Ah, yes. That's deep. Very deep. That's but very not deep. very interesting. <laughs> <laughs> I want to know where the missing dollar is. All right. P.S. is very angry. I'm not Stop. angry. I'm right. I got it right. I got P.S. is very angry. You, you are alive. P.S. is always full of rage. To the wonder of that world through many pens, and we'll never let go of all the ones we've made our friends. And they'll say it's only a podcast. 
But we know it's much more than that It's a community all of its own Where we even have our own sorting hat Where the hosts are all our friends And the stories told by Jen We'll always laugh before the end Part of it we please Where the story never ends And welcome back to Parfait Weekly. This is Ryan. I'm P.S. I'm Jen 2. Hi. This is Lego Bean. Moment of silence, and this is Lego Bean. Gen 1, classic Gen, old school Gen is here. Unfortunately, there's been an incident at Casa Gen, which we've been covering for you live for the past hour. She's been back a week, and she has rolled over herself with a chair. And on behalf of everyone, all I can say is... At least it's not an ass hematoma. All right, that was unfortunate, because what happened was Gen 2 said... I believe what she has is called a hematoma. And I said, does your foot look like the picture I just sent you? To which point Gen 2 said... You had to send us a picture of somebody's ass? To which point I said... This is upper Thought. Then looking at it and realizing, holy shit, it's actually an ass. Hey, is that what's on my leg? You have a I've hematoma got, on your leg? I've got something on my leg, and I've There's had a- it since I was, oh, I don't know, no, I don't know sixth it's grade. A- it's an old sports injury. Does it look like the ass thing I think? I didn't look at that. Th- that can't be a girl. Is that a girl? I think it's a girl. I personally yeah. think that Poofo now needs the um, Gen 1 Memorial Pizza. <laughs> Leave it to her to only have a pizza. Like, I, like you know what? You you always know when Jen's not there because your room is missing that special oomph, and I have to feel like the oomph is back tonight. Like just every it day. It is a guy. It My is a guy. Is, why is she um, living off of burritos and top ramen if she has frozen pizza in the freezer? Well, the thing I have to say too is it's Texas. It's a hundred degrees all the time. You would think you would have lots ice. of stuff in your actually ice at least, not even stuff to migrate but ice because you have even if you don't drink with it i mean you don't put it in your drinks you think you just have ice no ice so but she she has cigarettes in her house in case a scorpion bites her so she's prepared for some disasters just how how does that help Uh, we we asked that in special edition number four there was a there was a scorpion attack on jen and she said that she was going to go and like shove her head into a bowl of tobacco or something we thought she was trying to commit suicide apparently it's just what you do but i don't know so um we have a bowl of tobacco there there was something with tobacco can anyone if you're listening to this right now listen to Special edition for wall to wall, and then tell me what happened. I can't remember. There was I something know, with cigarettes. Didn't know that tobacco was traditionally smoked in bowls. I don't. Well, maybe it was chili. Maybe I'm misremembering it. There was something that happened. But we all screamed out, "Are you trying to kill yourself?" And the, uh, it was a very odd episode. I, I really don't even know what that was. The one where Jen and the grizzly bear. I'm not. Ah! That that whole thing happened in special <laughs> edition four. So all right. So tonight, Jen. Uh, right now, Ugly Betty should be over. It's been over for 13 minutes. So there's a chance Jen is all right. Um, she is not responding to any of my messages, so God only knows. Uh, sorry guys, gotta go. My mom is making me elevate on the couch. Talk to you later. Well, the, the did good I news, or did I not tell her you, to elevate? You, you for did. Jen too did tell her to elevate. And the only thing I can add is that thank God she didn't roll over her 
your ass because how do you elevate your ass and not look like an idiot? I beseech you, my fellow Papuanians. So with that, why don't we jump into tonight's chapters? We're covering uh, the back 50... Well, I feel bad saying the back 50 chapters because half of these chapters... Well, not half, but at least 10% of these chapters aren't actually chapters. They're, you know, hey guys, I'm publishing publishing a sequel. So that's not really a chapter, but it counts. So I don't know. Actually, well, half the chapters are the rules of time travel explained to you once again. Can I just incorrect illogical rules. All right, we, we have Mike here for comic relief. No, just kidding, Mike. But um, I just do want to say one thing. I listen to these chapters on my iPod, so I have a text-to-speech converter, and it translates everything into, into speech, and it, and it reads me the chapters, which works well until people start calling Harry Jenny HG and Dumbledore DD, and they put slashes in, and you know, it's like the little heart thing when you're in sixth grade, you know, like like GW loves HP. It, it doesn't work well. The part where she goes down and explains everything that you've just read, I, I was like, thank God, you know, th- this is the previously on Book of Albus. But it was all in initials, and it was reading it really fast. I have no idea what went on. Like, it was, <laughs> like, like I, it, it was very frightening for me. It was like last week when Gen 2 asked me what it sounds like when someone reads a trashy romance novel very quickly. It's just, it, it doesn't. I'm taking an Arabic literature class, and I made the mistake of putting my reading in the text reader. So it was trying to read all these Arabic terms. And I, like, I couldn't even understand what it was saying. Like, it would say and what I could recognize as an English word, like, every five words. And I just could do it. Well, the problem I have with when I'm behind in the reading and the episode's coming up, and I try and just make it talk really quickly and read me the story while I'm at work, it doesn't work well. Because you can't really concentrate on your work when someone's talking like this in the background all the time. So, um, <laughs> it, so that doesn't work out too well. And it's like you're sitting there and you're hanging on to the side of your desk because you're going dizzy. It just it doesn't work out too well. With tonight's episode, I know previously in this episode, everyone did a lot of discussion on the mechanics of time travel and the and the whole you know with the cornerstones of of eight. Yeah, yeah like, you know all the cornerstones and the foundations and, and the rules and the fact that time travel is the anus of the universe and all that stuff, which I thought was a really good description. I'm trying to use that in my everyday life. So, um, one thing I want to say about it is it's like in all the Star Trek episodes. You knew I was going there. Come on, don't lie. It's a, it's a time travel one. You knew I was going there. Where they go back and it's the grandfather paradox when they go back in time and they kill the grandfather so then they're never born. So how did they ever go back in time? And in half the episodes, you know, maybe like the old timeline is erased and half the episodes they remember the whole thing and they remember going back and changing time even though they never went back in the first place to change time. It, it doesn't make any sense. Nobody knows how it works. Every time it's different. Paradoxes just happen. So I did like the fact that she put in all of these rules of the universe and she almost personified fate because I thought that was a really interesting way to get around a lot of the inconsistencies you often see in time travel stories. So I like the fact that like a really, you know what it was like? is like in the Harry Potter game when you tried to walk into the Slytherin common room and you were stopped because there's nothing over there because the designers never built that room. It's like when, <laughs> you, you know, it really, it's like when Al tried to do something, he's like the little AI who's walking in place because he can't walk around that corner because there's nothing That's totally there. how I was picturing it. Like, I was imagining, like, when I was, like, trying to, like, run Frodo Baggins into the wall. 
which and, and his feet would keep moving and he'd just be like running into the wall. Right. I, That's I what it's pic- like. When I was reading this, I was always picturing like this dark, malevolent force, you know, like this cloud with its thumb on Al's forehead, like stopping him from moving. Like, you can't move. Like, just stopping him from doing anything that he could because he was he was crossing, you know, the laws of, of time travel. He was tempting fate, just being a bad boy. Well, specifically, I think that the part of the story that's most fascinating to me is twofold. And one is that's Al's relationship and how it changes with people through each jump based on, you know, the different circumstances of their life, especially how Snape changes again and again throughout the story based on whatever his his role was. And then Al's morality, uh, how mm-hmm. far he's willing to go and be selfish for some means, but where the lines are drawn for him. Um, and that's a really good one, Lego. Like the constant questioning of, you know, he knows that he's done wrong by going back in time to save his father, but he's not willing to kill people in the past to save save people. But that's really the only line he's not willing to cross, is he won't kill someone else to save his dad. Directly kill. Well, that's true, but, um, I mean, he indirectly kills tons and tons of people. But he always feels bad about it. That you know, so- And yet he does try to cross that rule at the end, because, right, he tries to level Wormtail in front of the curse, and he can't physically do it, but he tries um, to kill someone. No, Wormtail is already deceased at the point at which he oh. tries to put Wormtail's corpse in front of the curse. Oh, was it, was it just the corpse? I thought he was just knocked out. No, he was no, gone if, already. Okay. Yeah, if Sirius and was it Sirius and who killed Sirius and Snape? Snape killed him. Snape. No, Snape Sirius killed and him. Remus. Snape killed no, him. Okay. Snape killed him because Snape called it. Yeah, that was a backward purpose thing. Well, the the thing I I was confused by, and I'll admit I, I kind of had to fly through these chapters near the end. When when in the original, I believed there was a scene where was it Sirius and Snape went out. There was a scene where I I, I seem to remember Sirius and Remus, you know, desiring or wanting to kill Wormtail and have it just be you know symmetric, you know, that the two Marauders. Sirius and are, Snape. You mean? No, Sirius and Sirius Not, wanted to kill him, but it turned out that Snape had called it before Sirius even died. Okay. Yeah. Right. Because I thought there was even a reference in there where Al was, um, you know, positioning himself, you know, for the final battle here, and he even I thought there was a line in there, like a throwaway line, where he even knew that they would be out to take care of Wormtail. So he was, to my recollection, he was expecting it to be Wormtail's corpse that took the hit for Harry. Yeah. Okay. That, that, that makes was sense. The- uh, I did. Li- I really did like that line though. There's a moment in Lavender Brown's fic where Ron and Hermione are at the Granger's house protecting them, or they're there for Christmas vacation or whatever. And Death Eaters break in and they're torturing her parents in bed. And Ron charges in, and one of the Death Eaters is about to shoot the AK at Mr. Granger, and Ron dives between him and the curse. And Mrs. Granger has a rifle and she kills the Death Eater, and Ron is saved. And Hermione is bullshit at Ron because she's like, "Why the hell did you do that?" And he's like, "I couldn't let them kill your father." She's like, "You're a wizard, you moron! Why don't you just conjure a shield?" And there's just a silence. <laughs> I love that point at the end where Arthur's like, "I'll take the hit," and Molly's like, "No, dear, I will." And they're like, and Charlie's like, "I'll do it." Women hate me. <laughs> and like, I smell bad, and I refuse to wash my pits. And they're going around the table, and and Al's like, "I'm just gonna have a death either take the hit." And they all pause, and one of the twins is like, "I'm really glad we have a Slytherin on our side because we're all like diving in front of the bullet for no apparent reason." I thought that was a really cute throwaway. I do like that. That's my favorite scene. I think I like her running style too. This is actually a mo. I, I just love. I forget what type of what this is called back in like seventh grade English class. But there's a. Po- I forget what the actual line is. Say the line is. Let's use Jen. Like pretend this is the writing of the. Ch- this is the the dialogue in the chapter. It's like and then Jen rolled over her foot with a chair. I rolled over my foot with a chair. Screamed Jen. That like there was a line where something happens to Al and then he re- he yells out loud what happened to him and it was verbatim. Like there's really snappy dialogue like that through some of the chapter through especially the later chapters I thought which was good. You'll enjoy I, when you do the author interview I think because Ella is very personable. Yeah. 
Because <laughs> well, I was, I start, I did the reading for the first half of the chapters, and then I stopped and I started listening to the podcast, um, the portions of the podcast that aired before we came on tonight. And I, it was interesting to hear people say that they love Backward with Purpose, they don't like Book of Al as much. And I started to think about what I thought of it. And because the main character is Al, and because this is fan fiction, and because we as readers don't know Al, it's difficult for us to really relate to him because he's such an AU character. And it, the only other story we've covered like this has really been Living with Danger. And in that story, I had a hard time appreciating the character of Danger because I didn't know her. And there wasn't like the one thing she did or one trait she had that jumped off the page to me and made her feel entirely alive. And I'm sure I would have gotten that if I kept reading more, but I just had trouble with that particular character. So for Book of Al, in the beginning, I didn't get Al as a character and I didn't know him. And he was almost an extension of Harry to some extent. And as I got more into the chapters tonight, like what Lego was saying before, he really did come alive for me because he got into the issues of the morality of what he was doing. And as he went back more and more, the entire situation with the Weasleys and how he saw that as his fault. And especially at the end where he makes a sacrifice for his dad, almost even more so than the character of Al. I love the themes in these chapters. I think Book of Al makes Backward with Purpose a better story because it makes her, it makes it a much deeper story. And I think the themes from Book of Al make it a good story on its own. Not maybe necessarily the character of Al because I still, I don't love him, but I don't think I'm going to ever love a character like that. But I definitely think it, it, it served a dual purpose. Well, here's where I want to break in just um, from being part of Ella's community and being on Live Journal and, and knowing kind of being in the background a little bit about the story. Book of Albus actually was conceived first. And she'll get into this, I'm sure, in the interview a lot more. So when you think about reading this story, you need to, I think, in order to really appreciate it, because when I went and sat down and read this again for the podcast, knowing what I knew from what she had told me, it meant a lot more. Because the whole concept of Backward with Purpose and the Book of Albus were conceived around Al and what her question was I think she said was who would take a curse for Harry so Al had to come first really she had the story of Al before she had the story of backward with purpose so when you're reading this one even though it was written afterward you really almost have to have the first story open because it really is it's she tied them very together it's really it's really kind of eerie how she just jotted them out and they snapped together so well because she told me that she didn't use notes I mean she wow. didn't outline these it's almost like back to the future and it's a really tight story and when you think about the two stories together and when you look back at the scenes in Backward with Purpose, you understand now when Percy went missing for the day and came back and was speaking in tongue. And you understand, you know, why, why was it Rockwood? Rookwood. I'm like, Rockwood. Why Rookwood plays such an important role. And you understand why Albus was so accommodating back in the headmaster's office in the prologue. It fills in a lot of the blanks. And it makes you, like, I was laughing at myself reading this because so many of the comments I had in previous podcasts didn't mean as much now because she went back and explained it later. The one thing I do, I do think is that while, while 
Al himself as a character doesn't jump off the page to me, you know, as much as some other characters do. And I don't think that's a, a fault of the author. I think that I'm just one of those people that because I'm reading fan fiction, I'm reading about established characters. So when you introduce someone new, they're not going to be as dynamic maybe as these other guys are, you know, in, in that lead role. But one thing it does do is it's just the theme. What would the son do for his dad? The purpose of this fic is not to establish Al as a character. She doesn't, she doesn't right. really, there is isn't really any depth of the story to establish him as a character. I mean, we're jumping back in time seven times. It's it's all about the action and the reaction. Mm-hmm. We don't, other than you know what we know about his feelings for Emmy and his feelings for trying to save his family and trying to get his family back together. We don't know much about Al. He's not really explored. Other than well, the, those. the problem is that Al changes with every jump. His his history is different, you know, each time you go through. So you can't give him a different background and change everything that, that went along and rewrite all of that with each jump. But to me, the reason that Al is fascinating is because this is a story about someone who ends up doing something heroic. But But Al is not a hero. And Al is not trying to be a hero. He is selfish, and he is traveling back in time, especially at the beginning, for very selfish reasons. And he's not a magnanimous hero that's that's trying to save the world. He's well, is his reasons to... any more selfish than Harry's reasons and Ron's reasons were? Yeah, they were trying to save, essentially, everyone else. I mean, we talked about this when we did the Backwards of the Purpose podcast. They were trying to save certain people, even if it erased other people who already exist, and even if it caused different people to die. So, to me, it was a self... They What they cared about is they wanted to save their friends who were dead. That's all they cared about. And all um, Albus cares about is saving his father. So I actually see Albus's motives being the exact same motives as Harry and Ron's and Hermione's, only he's doing it for one person, and they're doing it for, like, 20. Just, just to jump off on one thing there, though, when you look at the prologue of Backward with Purpose. It's not as dark as, say, Nightmare of Future's Past, where I think Harry is, like, the only living person on the planet. That's Earth. what I'm getting at, yeah. It's it's not as bad, but it, it is a pretty, like, I think it was captured uh, beautifully. I forget, I forget the exact words, but it was like the, like the flower of a generation had been well, destroyed. An entire generation of, of, of kids is destroyed. You have Flitwick left, you have Seamus left, you have Hagrid. A lot of their friends had died because they fought on their side, but the people that really died was every kid that was at Hogwarts when it burned died. Of the survivors in the original timeline, many of them likely had children, you know, and, and they and, and they had lives. I'm sure there were, there were survivors that had happy lives. I'm sure in every surviving family, everyone lost someone. I think in any of Al's seven jumps, the world made out better than before Harry himself had gone back. So Harry, Ginny, and Ron did play God, but the world which they created, for selfish reasons, but the world they created, even though some lives were wiped out, the world they created was a was a much more full one in terms of how many people live. And I agree with that, but I guess my point is, like you said, not. I agree totally it turned out better in the end from their seven jumps and Harry's jump, but the motivation to me was selfish. And the equivalent that I think of, it would be kind of be like, if, like if they did it right after the war, it might have been different too. But if it's like if in 1965, you jump back in time to like 1940 to try to prevent World War II and the Holocaust. You could go back in time and say that my entire family was wiped out in World War II, 
and my life sucks without my family, so I'm going to go back and I'm going to prevent World War II from ever happening. Do you have, like we, we're using the term selfish, do you have personal motivations? Do you have a stake in this? Do you want your, your mom, dad, and your, your mom back and your dad back? Do you want your family back? Yes. Do you also want to prevent a Holocaust from happening and prevent millions of people from dying? Yes. So the trio went back for personal reasons, and they also went back to do it better. Whereas Al goes back because he wants to save his dad's life. And think of what Al does in his first trip back. He wants to basically shift the entire burden onto Neville. And his response is, Neville dies anyway. Neville was obviously a great person. Neville can do this. So it's probably the most selfish you will see al because he is essentially saying think of the the journeys the seven journeys in journey one he's ready to sacrifice neville in journey seven he's ready to sacrifice himself and i think that's the key of the story is that he because usually you see parents sacrifice themselves for their children that's how it's supposed to work you're supposed to outlive your parents and your parents you're supposed to live a full and healthy life and then you'll die and then your children will live their lives and leave to their children and that's the way it's supposed to work. In this story, Al essentially sacrifices himself to save his dad. And it's not the classic stereotype. It's not the classic tale that you see. But it, it does mean something. And I think while Al isn't you know a character, I would sit down and read you know the continuing adventures of Albus Potter. And I really don't <laughs> care personally whether or not he gets the girl. I think he does show us something more important. He shows us Harry Potter has a kid who would take a bullet for someone just like Harry would. And he is a good guy. And Harry does make it. And Harry does leave something better than was before. The funny thing is, in the last week, Gen 2 has watched every episode of Battlestar Galactica because I (laughs) suggested it. And she literally, if you're wondering where the episodes are, Gen 2, literally, she sat down and watched every episode back to back. Her (laughs) child hasn't seen her in days. One of the themes of that show is... He is so serious. I am absolutely serious. And Gen 2 knows what I mean here. All of this has happened before... (laughs) Finish it for me, Gen 2. All of this has happened before. And it will all happen again. And that's life. Harry goes back to save his kid. His kid goes back to save Harry. And we're left, I believe, that that, that um, Al will die in 24 years. He'll die in 2052 or whatever it is. I fully expect that Al's kid will go back to save him, and he'll take the bullet, and then his kid will go back and say, and you know why? Because it's the thing that sons do for their fathers, and that's it. Well, I totally want to get into that because that, that goes back to so many of the reasons why I love this story. But um, more to the point that we were discussing before we got to that, when you talk about what why Harry and Ginny and Ron went back and, and why their act is less selfish, um, when they went back in time and they went back to change things and do it better and make it better, and that's really what they said when they went back, is this time we're going to do it right. We're going to do it better so people don't have to die. They went through as much trouble as they could to tell people, don't support us. Don't come help us. That will put you in danger. And we want everybody to live through this so stay away from us we'll isolate ourselves we'll take all of the burden upon ourselves because we know what the cost is and you don't and when you look at the difference between going back in time and saying all right you know we're going to go back and we're going to do it better but the three of us are going to stay close together and we're going to deal with all of the problems that we have with ourselves, and we'll bring in snape and dumbledore versus al going back in time and saying you know what i just want to save my dad and i don't care what i have to sacrifice to save my dad none of that matters he has to live that's really the the, the big
big separation in the morality there, but you see a lot of growth in the character of Al throughout all of this, especially, um, and it comes back to his interactions with Emmy and, you know, the, the changes that, that he made. The changes in the past that he's having are having an effect on his personality and his morality as he moves through the story. Well, and another thing about Al is as he moves through his jumps, when he starts this time travel idea, he loves his dad. He's lost his dad when he's a teenager. He becomes an unspeakable. He learns about time. He comes up with this idea that he's going to save his dad, you know, and he does it for purely selfish reasons. But then he starts going back and he starts to get to know who Harry is while Harry is actually going through the process of defeating Voldemort. And he sees the pain and the struggle and how hard things were for him and how the things that he has done have affected his father along the way, a lot of times negatively, and how much pain that's caused the family. And I think that each time he starts to appreciate his dad for who he is and what he's endured a lot more. And it just each time it just compounds a little more. And so then by the end, when he's ready to sacrifice himself, he's actually saying, you know, my dad, he might have been a hero in everyone's eyes, but he was a lot more than anyone else never knew and he's ready to give himself for that. So- I actually didn't have that same reaction and not to take away from anything that Ella wrote but the one thing I thought was interesting is this wasn't a story of a kid who idolizes his father and then over the course of so many chapters learns that his father was a human being. What I actually loved about the story was Harry- was that Albus begins the story knowing that Harry was a human being. In the very beginning he's at, at Harry's funeral and he's remembering Harry's funeral and the woman who stood up who never met Harry he never stood in the room with them describing him as a saint. He's like, my dad wasn't a saint. Trust me, the time we stole his wand, my ass still hurts. My father was not a saint. At the time he, they went to the he, zoo. <laughs> yeah, it's it's. he wasn't a saint. My, my dad had very fundamental flaws, and he was still my dad, and I love him. And I'll always remember him as someone who made mistakes and got angry and was flawed, but was also my dad, and I love my dad. I mean, I like the fact that Al gets that, and he he has that wisdom in the beginning and his it's not so much at least in my mind a tale of, of Al trying to understand Harry. It's more of a tale of Al trying to understand himself. I want to clarify that I'm not... Earlier, I was a little too um, simplistic in my, in my views. I was saying that you know I, I didn't really like the character of Al as much. And let me just expand on that just a little bit. This is a time travel story, and it's like a Star Trek episode rolled into Back to the Future, and there's dry erase boards, and you're trying to figure out what timeline we're in now, and what timeline we're in here, and what timeline we're in there. The parts of the story that were dry to me were, as, as much as it's fascinating for me to read about how the different plots work and how because Al does this instead of that, this happens instead of that, and here's why Snape lives, and here's why he gets burned, and here's why Percy's dead, and yada yada yada. Here, like that's fascinating to me. But it, it's almost like trying to read the directions to assemble an entertainment center. It works, and I understand why it works, and it's fascinating to see what, how the puzzle fits together. But I was really into the emotional, character-driven moments of uh, of Backward with Purpose, and in the beginning of the story, you didn't. See see it as much as a character piece that it really becomes near the end. So Al does just seem in the beginning a little dry to me because he is so immersed in those components of the story and the components of the time travel and, and, and you go, why does this work and why does that work and, and how you go here and how you go there. He 
Al himself is immersed in the, in the time travel components that I found a little bit dry. So when he starts getting into the moments with Percy and in the moments with his mom and the moments, especially with Luna, he becomes more human to me. And while I still don't know him as much as I know Harry, I do like the character. I do like what he says about Harry, and I do like about what he says about the overall story. So I just wanted to clarify that. Go ahead, Mike. Yeah, I was going to say, uh, based on what you said, I think you're sort of half right, but I would go a step okay. further in terms of how um, Al views, <laughs> his, views, views Harry. I think you're right in the sense that at the beginning, he views Harry as a person and not a hero, mm-hmm. but I'd go, I'd go a step further saying that I don't think he, deep down on an emotional level, thinks of Harry as a hero at all, in the sense that, yes, I'm sure he knows intellectually, oh, yes, he's the hero who stopped Voldemort, but like he doesn't get why Harry's a hero on a deeper level, or like why he's something special that all these people respect so much. He's just dad, and mm. like and you can see that. And the reason, like his thinking, oh, I can just substitute Neville for Harry. That kind of thinking almost underlines it because it's like, oh, Harry's nothing particularly special on a hero level. He's just dad. I can substitute anyone else for him, and he can do the same thing my dad did. And I think oh. by the end, you see that. And to me, what underlines his changing perception of Harry is the bit where he says, um, where he's confronting Harry, and Harry goes, do you think I'm not going to do it? Um, sacrifice myself? I'm going to back out. And he thinks, no, I don't think that because I've seen you seven times, never hesitate once. And I think he has an appreciation for Harry beyond, like he already had the appreciation of Harry as a person, but he doesn't get the appreciation of Harry as a hero until the end. And I think at the end, he views Harry not just as his father, but as a as a hero, as a superior person almost. Well, I, I think he, he goes back at the beginning. Um, he definitely doesn't think of his dad as much. You know, he knows his he, he even admits that. He knows his dad was a hero. That's not why he felt he deserved to be saved. He deserved to be saved because he was a great dad. You know, that was the thing, is he was... He was, he was his dad. Well, as a, and, and, you know, that's what it came down to, but it wasn't just that yeah. it was his dad. It was that fate had handed him a pile of crap, and that had ended with him killing all of the things that he had done, you know, had, had just led to him dying when he was too young to die, and that's why it wasn't fair, that his dad did all of these things, and you know, how much can you ask one guy to do? And then he ends up, and he just dies anyway, and that's why, you know, Al feels that, you know, this isn't fair. If you've done this much, you should get to, to live longer and, you know, know your family and have more kids or whatever. Um, and the reason that he feels upset about it is because it is his dad, but, you know, he just feels that if, you, if you're going to go through this much trouble in life, that you deserve better than to just die at the age of 39. And I agree. I, I just don't think he has appreciation for Harry as a hero to the same way he's appreciation for Harry the man. And That's a difficult nut to crack, though, because, like, let me give an example. My father passed away five years ago, and when I think of him now, I think of how wise he was, I think of how he didn't let small things get to him that would literally drive me crazy. And I almost, you, you almost revere someone when they're gone, because you remember what they brought to your life that you don't have now, that you miss. You see them as this positive force. But when my dad was alive, he drove me nuts half the time. He had some <laughs> really annoying quirks. And I was even saying one day, I don't want to forget those. I don't want to get to the point where I revere the good so much that I forget the fact that he was a really annoying guy at times who did really weird, whacked out things. Absence makes it, the heart grow fonder. Yeah. It's like when he passed away, I went to his office to pick up the stuff that they had cleaned out of his desk, and he had a box full of... They're, they're called kippers. They're little fish that you buy in the tuna aisle that stink up the house. And he... he yeah, like... Like, he had fish in cans everywhere. But, I, but you know what? If you ask me about my dad, I'll go on for 20 minutes about, you know, all the different things he sacrificed for me. And 
you don't remember the fact that he stunk up the house. Yeah, her, you know, and that's the thing. I mean, if you look at Barack Obama, there are many people who consider him, I don't want to say like a hero, but there are many people who think of him as someone who is inspiring, a great man who will save us from, you know, the financial crisis which has gripped our nation. Unless, of course, you're a Republican. <laughs> exactly. Unless you're a Republican, Rush Limbaugh really is all is your only hope. <laughs> Unfortunately, these episodes are so far removed from completion that by the time you hear this, the Dow could be at 17,000, so who knows. But the thing I do <laughs> point out If it's at 17,000, I'll be excited. That'll, that'll be great. <laughs> City will be up to $3 a share. It'll probably be at 1,700, but, you know. If it goes up to 17,000, I will dance naked in my front yard. Oh, if it goes up to 1,700, you can dance naked. Because a man named Sirius Black once said, if I'm best friends with Severus Snape, I will name my child Elvin Dork, and look how that worked out. So we're going to get some Gen 2 porn for you. But the thing I want to point out is that there's many people who think of Barack Obama as almost like a hero. But if you ask his daughters, he's dad. And I'm sure they have a recognition of what he's doing for the country. Just as I have a recognition of the fact that I consider my dad a great man, but he's also dad. And it's difficult to look at someone and see man and hero. So I picture like the scene where he's walking with Harry out of the front steps of Hogwarts to meet his fate with Voldemort. And he's walking and they're at that point, they're relatively the same age. I think Al's in his 20s and Harry's 17 or 16. But they're the same height and they look alike and they're brothers at that moment. And there's something to be said for that. And he really understands his dad at that point. And I I don't think it's, you can't parse it. You can't have hero and you can't have dad. What I do think you do see though is I think you see Al himself make a good transition. Because in the first chapter, he's ready to sacrifice Neville to save Harry. And in the last chapter, he nearly sacrifices Harry to save Neville because he's rushing because he needs to save Neville because he wants Harry to know he did everything he could and he knows the future would be a better place if Neville could be saved. So I think it's interesting to see that transition as well within Al because I see Al as an extension of Harry. He's Harry's contribution to the world. He's the next generation and he's what resulted from Harry saving the world and defeating Voldemort. So that's how I kind of channel it a little bit. Yeah, well, I think you, you have you see Al throughout the story, especially toward in the later chapters where Harry's morality is transferring to him through the lessons that Harry is teaching him in person um, and, you know, through the, the differences in, in story. And you see that with Neville. Uh, you know, he gets to the to the last point and, you know, Luna's been telling him since the beginning, save Neville. Um, and, you know, he finally gets to the point where he's going back in time, you know, one last time and, and he has to try to save Neville. Even though he doesn't think he can, doesn't have a shot, you know, he has to save Neville. And, he, and it's that point, that lesson that Neville teaches him that, you know, oh my God, Neville's the true hero. Neville was the one that said, you know what? Screw it. I'm not going to fight my way out. I'm just going to take all you bastards with me. Um, yeah. And, you know, you, you watch him have the morality transferred to him as, as Harry's teaching him those lessons that he couldn't teach him in life. But yeah, it is a good point that you make also about parents because I love my dad. I, I love my dad like I love almost no one else, but I hate talking to him. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I don't want to, you don't want to forget that. You don't want to, you know, 20 years from now, 30 years from now, be like, oh, my father was a wonderful person. He he literally was God's gift to the world. I once went to get my oil changed in my car and I brought my dad with me and we're standing at the service station. It's a Saturday morning at like 730 and there's a bunch of tired, drunk mechanics <laughs> and they don't want to talk. My father is trying to engage them all in conversation <laughs> and they're glaring at him. He didn't get it. And then they obviously want him to get the hell
hell out of their damn garage so they could put oil in the damn car and then we can come back later and bring it home. He stands in the middle of the garage with a newspaper and starts reading it. He literally didn't get... But he's my dad. But I never want to forget the fact that he had, at any given moment, no earthly idea what was going on in the room. So that's... I mean, that's the thing. You, you don't want to forget that. And I do appreciate the fact that Al, in the very beginning, was able to recognize the fact that Harry would whack the hell out of you if you stole his wand. But one thing I do want to talk about about the chapters, because it happened at least three times in these chapters. It happened with Percy, it happened with Molly, and it happened with uh, Luna. And it's the moment where you real we, You were saying before, you know, that, that Al never should have gone back in time. Harry and everyone else go back in time to, to prevent a massacre and to uh, save their family. Al goes back in time because he thinks it's unfair that his dad had to die. And when you think about that, we've had terrorist attacks in the United States that have killed thousands of people. We've had wars that have killed millions of people. We've had holocausts where millions of people have died. We've had presidents be assassinated and the future change as a result. And I guess the thing is, we don't have the ability to go back in time. But what if we did? What if we could? What if we had a, a you know a time turner that the military had access to? Do you go back in time and save JFK? Do you go back in time and prevent 9/11? Do you go back in time to prevent your kid from being hit by a car? What is worth going back for, and what is too inconsequential to go back for? What is something that should never have happened, and what is something that unfortunately in life just does happen? So it's an interesting question because everyone says technically you should never go back, but no one has ever had the ability to, so that's a that's a really shallow argument. So the thing I thought was really interesting is, now that Al's doing it, number one, do you condone it? And number two, what do you say to people like Luna, who send Al the memory, and they write P.S. Save Neville? And will you talk about people like Molly, who were so pissed at her kids for not telling her the truth, but the minute she finds out that... I'm picturing Molly as like an 85-year-old woman, <laughs> whose husband's been dead for 30 years, and yeah. she just found out that Ron been lying to her. I love the fact that they came out and they're like, how dare you pull this bullshit on us? Because I thought that was like, I would be pissed too if I were them. That so I love the fact was, that... This- that chapter was very, very good. I liked that one. In the original read-through of it, you have the, the Weasleys are so good about being apologetic and they're not usually when you make a mistake, you're, the, the human inclination is, well, it's your fault. You did this to me. You know, it's all we, we share the blame here. They said, look, we fucked up. It was us. We're so sorry. And if you can't forgive us after many, many weeks of us groveling will leave because you were right and we were wrong. Which I thought was very big of them. And I think it says a lot about them. But I think that most people at some point would try and protect their own egos and would try and defend themselves. So I liked the fact that in this alternate timeline, the Weasleys are, are bullshit. And you know why? It, it was 30 years later versus 30 months. Well, and, you, and that they still haven't forgiven Harry for what he did to Jenny because it still hasn't been explained that he wasn't molesting their daughter. No, I'm talking about when they come out of the pensive. I'm talking about when, okay. when the Weasleys come right. out of the pensive. But I'm saying before, they ne- you know, in, in oh, that yeah. whole situation, you know, the things that they're angry about are still the right things to be angry about. Well, I think, too, part no, of the I difference agree. the author's trying to make is just the difference between them coming to the realization on their own and having it forced on them. Whereas in Backwards with a Purpose, it's not, oh, mm-hmm. you think you're so smart? Well, here, take a look in this pencil. It's they come to Dumbledore with their own doubts first. They take the first step, as opposed to here, where it's sort of like an angry Ron who clearly hasn't forgiven them, purposely, like, sort of setting them up to stick their faces in it. The, the best part of that whole scene to me was um, Albus sending the Patro- his Patronus to Uncle Ron mm-hmm. saying, 
I've been, been kidnapped. kidnapped. <laughs> I'm being held hostage at the burrow. Come help me. And, you know, I've been picturing Ron's going to show up and level the burrow. You know? <laughs> Could you picture him shooting Molly in the head? Like, <laughs> let him go. What I liked about that was, you know, how he showed up with Hermione and Hermione just kind of knew. Did you yeah. catch that? Yeah. Well, I mean, everybody has been trying to get Ron to come to that moment. So, you know, Ron finally gets there and he shows up and everyone's against him. Everybody is saying it's time to tell them. And, you know, Ron's like, no, they don't deserve to know that they'll never deserve to know they can't deserve to know and you know everyone's like Ron gotta let it go you know well, Hermione just... gets it because Hermione Hermione was one of them she never turned her back on them but she was in the position where she didn't believe it at first and she needed to have it proven to her so I think Hermi- Hermione's not one of the trio in this timeline well I mean that, that's very true Ron doesn't have any allies left as to what it was that they did that right, but Hermione there. can at least understand you yeah. know what it sounds far-fetched so I think Hermione on some level while she's very grossly disappointed in the way that we Weasleys behaved and, and, and how the Weasleys made decisions. I think on some level she can understand, hey Ron, this is actually a bit I know this seems natural to you, but actually this sounds kind of odd until you start sit down. So I think she was more open to reconciliation than he would be. Yeah, I think difference with Ron, big difference is that, I mean it took him a little while and back with the purpose too, but it's that the, the Weasleys never made that step. They never made the, the first step to contact them, to find out, to sit down here, their side of the story and all this time. There was never, like the only reason that it worked out backwards with the purpose is because the Weasleys took the first step. That's the difference, really. What prevented that? What did Al do that caused that to happen? Because we see the timeline. We see the timeline where there's the 30 year estrangement, and you uh-huh. have the you have the you know the stand the showdown outside Burrow, and then Al goes back again and saves Arthur. It was, Him, Arthur, it was Arthur living Arthur. that made them come around at all, isn't it? It's it like Harry. Harry saved Arthur because when okay, when Arthur right. dies, when Al's not there to save Arthur, I don't know whether they think Harry killed him, but I think it looks fishy. But I think if Arthur can later live and tell them that Harry saved him, because that's what he thinks happened. Cause he oh, I don't think he thought that Harry tried to kill him no, no, the I, first I said, time. No, it's because no, it's not that he tried to kill him the first time because he's obviously dead, so he can't say who killed him. But he's, it's that when he sees Harry and lives, so he can say that Harry saved him. Right. They come around. Isn't there also a point in Backward with Purpose that isn't it Arthur and Bill that go out into the yard and they discover the wards? Well, that still happened. They discovered in this one, though, too. It, 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 they, it was discovered. It just wasn't enough to turn their opinion, was the problem. They didn't know for sure. Right, that, that but, that, but what I'm saying is is that Arthur living and then the wards was enough for Arthur to piece together for him to start to wonder. And when Arthur started to wonder, it was enough to make Molly wonder. And, you know, when you have the mother and father start to question whether they're making the right decision, it, it turned the whole family. Well, it's very fluidic, too, because when you have a 30-month estrangement and you have your kids have gone off with the dark guy, but you think, you know, there's a chance to bring them back, and while you're very disappointed in them, and while you're very scared for them, within that short-term period of time, it's easy to, to make amends, whereas if you've been estranged for 10 years, 20 years, 30 years, you're going to be so angry that it almost takes on a life of its own, and you're going to be, at some point, you'll probably even forget what caused the problem. Yeah, yeah, I know, like, on yeah, like on Danielle's side, the family a little bit, There's she has some family members who don't talk to each other. It's going to make planning a wedding seating chart very interesting, but sometimes that just happens, and at some point, you, you, you get so used to not talking that you can't even remember what caused the problem in the first place. And it's like when Molly comes out of the pensive, she's not apologetic. She's like, you asshole. <laughs> you tell me you were from the past. Of course I would have listened to you. How dare you rob me of you know, my life. Future, with my Ryan, kids. It would be a completely different story if they were from the past. But did I say from the past? 
I'm, try- I'm trying to imagine a vet where they like come from the past. <laughs> They'd be completely unhelpful. <laughs> We're James and Lily. There's crickets in the background. All right, explain this to me again. You came from the back. Yeah. <laughs> the interesting part of, of that whole the whole situation is is Molly's interlude in Backwards with a Purpose is is definitely one of my favorite parts of that story. When they go to Dumbledore with this knowledge of things that they can't explain, and they're they're trying to explain to him that you know somebody put up warts and you know someone with our blood had to put up these words and none of the children who are speaking to us did it. We know that. We asked them. And, you know, there, here's these other inconsistency and, and Dumbledore is constantly challenging them. Oh, oh, oh. So, you know, you want to help us catch Harry and Jenny? No, no, no. That's not what we're saying. Yeah. You know, oh, well, are, are you suggesting that you would be willing to aid and abet a known terrorist? And, right. you know, Molly's like, that's not what we're saying. We're, we're saying this doesn't make any sense. He's not a known terrorist. Yeah, you gotta want it. He gives them every opportunity possible to chicken out. You know, it's, it's them over, overcoming that barrier, and, and you just, you know, it, it's sad when you when you read this fic and, and you get to that part of the story, and you know that they almost got there. You know, they, they were almost there, and then Arthur died, and there was too much grief, and they couldn't make that jump. The one thing in here, though, is they never reconciled. They never make amends. And you know that if they had stayed at the borough, things would just utterly collapse into themselves. And Al forces them to go to, I believe it was Godric's Hollow, and he tells them that he's from the future, and he lies about it, and he makes up another prophecy. Because really, the plot line is so confusing that he, oh, there's another prophecy, but I can't tell you about it. I'm an unspeakable. Oh, well, that seems perfectly reasonable. So not, so that he gets away with it. But a it's the good moment, liar. He, he's an incredibly good liar. Ella makes a great line here where we can go back and we, we, we can cause this to have never happened. And there's that moment where Molly, who must be pushing 80 now, where Molly realizes that maybe Arthur never needed to die. And while, you know, I she has nothing in common with her children anymore. And she obviously loves Ron. When she finds out Ron's coming, she's like, what door? Does he know we still use the back door for family? Like, she wants... Yeah, I... She, as much as she doesn't want him back, she desperately wants him back. But there's too much damage to ever let it be okay again. It's 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 been rotting for so long; it'll never be the same again. But Arthur, who she's probably you can picture her, you know, staring at this picture every day for thirty years. Al might be able to save Arthur, and everything might be okay. And that's the one spark that they still have left. And it's like what I was saying before. You know, Luna, Luna, you know, happily married, Luna, Aunt Luna, save now, Percy, say, you know, who in that timeline lost both of his brothers. And you never think of a relationship between Percy and the twins being anything but, you know, the twins hanging Percy off of, like, a flagpole. <laughs> and, Percy, save my brothers. Even in timelines where you see them having awful relationships, save my brothers. And that's the thing. It isn't moral to go... Like, like, I don't mean to make this an ethical debate, but at what point does anyone have the right to change the past because it was too depressing? Well, because it was too never. sad? Because... Yeah, you never do. That's but what if you, I mean, if you did... Going back yeah. to, like, who is more... I mean, you just said it's like a chain. It's like Harry and Nightmares is more justified than Harry, Ron, and Ginny who are more justified than Al, you know? I don't think any of them are more justified. I don't think you can do that. Because what I think the question comes down to is a moral question is, do you have the right to... Um... I'm not saying that's the way it is. I'm saying that's, like, the way... We were talking earlier about the difference between Nightmares and Backwards, and I'm saying if you think that one is justified and the other isn't, it's like there is a chain of moral justification for going back in time. The other thing it's is... killing that, people yeah. to save people, basically. What you're basically saying is, are you justified in killing, undoing the existence of this child here um, in order to save this person you know? Or is it okay to, is unjust to, uh, to kill one person to save ten people? What they're basically doing is they're killing people who are now the existence of people who now will never exist because of this. Yeah, or the people, thing that gets people me is die. undoing people that existed because Harry, Ron, and Jenny backwards waited like ten years. So there yeah. were people that were born that 
Gordon have been born in the in the second right. timeline? Because like I was saying before, like I was saying about like they take Kate Show for instance. It's a show lives in the first future when she gets married and has kids. But if Cedric is living in the second future and she's going to marry Cedric, then her kids from the first future stop existing and never exist. And I'm sure the number of people who lived in the second timeline is much greater than the amount of people who never existed sure. from the first. But I mean, from certainly playing God. Though, but from a moral right, but even look at it beyond. I mean, let's not even let, let's not even make this a debate about whether time travel is right or wrong. Look at it this way: Neville dies at Saint Mungo's. He dies like I think five different ways in seven different timelines. Neville, you know, he is the king of death. How you want him to die, he's probably died that way. Al goes back in time. He wants Harry to live. The new trio goes back in time because they want the Weasleys to live and and, and all of their friends to live. Now look at James and Lily in canon and fandom. James and Lily have always died, and the fact that they died was the spark that gave Harry his life and this incredible journey he has. But look at it from a personal perspective. Oh. Neville Neville dies, and his death has meaning in and of itself. And you know, people die in wars, and as a result of that sacrifice, millions of people are inspired, and treaties may be signed that can lead to great periods of peace. I guess what I'm saying paradox. is, in life, yeah, well, not even the paradox. In life, shit happens. And as a result of shit happening, there can be good consequences. Because there was a terrorist attack in the United States, militaries prepared for terrorist attacks. And I'm sure if there is ever a biological attack in the United States, we're better prepared now than we would have been then because we've been preparing for it for a while because something bad happened. So Circular I don't question. To, you know, it never answers itself. Right. I mean, I guess that's the thing, too. It's interesting to watch, and I and I like the fact that Ella gets into the, into the deep questions of it here. When you say go back in time and save Neville, if you're Luna, which, which Neville's Elsie, death... Ha- right. He, I mean, he saved Neville, but Neville still, Neville well, still he, dies. He was supposed to die from the Dementors in that particular timeline. They, they were supposed to suck out his soul, True. and um, that was what Al originally remembered Neville dying from. Um, right. But he goes back and he saves him from that fate. But what you True. learn is that Neville dying during the war is most likely a cornerstone of fate. He can't be saved. No matter how many times you save him, he'll still find a way yeah. to die a hero yeah. at some point along the timeline. And that's why I think I like the fact that in Ella's universe, there are those cornerstones, there are those rules, there are those rooms on the on the, on the the video game that weren't built, so you can't walk into them no matter how hard you try. I do, I do like that, because I think that you know even absent that, the characters would have very difficult decisions, because, in, and even to link it back to Mike's comment earlier about selfishness, is it selfish to say, I'm going to go back in time and I don't care what the impact is, I'm removing one thing that hurt me very much, even though that one thing, while very difficult, can have lasting repercussions. You know, I lost my dad five years ago. How much of a stronger person am I that I had to learn to do things without him? And how much has you know the good memories I've had of him over the past past five years, you know, colored his memory so that I remember him as you know, I remember all the good and not the bad. And how would things have worked out differently if he hadn't died? What if I had the time machine? He died of cancer. What if I could go back in time if he had been killed in a car accident and prevent him from getting into that car? How would my life be different? How would everyone's life be different? It's me playing God, and it would make me feel really good if he were still here. But is that the way it was meant to be? What about fate? So it's a, it's a really interesting plot line, I guess, is my central point here. And I, I just, I really do enjoy the story, I think, even much more than I thought I would. Because the story gets that. In the story, it takes into account all of these, all of these questions, and there is a price tag. This isn't, you know, Al goes back in time, and like it's like Bill and Ted's bogus journey. Al goes back in time and fixes everything. He doesn't. He saves Harry's life at the cost of his own. 
and I think that's I think that's fair. I think that it's good that there's fate. And I think it's good that there's a price tag for it. Well, You're right. The, the the forces of the universe, you know, essentially told Al at, at the beginning. That's fine. If if you want to save Harry, you can save Harry. But you can't use somebody else to save Harry. This was your decision that you came back. So you know, if you want to save him, then you have to stand in front of the curse. And there's no other way. And it's no decision at all for Al. You know, if that's the only decision to be made, then. Sure, no problem. I'll stand in front of the curse. The the thing that was so compelling to, to me um, at the end of the story that I actually wrote a sequel for this was twofold. One was, what is Harry's reaction to that? Um, and then what is what is essentially Emmy's fate become when, when Al takes himself away from her? But, you know, when he goes back to the future, Harry's not going to see this as, you know, a, a magnanimous moment, a, a gift from, from, you know, the fates that he was saved. He's going to look at this and go, God damn it, fate just can't leave me alone. You know, it took my parents. And now it's going to take my son. Exactly. I, I now have to watch my son die because it just... It can't leave me alone. It's not gonna. He's not gonna be happy when Al gets back. This isn't, you know, and, and that's it's part of the challenge. This is not a happy ending. Harry's going to be just completely ruined by this. Um, and it's interesting because it's so subjective too. Because like in my own personal example, um, my father died when he was fifty-eight, and up until the time he was fifty-seven, he was the guy that would work twelve hours a day. He would sleep when he had the time. If his boss called and said I need you to come in all weekend, he'd be there all weekend. And you know, he looked exhausted and he just he worked and worked and worked and never took care of himself always was eating chips on the couch you know he they're just the way he was raised and he has a heart attack when he's 57 and he actually collapses on my front lawn as my mother is digging a hole to plant a bush so he fell into the hole and it looked like she was trying to bury him in the front yard <laughs> as the cars driving by so i'm and she said so my neighbor looks over he's laying in the hole she's got a shovel in her hand it was very awkward so he has heart surgery and after that he is on the internet looking up diet rice that will make you live to be 137 years old and his boss calls him to tell him to come into work and my father looks at the phone quizzically and like hangs the phone up and goes and does yoga and he would exercise every day he lost like 50 pounds and he he got it he really got life and he died within a year he got cancer and he died and on my level i could be really pissed (laughs) that he gets one disease and then another and as soon as he learns one lesson that's it or i could say you know what he could have died in the hole (laughs) that would have sucked and he never would have gotten it so it's it's just interesting for me listening to you talk because my response is Lily Potter got to save her kid and her kid got 24 years to live longer than he ever thought he'd get and Al got to save his dad. So I think that's interesting because you can either say fate sucks or you can say fate's giving you a gift. And I think it really depends on your perspective and how drunk you are. Why in the last trip back did, did Al think I only have one more shot to get this right? I wasn't sure plot-wise. there a limit? He he I assumed when I read that that there was a limit on how many times you could possibly go back. It's not. That, I thought he knew the story was a, being canceled. It's not that there's a limit. The, the issue is that if, if he doesn't get it right, his father will already have been hit by a curse. And one of the things that, that's a discontinuity in the story is that supposedly... He he can't go back before, you know, his first jump because then he will be changing things that didn't yet happen. Um, so as the story goes along, essentially one of the rules that's an unwritten rule throughout all of this is that he can't go further back and mess up events that he's already changed. So he must go back only to a point that's forward of all of his other jumps. And the, the reason that that's a discontinuity is because the second jump, he goes back before the first, you know, the whole timeline that he's in. But after that, he always goes back to a time that's essentially 
essentially more recent than the time he went back before. And now he goes back to the same moon that his father got hit with the curse in, and he won't be able to go back before that. So he can't go back to this timeline again. That That is the rule, that you can only travel using this memory. You can only go back to this moon cycle one time. And if he doesn't get... Right, let me fight, see if I can understand that. Let me see if I can understand that. So the plot line is that when you go back in time, you change something. Yes. So you've now changed... So you go back to 1983 and you make a change. So now time from the beginning of time when God created, you know, the dinosaurs up until 1983 is now locked. 1983 to 2028 is still up for grabs. And, and whenever you go back, you have to move progressively forward. Otherwise, you go back in time and interfere with the changes you've already made. Correct. But the problem in the and, story is... And in so doing, you would be creating a time paradox. That That's the, the you know, essentially one of the rules that they list off there is that you can't go back and change things so that you would not have been there in the first place to make those changes because those events didn't happen. You can't go back previously and prevent those events from happening that you were interfering with at that timeline. Otherwise, let me even make this really simple. You're going to have that stupid Star Trek Voyager episode where Jamie is running around the ship running into herself because there's like four time travelers from different points of view all in the same spot at the same time and they're trying to figure out who belongs to who. Like, yes, unless you have a, a version of the story where Al goes back in time and tries to kill Voldemort and something goes bad. So he goes back in time again and then like grabs himself on the street and drags him away. But he couldn't have done that because in the first timeline he was actually not there to drag himself away. Otherwise it wouldn't have gone bad in the first place. Otherwise he never would have had to go back a second time. Yeah, I mean the thing gives me a headache but I think I understand the, the basic point. So, but that was the problem in the story. He did do it once though. He did break the cycle like in the second trip you said. Correct, because he went back to an alternative time back before oh, okay. his parents changed time. And I don't know how that, that interferes with Ella's rules of time travel, but that was the part that seemed weird to me, was that was before his first jump. So, and I don't know, I guess maybe it wasn't before his first jump, because he went back to before Harry was born, you know, back to when Harry was one the first time, and then he went back to the original final battle. You know, it's it's, it's kind of screwed up. But essentially, in the sequence of time, I guess it does work, because he went back to, to when Harry was one, and then he went back to when Harry was nine or 17, and he changed that timeline. Alternate timeline. And then he doesn't ever go back. You know, that, that timeline happened before the second timeline, essentially, is I guess what I'm trying to say. Um, so he never goes back that far again. But yeah, in her... Let's just assume that Ella's fate. Let's just assume that Ella's fate, and Ella can make up whatever rules she wants to get her story. Well, essentially, yeah. So th- that's... She did make <laughs> up the rules pretty much of the time. way she uh, approached it, yeah. Well, she made up the rules of time travel. She could make them up however she wanted. She really can do whatever the hell she wants. She's a very powerful See, person. See, that's the thing, Mike, because Mike was, like, arguing that, like, Ella was wrong, even though she invented the time travel. It could be whatever she says it is, but I'm saying there were certain logical inconsistencies I found in the rules. Well, that's, that's because she yeah, just if you're going to make up rules, up. you have to abide by it. Yeah, if you make rules, you have to abide by your rules. And ru- rules won't always be perfect, and there will always be inconsistencies. I think within her story, she's made enough. The fact that there are rules in the first place removes a lot of the organic inconsistencies in time travel stories. They almost because the opposite is, in all honesty. No, because there no from a literary perspective, there is a conscious presence of fate that will grab you and like you know, like the little AI character, you know, if you try and walk into the wall that's not supposed to be walked into, it will turn you around and walk you back out the other way. Well, there there is a there's the hand of God moving preventing you from doing certain things because otherwise he would have gone back and hit Voldemort with a Jeep in nineteen eighty and everything would have been fine. My well, point being is that if there are no rules, then we the reader can make whatever explanation we want but if you do put down actual rules and then well, she's giving you, 
giving you the so rules. Right, she gives us the rules. My point being is that I found certain logical inconsistencies in her rules. So but in order she for me gives to you her story, rules. It's her AU. You can't say that she's wrong in the rules. That the rules have to be consistently applied. Oh, saying to suspend your belief in order to follow the story. It's like saying I make a rule where in the my world, if you say the word hello, you drop dead. I, that's my rule. That's what happens. But it doesn't make it mean it makes logical sense. Her rules had certain No, it's not even... Time travel isn't real. Here's the deal. If Ella makes a rule that says that you can't change a cornerstone of fate, if she makes a rule that says you can't prevent your own birth, if she makes a series of rules, as long as she consistently applies those rules, she can make up whatever rules she wants. If she makes a rule that says if you say hello, you're going to drop dead, and then she has 14 characters saying hello and no one drops dead, then that's a problem in the story because she didn't apply her rules. It has to make sense in accordance with the plot. And I know last uh, earlier in the episode... Like you get a rule had, saying hello and you drop dead, but you can see bonjour and not drop dead, and nothing's explained about why hello makes you drop dead, but bonjour doesn't. That's, that's not a mistake, because all you know... It doesn't explain magic. I mean, magic doesn't... No, it's not an inconsistency. As long as you can make a plausible explanation. You know, fate doesn't speak French. Okay, I'm fine. <laughs> I don't see... I mean, that's all you need. Her rules, I see no explanation. God that's my point. You're overthinking the story. There's a difference between having a discrepancy with an establishment. Like in Star Trek, there's a thing that says you can't beam through shields. And they wrote... Just like Ella wrote in the, the, the rules of time travel to not make it too easy to put restrictions to, to answer why Al doesn't do you know possibly much easier things than he does and to, and to more frame the story. They put in a rule on Star Trek that says you can't beam through shields because if you could beam through shields the, the episodes would be over in five minutes because you would just beam the away team back and not have to go through the entire I mean, plot. I'll the problem is example. in some episodes they in some episodes they beam through the shields because the writers either forgot or they they needed a way around it. So in that place it's, it's an inconsistency. But you're free to say you can beam through the shields. You don't have to fight and say that, you know the shields obviously would never be designed that way because it's their universe. They can do whatever they I want. Guess a better example to me would be if you take the real Harry Potter and canon. If you take the real prophecy and the prophecy says neither can live while the other's alive but clearly that's not true. So that's an inconsistency. Well, neither can live right. while the other survives. <laughs> Which is well the problem with Mike true. at this point is he hasn't read the prophecies because they bore him so then he gets them wrong. when he no, oh, he Neither can live while the other survives but aren't they both living while the other one survives? It's, it's kind of like it's one of those sections of all prophecies. They only make logical sense after it's over. And then you can look back and go, oh, I see it. Metaphysically, you can't be happy and complete unless it kills the other. But, I mean, like, if you actually read it word for word, who says, who reads those exact words and knows that has to mean you have to kill the other one? It didn't say anything about killing. It just says, neither can... Well, I, I forget the line. Right? Did you read the prophecy in the canon? No. But whatever it is, it means like it never actually. He said they're both living right then. So clearly, there's something contradictory going on. Yeah, they're not many... surviving. It's like neither can live. Like it's if they deep. try to live a life, like they would be able. So to. So Harry has no life until he hits. No, no, Mike. The the thing is, you're overthinking it again. It's not when you say live. It doesn't mean that you're hooked up to the you know the machines in the ER and they're beeping at you. It means the ability to exist in your preferred manner. Harry won't be Harry able to have a family clubs and go dancing because he's not yes. allowed to have night. Harry can't marry Ginny and raise a family and go to the borough every Sunday and live the calm carefree life he wants where he knows everyone he loves are safe because Voldemort's around and Voldemort will be around until Harry kills him and Voldemort cannot control the world and Voldemort cannot be assured that he is immortal because Harry Potter is the only one who has the power to destroy him I don't buy so it. they must destroy you can't just like you- make up random interpretation uh, the, the prop- you can yeah, do whatever you the totally hell can. you 
as an author, but the, the way that it comes you up totally in a J.K. Rowling story is Harry is never allowed to be help, to be happy as long as Voldemort continues it, to exist. And that's, and that's what the property should have been. Back. We're moving on, Mike. Can I ask a question more. really quick? Go for it. Mike, yeah. does your brain hurt sometimes? <laughs> I love my brain. <laughs> yeah, I don't have to get into it because I explained it in, like, in detail in the first I guess what my issues were with the laws. No, I'm just, I'm really concerned about your frontal cortex right now. Oh, are you concerned? <laughs> I think you're overusing it. Mike, repeat after me. <laughs> Why does the character do that stupid thing in Act 1? Because they read the script. <laughs> I, I think it's had too much stress. There has to be a logical reason why. But there can be. There is a logical reason why. Neither can live while the other survives. Mike? Can yes, live. Jen? You know that if we play this backwards, your brain is going to be saying, I need a Valium. <laughs> When I we finish here, I'm play the podcast backwards. It says Jen's dead. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's Can actually... we not please say that when Jen is possibly hospitalized? I was going to say, we don't know that Jen right isn't dead. She could have died from injuries sustained by an office chair. No, I think this is I'm laughing at her on the This is Mike's brain, and I need a Valium. (laughs) (laughs) Ryan needs a Valium. Can I just say, I did lie earlier in the podcast when I told Jen she wasn't going to die rolling over her foot with an office chair. That's exactly how Jen's going to die. Thank you, just made me a murderer. (laughs) So hold on to the wonder that those books drop to Keep each other safe. Keep faith. Good night. If you hear any jingles on my end, it's my dog. No, Jingles. I have not kicked him in the head. I'm disgusting. So you rented a hotel room so that you could come podcast with us? That's kind of an expensive dedication there. Hey, nah, like I would totally do that if I had the money just to get away from Mike. He'd say annoy me on a daily basis. Uh, <laughs> I have too many. <laughs> three is too well, many. You have three and a half, oh, right? No, maybe half. Four. How do you have half a kid? <laughs> that would be the that would be the tall one. <laughs> <laughs> they they are allegedly grown up. Oh, I, I get it. I get it. <laughs> oh, hey, that's a new record, Mike. I think you got that in record time. <laughs> hey, here's a question that will just blow your mind, Mike. Yeah? If no one can count, are there still numbers? You want the actual answer to that? Or you want me to just... Uh... Yeah, yeah, what's the answer? If no one can count, are there still numbers? Well, numbers are just made-up representations of concepts. I mean, it's not like there's such a thing as a number one. That's just... That's like, it's like there's no such thing as time, theoretically. When you put time on the watch, that's just... Which I guess kind of relates to this fic in a little bit. Ah, but, uh, oh. Nice oh. Look at that. <laughs> Look at that. But yeah, but you know, time is just human, a human concept, just arbitrarily sort of dividing things up for our, the benefit of our own thought process. So, yeah. If, Someone's smoking if, on that, too. Anyway, go on. <laughs> so, I can so smell if there are smoke, no numbers... Yeah. If there are no numbers, can I still count the trees in the forest? Sure. Use your fingers and toes. Yeah, but I mean, what, what? Zero is a very modern concept. They never used to be a zero, for instance, in uh, human counting systems. Yeah, but right. surely if I've counted them, then how will I know how many I have if I don't use numbers? Well, oh, then you I do like a comparison. Like you would go, I have as many as I have fingers, for instance. Oh, you're very smart, Mike. <laughs> Ryan! No, it wasn't Ryan. <laughs> was it? Like it sounded like Ryan. It sounded like he was wee golfing again or something. U.S. country music has a... Oh, my mum drops me off after church yesterday, right? And she looks at the front now and she's like, oh, Mr. Kesson needs to mow the lawn. And I'm like, excuse me. <laughs> Just like, we can manage our own house. Sometimes living around the corner from my mother is not fun. <laughs> she should see the backyard if she thinks the front needs mowing.
tomorrow's going to be a crazy day for me. What are you doing tomorrow, Mark? Closing the whole building down. Got several oh hundred my. people. Oh, are there cockroaches in it? No, it's uh, end of the semester. <laughs> oh, it's the end of the semester. But I'm okay, sure all the cockroaches okay. will come out now that the kids are gone. <laughs> I, I could if I wanted to live here in the empty building, but I, I stayed in this apartment over the summer and the cockroaches came out. That's what happened. Move now. Um, we've covered the jingling dog. We've covered the cockroach-infested apartment. We've covered my lawn and dislike of country music. We've addressed the issue of numbers and space-time. Ella, <laughs> how are you? I think we've lost her. Lost someone? Yes. Where is she gone? That, Brian? Per- that is like perfect classic PFW. Yes, is classic. P- P- I was about to say P on cast. Uh-huh. <laughs> How long have I not been on Peoncast? I I don't get to go on Peoncast anymore. I'm distressed by that. Really? They let me on. They let you oh, on. They, they that let loud? you on and they don't let me on. How are you? Getting fat. <laughs> Sorry, I shouldn't laugh. I was like, why does she think she's getting fat? She should lay off the chocolate. And then I remember. Remember <laughs> what? She's not eating the chocolate. Don't you know, Mike? That why do you think that I said she had one I'm and thinking. two half children? Oh, it's a, oh, congratulations! Recite a poem or something because um, I can't hear. I don't really know any poetry. <laughs> yeah, sorry, but... neither do I. All by myself anymore. And now, now we are viewing pleasure. We present to you. Well, you can't see, Mike. How many questions have you got? Actually, well, Ryan just told me I was on this like five minutes ago, so not a time. (laughs) (laughs) And and Kelly, how many questions have you got? (laughs) Yeah, I'm in the same boat. Welcome to the interview with the author of Backward with Purpose and Book of Albus, who is sometimes known as Deadwood Pecker, except that that sounds dirty to every single host on Potterfit Weekly, so we're just going to call her Ella. You know, Kelly is here, and Mike is here, and I'm Keza, and Ella is here, and that's the introduction. That's all you're going to get because we stuffed it up. Now, about Ella's name, Deadwood Pecker, yeah, we really want to know. This was the first question we had on the podcast. Well, it all goes back to me really liking to read Smite, and uh-huh. I heard that that there was this live journal community that had all of this mutt I could ever want, which it did, you know, appease me for a time, but I eventually read through it. And they only accepted people who were 18 years old or older, and I thought there would have to be, like, some sort of ridiculous uh, waiting period while I proved that I was 18 or older. So I stole my niece's Live journal account, and her name was Deadpool Woodpecker, and then I just liked it, so I kept it. <laughs> All right. So you're writing via an assumed name that you stole so that you could read filthy stories on the internet. That's excellent. Yeah. <laughs> so you were underage at this point in time? No, no, I'm 26. I didn't she want to have didn't, to wait. The wait to get into Checkmated's bedchamber is like insanely long. Exactly. Like exactly. you have to wait I, 10 years. I'd already gone through that. <laughs> And I didn't want to have to go through it again, so I stole it. So speaking of smut, although this has like not got anything to do with um your oh actually it does because they do smutty things in your feet, don't they? Um, <laughs> in front of their children, no the less. Love room. Um, <laughs> they didn't know. They didn't know. Yeah, they didn't know it was Al. Come on, Poor Al. Poor, I, I didn't. Know. Even, um, no, I didn't even know um, it was Al. <laughs> 
I didn't know it was out until the big reel. But just to get this out of the way, um, Ella likes herself a little bit of smut. Um, <laughs> you think? Now, <laughs> now there are, there are several people on this interview tonight, which I introduced for the pleasure of everyone. However, there are two, like, little silent people hanging about. Um, on this on this um, particular interview, because Ella is currently pregnant with twins, mm-hmm. which we all congratulate her for. Um, but I find it very interesting that um, was it written? Because you're how how old is your daughter? She's uh, six months. hold on, I'm horrible with math. Don't hate me. Yes, yeah, so am I. Okay, high five. She's she's, <laughs> she's like six she's, months. No, she's more. She's eight months. Okay, so she's eight months. So, were you writing? Were you writing backward with purpose while, while you were pregnant with her? Yes, I was. I started backward yes. with purpose in February and finished yep. in June. And, okay. and yep. then I think that I finished Al also before she was born. Yeah, because weren't you writing Yellow Submarine by then? Yes, you were. Because I remember it stopped because you actually went to go and have to have the baby. I mean, inconvenient. <laughs> Well, and I can I remember um, some of the posts in uh, the author's notes in Yellow Submarine where people were like, "Where is the next chapter?" And it was like, "Guys, real life, hello." <laughs> Get a grip. No. Do, do you ever find like this is just a general question? Um, do you ever find that people expect you know if you're writing it, as an author as a fan fiction author? Like, cause I know lately I've got this reviewer who, if I take a bit too long to update the fic, she like bombards me with reviews asking for the next chapter. Do you ever feel like there are people out there who forget that you're a real person with a real life and they just want you to write fic and like oh, yes. ask for it all the time? Oh, yes. But I do the same thing too, as I'm sure Kenza especially has noticed. <laughs> <laughs> you're a demanding little wench, aren't you? <laughs> You know, and sometimes it bothers me, like, especially, like, when I do have stuff going on. But actually, it bothers me the most when, like, I'm really not being busy. I'm just, you know, wanting to watch TV or watch movies and stuff instead of writing. And then I feel guilty. And Yeah, and it's Don't like... feel guilty because you're not... This is, uh, this is supposed to be enjoyable for everybody. Not only the writer, but the reader. And I'm one of those people that I will be as patient as I need to be in order to read good fanfic. If it takes a month per chapter, fine. If it stops for six months because you've decided that you need to go have, you know, a family, fine. (laughs) Exactly. I mean, I, I, I don't, I understand we get spoiled. We have people that will put a chapter out a week or a chapter out every few days. Or something like that. But I think, and it just may be me, but I feel like the quality suffers if you're yeah. cranking stuff out that fast. If it's not, if it's still a work in progress. I mean, we had Andy who just finished uh, after uh, Away from the Sun. And it was all written before she started posting it. it or it mm-hmm. was mostly written because the end of it was in beta. But it was already there. If she had waited and then cranked that out every three or four days, unbated, you know, it, it wouldn't have been as good as it was. So I, I'm, I'm in one of the, I'm in the, I guess I'm in the minority in that I will wait and be patient for somebody to post. Yes, I'm going to go, where is 
it. Oh, but I'm not going to say, you know, I'm not going to write the writer and say, I'm never going to read you again if you don't post right now. Yeah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't say that. <laughs> I, uh, uh, I, I haven't had that. But I get, <laughs> where is it? It's been a month. And I'm like, hmm, I'm writing a thesis. Yeah. Well, is my one, my priority right now. Exactly. <laughs> and it would be the same. It's like, I'm throwing up in the toilet. <laughs> right. <laughs> I don't can't reach the keyboard. I am being tortured by twins in my stomach. <laughs> hey, See, at least I you're always not thought you should be, Keza. Every time someone says, where's the thick? Where's the chapter? Where's the chapter? She'd go, oh, here it is. But, oh, too bad. Watch me crumple it into a ball and throw it in the wastebasket. <laughs> How long do you reckon it took you to write it from start to finish? Back with this? And the book of Alice. Um, From February to June. Wow. Gen 2 couldn't be here because she has evil spawn of her own. No, she has a sick child. I'm feeling very antagonistic towards children today. <laughs> I just had the weekend with mine. Of um, and she was saying that you did it without like writing any notes, which we all found, um, what's the word, quite spectacular because <laughs> of the twists and turns in the fic. Like, I don't think I can even keep up with them. I think I have whiplash whenever I read the thing. Did you have notes for it? Did you keep like a notebook no. or anything? You just wrote it and it no. was all... Yes, just wrote it. I probably should have taken notes. I think the story would have been a lot stronger if I had and if I'd used a beta... <laughs> It would have been better. With the whole Rookwood thing, especially during Backward with Purpose, not so much during the Book of Albus, I felt like it could have been a lot better explained. Yeah, I think it could because I still don't get it. (laughs) (laughs) No, seriously. But, I see, I'm incredibly dumb. Like, so I... I thought it was just me because I still don't think I get it. So here is my thing. So, okay, back in 1980 or whenever, I'm really bad with time, um, whenever Voldemort. <laughs> could be friends with JK. Oh, I think oh, story is really bad good. with time. Wow. <laughs> I seriously, I do not even know how long I've been married. Like, if you ask me, I don't know how old, like, in months my daughter is. I don't know, like, exactly how long I've been married. But I've been with Oliver since I was 13. So I guess that's a little more understandable. But, okay, back in 1981, when Al goes back for the first time, he... Hold on a second. Speak to the devil. <laughs> the dog at the door. Please, open up. Blanchard. <laughs> Andy Graham. Look, all the things I think it could be. Room, sir. <laughs> Sorry. I don't need any towels. <laughs> okay, so he meets Rookwood, he, or he gets drunk and he's babbling, you know, being incredibly indiscreet and kind of a moron, and then Rookwood figures stuff out, and then he is sent to Azkaban, and when he escapes, he is able to give Voldemort the clues that he needed to figure out that they had traveled back in time. However, I think... Is that what happened? (laughs) Yes. How stupid I am, I did not know that. Oh my. (laughs) The whole story makes so much more sense. I feel smart. That was the that was the beginning of it, and then he tried to fix it. Yes, the article. Oh, that's why Albus kept going back was try to fix that because he had yeah. inadvertently given Rookwood all the information he needed that Voldemort knew that there was a time that Harry and Ron and Ginny had gone back in time. Right. So, okay, let me get this straight for all the people who are like me out there and just can't bear to admit it. I'm the only one who makes a fool of myself. So, 
Ron, Harry and Ginny go back in time and then Albus goes back in time and he shoots his mouth off while he's drunk. Yes. And Rook finds out that Ron, Harry and Ginny went back in time and he, when he gets out of Azkaban, he goes and tells Voldemort. So then Voldemort knows that Ron, Ginny and Harry were going to come back in time. Like, But he knew that before they even did it because they didn't come back till they were 12, 11. Um, and so Voldemort knew when Harry was, like, younger than that. And is that why the article came out, with the terrible power? The article? Well, no, okay, here's what, what happened. Article. Al didn't uh. know, Al did not know until, God, I don't know, I think before his third jump or right after his third jump that Rookwood had stunned him, gotten information out of him, and obliviated him. So Rookwood started well, obliviating as well. Did he, gl- yeah. he glared at him, didn't he? Like, Sorry, I've just... Been, I've just been editing for the season finale, and I just pulled out all the significant glance moments from oh, 55 Al did not know. Al did not know that it was Rookwood until later. He thought that it was Aberforth. Rookwood, Rookwood oh. obliviated Albus. He thought yes. he thought Aberforth stunned him. Yes. Oh, okay. And took him to. Dumbledore and Snape. And so Justin he just had assumed that until he found out that Aberforth had actually found him on the floor of the bathroom, passed out. Okay. After and Aberforth had he was passed out drunk. So all of the so all of the the resulting jumps that we see in the book of Albus are as a result of him trying to fix the first what he what happened on the first yes until he figures out that there's something strange that Harry died 24 years and 24 days after the final battle consistently yeah yes and about this i have a question about that um did we ever find out why harry dies 24 days and 24 years yeah no. well, we the, don't the, know the that curse. good because i was feeling incredibly dumb for not knowing it but we still don't know no We're not sure if it was the curse no it it was the curse. It was absolutely the curse, but why it was exactly 24 years, that was just the number that I pulled out of my ass. Okay. <laughs> what curse? I'm missing um, a curse now. I think someone's a- obliviated me regarding this. It's been a while, sorry. <laughs> Remember what? The- sorry, what was that, Ella? What did that you say? Al takes for Harry? The, the purple no. one. Yeah, he took the red one. No, no curse no. that Al takes. Yeah, when so does he do that? In- Voldemort is on the way down to the ground and throws a final curse at Harry. Oh. And it disappears before it gets to Harry because it hits Albus Al. Albus yes. under the ability. <laughs> no, he's disillusioned. Uh, so now Al is going to die. I don't know. No, that because was, Ella hasn't was written the next fic. Speaking of the next fic. Yes. <laughs> thank you for first, thank you for chapter one. <laughs> You're welcome. And you guys can thank yourselves because I probably wouldn't have written it if I hadn't been inspired by this. Oh my gosh. Podcasting. So yeah, was, I find that, I found that. A very positive thing, actually, that we've actually inspired you to write more and not made you just want to run and crawl in a hole and die because we do have that effect on people. Yes. No, and now I want to totally rewrite out. Okay, I forget which one it was, but I think it was. I think it was the one where you guys covered the book of Albus. I mean, obviously, uh-huh. it was that, but I forget which section it was in. Um, yeah, now I totally want to rewrite Al. Rewrite how when you say that? Rewrite Al, how? not hell. Oh, no, how? Rewrite. I said it. Like, like what is oh, it? Oh, how? That you, yeah. Okay. How? Oh. How? H O W. Um, I think I would have gone into more of Al as. To be honest, like, I don't like Next Generation fix. Like, really, I like, I like them, obviously, but I never, like, I think I've read part of one, and then I was just bored, like, with the Harry, like, with Harry Potter's kids. 
And so I didn't want it to make it so much about Al as I wanted it to be definitely his relationship with Harry. Uh-huh. So more about, about um, Harry's son as opposed to things that happened to Albus Potter. Yeah, I would oh, build yep. his character better. Uh, Albus's. I don't know. I just what? wasn't interested in Al as a character unless it was him like actually going back in time and doing what he did. Uh, but so I think that- less interested in in what Al feels about I don't know what am I I don't even know what I'm saying I'm <laughs> I'm actually, I'm, because I'm stuck, I'm stuck at the moment on this idea of next generation fix and it's distracting me and my brain. So we're going to talk about that now because I can. I thought it was very interesting. I I enjoyed reading the book of Albus because uh, even though I was, there's, there's a fic out there that I'm in the middle of reading that I have described as riding a roller coaster backwards in the dark, you know, through water. You really have to really hold on with both hands and read it at one shot because if you don't, you will be totally, totally lost. And I, I really enjoyed reading uh, Book of Albus because you got to see how he interacted with Harry. I think you did a very good job doing that. So that's my opinion. <laughs> Yeah, I was just because I was going to say that I find that next gen fix that don't actually interact with the current characters that we know, I find them to be less interesting because people put whatever they like in the characters. Like I've I've tripped through a few just to see what they're like, and you, you get things like that. Rose Weasley is a complete slut, and um, you get all these different characterizations. No, seriously, there is one out there. I fell across one where she was doing Lucius Malfoy. So don't. <laughs> it was oh my just god! Awful. It's like a, it's no, like a grandfather. No, Draco. See, I'm getting all confused. No, it was Draco because she was doing Scorpius's dad. She's Scorpius's girlfriend. Oh, and that's she's still doing right. His dad. So that was Draco. No, not it's still not all right. It's still not all right. Like, it's just not, it just, I find that disturbing. So I find that when people put these characters on and they don't interact with the characters that we know, I actually find that really difficult because a lot of people have really different ideas to me. I always thought the problem was that so often in fanfic that there isn't any character building. Like the people who write fanfic, they don't really have to build the characters from the ground up because we, are, we the readers, already have the character in our mind and we already have that sort of the building blocks of the job already done. And when you do the next generation stuff, the problem is they don't build the characters as though these were characters like you were opening a novel from the beginning. Uh, yeah. They make all these skip steps in the character building, which yeah. you can do when it's Harry See, Potter. And that's what I think. I think that was my flaw with Book of Albus because I just, his defining characteristic is... Oh, static. Hello? He's really, hello? He's really, his defining characteristic is what? Oh, no. Is she still there? Are you still there? Hello? Oh, Kelly? She dropped. We, we lost her. Oh. <laughs> is she we lost her? Like just... The most important characteristic is drop. <laughs> The most important characteristic is... His most important characteristic is how much he loves Harry and obviously how much Harry's death affected him. But I didn't really go too much further in his character development at all. And if I do a rewrite, then I would. Yeah, see, I found myself, you know, the whole the whole of Backward with Purpose, we're like, who is Merlin? It was this big question that everybody wanted to know, and everyone had all their theories. And I found that once I found out the answer, um, that I was like, oh, okay. And I think you're right in that I didn't actually particularly care about Albus. I cared about Merlin because Merlin had been this I'm character. Sorry, can you repeat that? that? 
I found that I didn't care about um, Albus after the big reveal. Like, I wanted to know who Merlin was desperately through the whole thing. And then it was like, oh, that is cool. That was Albus. But then I actually didn't care much about his motivations or who he was. I, I preferred to think of him still as Merlin. So I actually found the Book of Albus a lot harder to deal with because for a start, it was a lot more complicated and brain <laughs> just shut down. <laughs> but also I think that you're right with the characterization. Like I didn't feel anything for Albus because he was a little bit of a blank slate still. Does that make sense? Yes. Mike. Yes. Um, what did you think of, because I don't think I've podcasted this, well, I only got to podcast on one with Lego and Cody and PS, mm-hmm. so I think, I don't know. What did you think of the fix? Well, I remember having a lot of debates with people over uh, the laws of time travel. I think we, I noticed in the discussion, too, that there was, like, tons of discussion, like, you know, like, five-hour podcast for uh, first fic, and the second one, most of what we were podcasting was trying to just understand what was happening, like the nuts and bolts kind of thing. Yeah, see, it's probably, if I had been there, that would have been, like, five hours as well, because I would have been and sitting there going, what did it mean? I don't get it. <laughs> so I've I only guess... just now worked out the whole Rookwood thing. You know, I could probably go back and read it now and actually understand it. We've gone from Skype to cell phone. This was now, a whole big talk- plot to get your cell phone number. That's, that's no. what this all <laughs> Oh, stop it. You'll make her paranoid. What were we talking <laughs> about? I don't even care. It's uh, badgered Andy and me giving me her cell phone number so I can pester her even when she's not online. <laughs> <laughs> even if people had my mobile phone number, they wouldn't be able to call me. <laughs> Wolfie tried it, it didn't work. <laughs> Apparently, American cell phones do not like to talk to my mobile phone. Well, I don't know if you have to put in extra codes or something, but Wolfie and I tried once to call each other and it didn't work. Chinese <laughs> cell phones apparently can contact mine because I got a Chinese telephone number once. <laughs> I reckon if the... you put in all the right numbers, you could, but I don't think I have international dialing on mine. Oh, uh, okay. Well, anyway, my, my, my comment was, I, I, we all were wondering, you know, this has been speculated back and forth. Whether or not Harry's sacrifice, um, the second one that is supposed to protect the people that he loves, is going to cover Al because Al was a twinkle in, you know, in Harry's eye at that point. <laughs> and it's really confusing as to whether or not. Yes, and that's something that Harry is going to struggle with in Refuge of Hope. Okay. See, I don't think it would because I would have thought it would have covered the people who were there. Al was there. Ooh, I didn't think about that. (laughs) Al was there, but he wasn't there. You know, it's kind of like... Yeah, it is. Because you look at it. He was there. Then it should cover him. There you go. I've solved the mystery. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, Professor Teza. That's right. Can't pull one over my eyes. I wish I could boil you guys. No, no, no! Don't oh. spoil us. We'll we'll wait for the fic. But you know, it's it's. From by the way, what was it that inspired you or made you want to write sort of story? It's not the usual story. Um. Well, I was skipping class, which I did quite frequently, <laughs> and laying on the couch, which I also did quite frequently, and I just finished reading Deathly Hallows for God, I don't even know how many times I've read it, and. You know, I thought, who would take a curse for Harry? And then I was like, ooh, one of his kids. And seriously, like, backward with their Facebook about just, like, came into my head. And then I started writing. Wow. And then do you think, I do posted the prologue. Do you think that Ginny would take a curse for Harry as well? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Or Ron? I d- definitely. Definitely. I think that I think that a lot of people would have taken a curse for Harry. Yeah, but that's... I wanted it to be Al because, I don't know. I don't know why. <laughs> Who knows half the stuff we write? I don't understand half the stuff people write. So, is this your first fanfic that you ever wrote? Your fanfic? Yeah, is it the first one? Oh, um, I had a few, like, little one-shots and one 
story that was basically me like trying to feel better about everyone who died after Deathly Hallows. And oh, is that the like one where um, Harry dies? The Afterlife one. I love that one. That's like my favorite. <laughs> I love it. Have you read that, Kelly? What is it called? No? Um, oh, something Harry Potter finds joy. Is it that? Is that what it's called? Yeah. Harry Potter finds joy. Yeah, I've I love, I've read. I love that. I I've read so many. I've read so many fanfic. I can't keep track of what I've read. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sometimes I <laughs> But I really like that one, so that's why I um I remember that one. Have you been in other any other fandom besides Harry Potter? What do you have other interests in other genres? I did um Tamora Pierce. See, I don't know anything that about that. Years place. and years and years ago. Which which one was it? Tamora Pierce. Uh, Tamora Pierce. Oh, Tamora Pierce. Okay. Is she yeah. she's an author? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah. you weren't like into like the science fiction or anything. You're not a Star Trek geek or anything like Ryan. <laughs> no, I am a Star Wars. Fan, like pretty diehard Star Wars fan. And it's my belief that people can like both Star Trek and Star Wars, but. Of course they can, I totally do. I said, of course they can, I totally do. So do I. I, But I don't think they can be obsessed with both. Can't be mm. obsessed. Well, I'm not obsessed. I, I don't think I'm obsessed with either, actually. But I really enjoy. I think probably I enjoy Star Trek a bit more than I enjoy Star Wars, probably. Um, but I, I, I like them both. But then, I mean, I'm a bit of a. I, I think it's because I grew up with my brother. I have an older brother, and he was very science fictiony. And um, you know, I'll, I think I've seen. Even if I don't still watch or recall very clearly almost every science fiction series since like 1963. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yeah. That, um, and I'm, I'm surprised actually that that doesn't um, increase my uh, geek rating. <laughs> <laughs> I'm actually not very geeky. I'm the least geeky person on the whole website. Um, <laughs> very uneven. Oh, so Go ahead, Mike. Mike. I was I was curious. You've heard the podcast, I assume. And I know one of our big topics of discussion early on was not not whether their motives were pure, but whether uh, whether they that it was they should have gone back in time. Whether that was I don't know morally the right choice for them to do. Was it selfish? I think it was the first Self- thing I ever said. I think it was both selfish and selfless because of what they were prepared to do to have a better outcome for the future. Like, well, I, I, I definitely think, agree that it was selfish. I, I think yeah. I think Harry, you know, not you know, the first time we, we, we see him, you know, he's just defeated he's just defeated Voldemort. He thinks everyone else is dead, you know, and it's it's he was very much I'm gonna climb to the top tower and throw myself off yeah. he really was and and because he here he had done all of this to vanquish the dark lord and what did he have left nothing nothing left and and to have somebody come and say no you have a reason to live and this is what it is and you're not going to remember this right now because i'm going to erase your memory but you're going to you have a reason to live Wait, what are you, you talking you, about i'm talking about al after after harry defeated voldemort he he went into the Forbidden Forest and was and was you know he thought everybody had died. He, he didn't, didn't realize yeah, he didn't know that Ron. He didn't realize that Ron and Ginny were still alive. Right. Oh, you know, I, I, you're talking um, Book of Albus, right? I'm talking backward with purpose. <laughs> Not the start of it. You're talking. Yeah, the start of it is the prologue when they decide to. Um, 
to go back in time. And then at the very end in the epilogue, it has the scene in which Al goes to Harry. Right. Because when Harry thought that everyone was dead, even though Ron and Ginny weren't, but everyone else pretty much was, except for one arm Seamus. Is one arm Seamus in this fic? So I've read too much fan fiction. (laughs) (laughs) Hang on. Hey, I'm going to write a fic about that now. That's a great title, one arm Seamus. I've got like two fics that I have to finish. So Yes, um... you do. Oh, someone's a bit cranky. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not cranky. Oh. I'm just saying, please. <laughs> it was just a yes, you do. You want yes, to you do. Please you finish. <laughs> Everybody it's wants been to two months, Kessa. What are you doing with yourself? No, no, no. Kessa, it's what? only been a week. and Not even that. <laughs> <laughs> What's that, Mark? I, I was impersonating a crazy fan going, Kessa, um, why isn't the next chapter out? It's been so long. <laughs> it's been a whole oh, 12 explain. hours. I should explain though. There's currently there's currently a ten a, a fic that I've written that's currently ten chapters long that's not finished that I'm actually writing for Ella because she gave me a prompt and it just spawned <laughs> this whole story. So um, yeah, how do you like it, a lot of, Ella? Pardon? I love it. Yeah, me too. The story that I was writing. <laughs> yeah, I'm writing. I will finish it. And the, basically, the that, every, better. Yeah, the, the one that Everyone you sent me and said, "I hate this chapter. It's crap." I'm like, "No, it's not. It's fine." Oh, it's, <laughs> oh okay. <laughs> I really uh, like it. Yeah, where were we before I started talking about my fix? Selfishness, <laughs> purpose, and selfishness. Yes. So I, I, I don't I really think thought... I did a very good job of showing like the devastation. There were a few people still left alive because I didn't want it to be just totally them. Right. But the wizarding world was and the muggle world as well to a lesser extent but they were definitely still affected the wizarding world was totally crippled and there was seven years where there were no children wow because they all died so there was Voldemort started wiping them out for seven years he wiped out every kid that was born so you're telling us that that Voldemort was Herod is that what you're saying (laughs) yeah that's what I'm saying he's like the evil pharaohs basically, basically destroyed every child in Hogwarts. Yeah. Oh, yeah. At Hogwarts at the time. Well, he, oh, what, he, okay. he, uh, yeah. he, he burned them in their beds. I mean, it was like, oh my God. Even if, year. like, it had been a few years and they were starting to put the pieces back together, there, the wizarding world is a lot better off because Harry went back in time. Yeah. Yeah. So I think he, he could justify the selfishness. I don't think that's <laughs> selfish. I think the selfish argument came from not so much that Harry's motivations are anything but pure, so much as that you're erasing the lives of everyone who's born in the in that seven year period. Yeah, but you're also saving the lives of everyone who died at the at the final. Well, right, battle. and then basically it comes that you're playing God, basically. It, it can be. Yes, I'm going to explore that issue a little more in Refuge of Hope. Oh, good. Because Harry realizes that you know it was a generation, and what was he doing playing God? And because he played God, he thinks he's going to lose his son. You well, know, he thinks that this is the punishment for thinking that he could do something like that without any repercussions and that it would be almost completely positive. Well, one big thing that we know that wasn't positive was Neville. Yeah, but Neville died. I was very careful to show Neville dying in every single timeline. Neville died in the first one. 
<laughs> did he die before he got together with Hannah? Because he was with Hannah in one of them that I remember. Yes, but I don't think they had any babies. Or no, okay. actually, I think Hannah was pregnant and then she lost the baby. Okay. So I didn't want to give him any children because, yeah. Oh, and Why I wanted to mention, like, I wanted to mention that the fact of, you know, saving Neville and, like, the Luna thing is I never saw Neville. I, like, I can't really picture Neville and Luna together. Mm-hmm. Oh, like, they were always just friends to me. Right. I, was there some I, significant um, point in Neville dying in every single timeline? It was to maintain but, uh, the timeline. <laughs> yeah. Because it's cruel and unusual and mean to kill off Neville. <laughs> Very distressing. People had to die. I know. I don't have to like it. <laughs> 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 I just wouldn't have picked Neville. I would have killed off that annoying Luna chick. Honestly, Luna really annoys me. I don't know. Yeah, I, I, I'm I know. Just, who I'm going to get hate mail now, but I really don't like Luna's character. <laughs> we would, we would I kill just, Nigel off every time. Oh. <laughs> You're the male Lena, are you, Mike? No, seriously, I just don't like her very much. I, I've used her in, in fic a couple of times, but I I don't find her that interesting. Not yeah, really. I don't, but I, I think, think Luna and, I mean, I like all the characters. I'm not like, oh, my God, they should just, Joe Rowling never should have written them. But Luna yeah. and Hermione are, like, my two characters that I just find the least interesting to write. I feel Luna, she feels the purpose like especially in Backward with Purpose, she um she's fantastic for the that role that she has um yes. to be the quirky that's one, like and that's how I use her in my fix. She's the quirky one. Um, I don't find her interesting as a character in her own right. I don't feel like exploring her at all. No, comic Alistair. Is it the Luna from Canon that you don't like and that you don't see as having a full character, or just the interpretations of her you don't like, or both? I suppose um a bit of both. I don't like a lot of the interpretations because I think people write some weird crap. <laughs> and <laughs> yeah, I don't like the Harry, Ginny, Luna threesome. I think that's I, I I detest no. that. I'm, I'm not a fan of threesomes in general, really. Not exactly, like really not my thing. But I particularly don't like that one, and I don't know why. I would also hate a Harry, Ginny, Hermione threesome as well. So <laughs> you know, I'm not fussy about that. But that's I feel like I just had this conversation. Like Harry, Ginny, anyone threesomes? Yeah, I'm not a huge threesome Wait, fan. Wait, but I mean, would I feel really sorry for Ron if it was Harry, Ginny, and Hermione all became a couple and just like left Ron behind. <sighs> you know. <laughs> I have read fic that has been all four. Not, that's not what I was encouraging. I've seen that I was one. Like that. But no, see what happens though. If Hermione and Harry get together, the genie usually goes off with Draco and Ron ends up with Luna. <laughs> <laughs> and that annoys me too because I like Ron and I think he deserves better than a fluffy air-headed Luna. Yeah, okay. So she's smart on the inside because she's a Ravenclaw and Ravenclaws, as we know, are all smart. However, she doesn't go with Ron. She doesn't go no. with Harry no. and she doesn't go with Neville. And so I like that that JK made up someone for her. Um, she gets married to um, Rolf Scamander. Oh. I mean, and, like, Keza, if you were writing a fic, who would you, you put Luna with if you had to give Luna? Well, that's an interesting question, Mike, because <laughs> having said all that, in my fic, in my really long post-Deathly Allies fic, she's actually with Neville. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, are we, how could you do that after this long rant, Keza? And I'll tell you why, because I, I, I found it very funny, because if you read the scene where they She's, she doesn't stay with him. Though. What what happens is through the whole thing, um, Ginny it keeps telling Neville, it's like, you should go after Hannah. You two were close last year. And Neville's like, no, no, I can't. You know, too scared. So Luna comes. 
comes out with this thing, right, well, you need some practice. How about we go out? And he's like, um, you just told me that I should go out with Hannah. Why should I go out with you? And Linda's like, well, because I heard Milda Vane telling um, so-and-so and so-and-so that otherwise she was going to ask you out. And so Neville's like, Luna, will you go out with me? So <laughs> Stay away from Imelda. Basically, in my feet, Luna, Luna puts herself forward as a proposition for Neville to practice snogging and to keep the other girls away from him. <laughs> and they hang out and they, they have a very short relationship just because I was in the mood one day that I thought that that was incredibly funny. So, But Luna's not actually with Neville. He's trying to get Hannah and um, Luna Ooh. is actually trying to sort of teach Neville how to go about getting Hannah because she knows that's who Neville actually wants. So, Okay. Would you? <laughs> yes. Anyway. So, so Ella. Yes. Yes. Ella, what kind of, besides smut, what kind of fanfic do you like to read? Um, I like little romances. I love Andy stories and Mel stories. And I actually haven't been reading that much fanfic lately. So, um, just for, for everyone else, um, who are Andy and Mel? Because they're not called uh, that <laughs> on the interweb. It's a G fan, it's a G fan, one, 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 and M. Hershey. Bar, right? Yeah. 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 Um, so what, what was Andy's Andy big thing that she wrote on, on Life Journal? What, what was her big thing she wrote before Away from the Sun? She had um, she had Seeking several. Silver. Seeking She's, the Silver. It's easier to thing. be and brighter yeah. than sunshine. Seeking brighter the silver. Brighter than sunshine. I really like Seeking the Silver. I really like Seeking the Silver. I really, I, I really, the silver. I really the enjoyed only. Easier to Be, the one that she yeah, wrote that's... before Away from the Sun. I think so that's her really... newest one. Is, her newest one is freaking awesome. Yes. Yeah, Stop rubbing it in. Um, <laughs> Ella is the only person on the face of the planet who's read it, and she keeps telling us that I'm withholding the next chapter of my thing now. No. Um, uh, <laughs> like, thick wars. So I was just going to say, is, um, do you read stuff other than um, Harry Ginny stuff, or is it mainly Harry Ginny? Have I written yeah, or have I read? Read, 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 I'm working on. I'm working on a Ron story that is probably most similar to Backward with Hopkins than any of the other stuff I've written. Uh huh. Hmm. I'm very interested in the Ron story. I've seen some of that. But would you do you read stories about Ron and Hermione, or would you steer clear of them? Or you know, like do you um, secretly harbor a fetish for Draco fic? <laughs> oh no, no. <laughs> uh, no, I don't like Draco at all. I'm not one oh. of those little people, or not little people. I'm sorry. One of those people who think Draco is like totally misunderstood. He's a good guy. I find you know? that interesting because most of the Slytherins on our forum actually really enjoy Draco. I and really enjoy, like most of our Slytherins uh, on our forum actually also like Snape Hermione stories too. But <laughs> yeah, what do you think about Snape? What do you think about Snape? What about in canon? Yeah. I I think he was. Yes. I think he was a hero with some very tragic flaws. He's you know, him. and you know, even though he did something heroic, he's still an asshole. So. <laughs> <laughs> It's not like I'm like, oh my god, you know, Snape is so evil, I can't believe she did that and made him good at the end, you know, I just, yeah. I don't know. I, I actually, I actually expected it after Half-Life that Snape I, was on I, my I really, side, and I had a pretty good idea that it was because he was in love with Lily. I always thought from book one that Snape was on their side, because apart from being an absolute crap teacher, I mean, seriously, the guy cannot teach, ugh. Um, <laughs> sorry. So my I know how you really thinking. feel. <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's, he's just got no teaching skill whatsoever. But, you know, that's coming from some 
Hagrid, Sorry? Professor Inns, who, which, which, who has the teaching skill in that school. Exactly. I mean, but anyway, the point is that I was trying to make is that I always thought from the first book that Snape was good because he never did anything wrong apart from pick on Harry for being his father's son and be a bad teacher. Like when it came down to it, he saved Harry on the, you know, broomstick being possessed. He, he yeah. was, you know, all, all that stuff. He was actually protecting Harry the whole time and I thought it was blatantly transparent and obvious that he was trying for Harry to not be dead. Like, even when he, um, this is probably movie thing. I trusted, I trusted Dumbledore, you know. I trusted Dumbledore more than, you know, Harry's perceptions of Snape's character. Yeah. Yeah, well, see, exactly. Because because Snape hated Harry. Yeah. I always found Harry to have a few flaws. Like, I love Harry. He's fantastic. But he's a very flawed character because the best characters are. Um, And I think that's what makes Snape such a good character because he has flaws. But I never really thought that he was bad. Like, all the stuff that went on between Snape and Harry was personal. It was, it was on the level of because with his dad but, but um, Dumbledore didn't have a problem with him and everything that Snape did and I think this is movie I don't know if this was in the book I get confused my kids keep watching the movies and more often than I read the books but um, you know like when Harry was out with the Marauders map at night when he was trying to find Peter Pettigrew because he saw him on the map and Snape comes after him and finds him but I'm thinking, well, he wasn't and, – and the way Harry sees it is that Snape is trying to get him into trouble. But I always had this feeling that Snape was actually trying to keep Harry out of trouble. Like, if he would follow him around and find him and go, what are you doing out of bed, Potter? It was not because he wanted to – you know, Filch wanted to get Harry into trouble, but Snape was actually trying to keep him out of it, if that makes sense. I think it was both. Yeah. Hello. <laughs> I think, yeah, I I think always... Snape is a complex character in that he is a hero, but, you know, he's still a jerk. Yeah, you can, yeah. You can be a hero. You can be a hero and you can still be an ass. I mean, really. Yeah, like um, exactly. Hancock. Like Hancock. Have you seen that movie? <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, that just made me think of that. You can be a hero and still be a jerk. I'm like, yeah, I sort of can. <laughs> <laughs> because he is. <sighs> right. But um, I was asking a question. I forgot what it was. Ella, did you have any questions for us as readers? Were you guys surprised by Al? I yes. was. Yep. Yeah. I thought it was. I, I guessed before. I guessed there was a Merlin. I thought it was really clever. It's like, oh, Merlin's coming back in time. But I thought it was like the literal Merlin from like okay. Arthur times. <laughs> I thought it might have been Dumbledore at one stage, but I actually was mostly just going, "What the." <laughs> Because I'm very dumb and I can't work these things out. I thought at one I went through cycles. I'm like thinking, oh, it could be Percy. Uh, I thought at one stage I even thought it might be Luna, and that I really hated that idea because I didn't like (laughs) I don't really like Luna. (laughs) Thought it could have been Dumbledore. I thought sometimes it was Harry himself. I did too. Tracking on himself. I, I did too. I thought it was Harry yeah. himself, and and knowing I'm not supposed to mess too much with what's going on. But then it was no, it's not. <laughs> See, wouldn't that have been less embarrassing in the love room if it had been Harry watching that, and not the Albus? <laughs> <laughs> that was so good. <laughs> I was actually confused by that. I, was, I that really, really I really loved writing that scene in Backward Whispers because <laughs> I was thinking about Al the entire time. See, I actually found that. <laughs> And how, how Al is just like, oh my god, my eyes, my eyes. <laughs> well, and, you know, and when and backwards with purpose, Harry realizes, turns around and looks, and he's like, uh, we just had sex in a spotlight. <laughs> oh my. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was great. <laughs> like, and then I also like writing the scene when Al is like, or James says, our parents wouldn't have sex in a public yes. place. 
<laughs> and now it's like, oh, don't bet it. <laughs> oh my god, yeah. I love that. That was awesome. And I totally agree. And Ron's like, all right, I hope you get to stay totally naive. <laughs> Oh, I thought it was very funny. I thought it was very funny. Mm. <laughs> oh my! That was one of the that was one of the scenes writing backward with her face that I was like, I can't wait to write this, like because I'm writing backward with her face and I'm thinking of Al is like dying for cover and completely horrified that his parents were going at it, and they're just so oblivious, you know, daring. But yeah. well, he, you know, they didn't know he was in the room. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> I think even if they had have known, wouldn't they have been a little bit too overcome to care? Right. They were, the they, were very, they were very, very, very overcome. And it wasn't so much that Harry had a pretty good idea that Merlin, like, wasn't so much in the room, but he had made things easier for him, for, him, for them to get in because the door was ajar instead of being locked. Mm-hmm. But he was just completely didn't care in that moment. <laughs> Wrapped up in the moment. That's that's a good way to put it. <laughs> Whoa. Sorry, I've lost it. I've completely lost my mind. I have to say that after I found out that it was Al, I went back and reread parts of um, Back with Purpose. The one that really got me was Percy being confounded. Uh-huh. And then going back and going, aha! <laughs> you know? <laughs> That's why. Okay, but yeah, that's that was, why you couldn't talk. That's yeah, and what uh, he was trying I know to a lot say. Of, I know a lot of people on the forums were talking about this part about the uh, revenge killings. A lot of people oh, were yeah. made yeah, very uncomfortable me. with that. And I don't know, I just thought we could talk about it. I have no question. <laughs> just know that a lot of people were saying, oh, they thought Percy was dead. Yes. And yeah. they, and, and Arthur, Bill, Charlie? Was it all yeah, of the rest of them? And Harry? And Neville. It was Arthur. I know Arthur and Bill were there. And yeah. Harry was there and Neville was there. I can't remember. And Ron. Ron? Ron wasn't there. Ron was there. Ron was not there. wasn't there. Why am I not remembering? Where was Ron? Hey, I can't even remember who was there. <laughs> <laughs> well, I feel less bad about it. And because they thought that Percy had been killed in a Death Eater attack, they went to Azkaban and created a massacre. Yeah, they, they really did. I mean, it was... You know, I was actually going to have Al nudge that along a little bit. Back in what way? In, like sort of not like do a compulsion for them to do it but suggest it I guess but then I decided no. So do you regret writing that or do you think it's a real important integral part of the story? Do you think the characters regret doing it? The characters definitely regret well they do and they don't and I'm just as conflicted about it. I think that they should have I don't even know. I think it was pretty <laughs> bloody and gruesome. But um, yeah, I think that my I think that my perspective is also a little different because I was in the military, and you know, it. And for Harry, like it was even more so. This was the first time that one of I think it was the first time that one of the like he had come back to save the Weasleys, and this is the first time that he actually thought that one of them was dead, or one of the people that he came back to save was dead. I pictured him as just some. Like completely breaking in him at that moment because 
he thought of it being as, you know, oh my God, all of this is going to just happen again. This is the first time. And it was preventative. It was revenge. And it was really, I think it was wrong of him to do, but I am sort of glad that it's in there. I just, I think that it comes back to the extremes that people would go to for love. And this was a really dark and not a good representation, or it was a good representation of love, but it was like a, like a bad thing, you know? Yeah, well, it was, it was shocking, really. Um, I had a, I had a problem with bits and pieces with Molly Weasley. Um, you know, there were times where I just wanted to, to reach out and, and, and shake her because it, <laughs> she was being so obstinate. And I understand that she was trying to protect her family, but at the same time, it was like you need to give, you need to listen to what this, what they are saying. I mean, my God, it, you know. Yeah. I found her a lot easier to take, but only because I struggled through um, the Molly that's in in Meaning of One by Sovereign. Right. In meaning I one. find okay. I find that Molly incredibly difficult to deal with. She's just awful. I so yeah. I actually found Molly really mild in comparison to to the Molly in Meaning of One because the Molly in Meaning of One is really nasty to Harry, yeah. really nasty to Harry, and she's mean to Ginny. And I found her very difficult. So I didn't find this Molly too hard. It it was more of a heartbreaking thing for me. I was yeah. just like, oh, I poor Harry. Tried really, 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 really hard to make Weasley's almost like both in character but dude and I want people when they're reading backward with her to understand where the Weasleys are coming from Mm -hmm. you know and that's Mm -hmm. why that's really why I had Harry and Ginny be indiscreet and be caught in that kind of situation because you know, if I was a parent and I had already been harboring, like, these semi-bad feelings, and especially after, you know, Molly overhears Harry and Ron discussing killing Lockhart, right? you know, I would be livid, you know, if someone touched one of my daughters like that. I would kick them out, you know. And oh, yeah. I, I don't think care. it was an I wouldn't, I wouldn't care if it was consensual. I would be like, no, this doesn't happen here. I don't think it was so an overreaction, where... lo- looking at it from her point of view. And I think that's what's the beauty of is that because I find the Molly in um, Meaning of One to overreact about everything um, and just be too far that side, um, whereas I find that the, this Molly in Backward with Purpose, I find that her actions make sense because I don't think she's ultimately – she doesn't really dislike Harry. That's not the sense I get. She's just – she doesn't immediately take to him because – and, and she's, she's out to protect she's very, her family. She's very worried about what he is going to do yeah. and how it's going to affect her family. She's really worried See, about that. Because, I mean, the Molly yeah. and Cannon never takes to Draco Malfoy, does she? <laughs> you yeah. know? I I find fix where Molly takes Draco under her wing to be extremely odd. Really? <laughs> She's never mean to Draco or anything in canon, is she? No, she's not mean to him, but I just, I don't... She sticks with the sort of... I think that Harry... Do you hear with Draco? No, we don't. I was going to say she never interacts with him. (laughs) (laughs) I I could see her, like, like, I don't think she'd help a spoiled kid, but I think, like, you know, if if Draco was in, like, I think any child that's in bad circumstances would sort of bring out her inner niceness, kind of. Except you've got to think about the fact that Draco is actually pretty mean. I don't think he's pretty mean. Yeah. (laughs) I knew you were going to say that. (laughs) Draco's me. In no, canon, he's, not, he's not nice. He picks on Ron. He picks on Ron's family. 
And he like, turns pick on his him nose and his up. family. Harry, Harry's such a bully to Draco. I don't blame Draco. Oh, no, no, we're not going into this. Listen to me. Listen to me. So you've got Draco Malfoy meeting Ron Weasley. Leave Harry out of it for a minute. He meets Ron and he turns his nose up and says, oh, you've got red hair. You must be a Weasley. And <laughs> it's like you've got 10 hand-me-down robes and stuff. And Draco is a snob and he's mean to Ron when he meets him, right? Let's say Harry right. Potter doesn't exist for a moment. That's and not how it Molly starts, though. And, pardon? Who's between Draco and Ron? Who's the first one to make fun of the other? The first one is Ron making Draco. fun of Malfoy for Malfoy's name. Malfoy does not start that when they initially meet. Malfoy introduces himself with his name. Ron laughs at his name. And then Malfoy looks at him and goes, oh, who are you? Oh, you must be. And then he makes insults. So you think because Ron can't stifle his laughter at what is admittedly an odd name, that Draco, that gives right? Draco the right to, to be... <laughs> that question right. is question still a snob. Draco's still being a snob there. And Ron's still being, uh, you know, making fun of him. I, I, I don't consider it. Okay, but, but Ron laughs at his name and, and Draco turns around and starts picking on his family and his clothes. And in, in um, Order of the Phoenix, he he talks about that the reason that um, Fred and Harry get suspended, or is it George? I don't know. One of the twins and George, uh, Harry gets suspended from the Quidditch team is because Draco picks a fight with them by, by talking about how their mother and their house smells and it's a pigsty and stuff. It's like you smash know, his face this, into the Oh, stop sticking up for Draco Malfoy. He was nasty. He was being a bully. <laughs> Wait, if, if some Wait, kid was... stop, 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 stop. We're doing an interview. So anyway, Let's here's not talk about that. <laughs> talking, about, talking about Molly. Say, um, say Molly and Ron are on the platform and Draco comes up on and picks on him about his robes. I would not anticipate that Molly would take that child under her wing the way that she took Harry under her wing. That was the only point I was trying to make. <laughs> <laughs> Another because time, he I, wasn't I, I, nice. I, 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 she probably would have turned to Ron and go, Ron, don't laugh. It's not nice. You know, because that's what she said to Ginny when Ginny was pointing at Harry. She's like, don't point. It's rude. She would have told Ron off and told him, don't laugh at someone's name. It's not polite. And then Draco goes on and and picks on on Ron for being poor, I don't think Molly would have warmed to him. And I'm just saying that I think that's a normal reaction, and that's the sort of reaction we get to that she has to Harry, because she hasn't warmed to Harry because there's something about Harry that throws her off, partly because of what she's read and partly because of these um, articles that she's got this idea in her yeah, and, and partly because it's not why, Harry. The reason why I feel like canon supports Molly's character in BWP is because of how she treats Hermione when the Rita Skeeter article I think it was comes out in yeah before. because you know, she thinks very that cold Hermione... Hermione she doesn't she doesn't give Hermione like a very nice Easter egg like everyone else gets dragon sized eggs and she gets one that's like the size of a pea or whatever yeah. yeah because because she thinks that Hermione has I don't know what do you think she is thinking there she thinks that Hermione is is messing with Harry that's messing what it with is Harry's yeah. affections because yes. I always because I I got confused because I was thinking this whole time. That she was upset that Hermione was ditching and no, not she, she's, she's returning worried. Ron's affections. She's that, upset because it appears that Harry is being slighted by Crumb. yeah for Victor. Crumb. Yeah, see, because I realised I'm thinking that I'm thinking. Hang on, Ron and Hermione haven't made anything known of their feelings, so I don't. So I was always like, it's not that. I I knew I was slightly off. That makes more sense. Yes, because she's. It's not about Ron or Harry so much as Victor Crumb. Hermione's doing whatever she's doing with Victor Crumb and <laughs> nothing. <Molly> <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but Molly thinks that she's therefore going to hurt. Do you think Molly thought that 
Hermione and Harry had a thing going. I think she was. Re- I think she, I think she was yeah, believing anything that was been being published in that. Yeah, yeah. and article. so so the fact that she would believe these articles in Backward with Purpose, it seems a very canon reaction for me. That's all I'll say. Draco is. And it wasn't like she was completely. You know, she wasn't completely like, oh, Harry is evil in Backward with yeah. Purpose in the beginning. She let him come home for Christmas, but I think also part of it came from Ron and Ginny support, like complete support of Harry too. Yeah. Because he obviously like, like, thought... Brainwatched them. Yeah. <laughs> and Harry wasn't acting like a, an 11-year-old kid because he wasn't an 11-year-old kid. He was like a 40-year-old kid or whatever. Well, neither were Ron and Ginny. Oh, right. And then, but then, and that starts right when they meet Harry. So it's all... Yeah. I, I, I think a part of it's not just the article. It's that's how they interact with them because they don't interact with their parents or like like either like a you know like your 11-year-old son should interact with his parent or like your 11-year-old son's friend should interact with your parent. Their actual actions were also... I think probably skewed. Yeah. I just, I, I, I in <laughs> Ron was a bagel. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I can understand now why you didn't bring Hermione back as well, because, like you said, you don't particularly care to write Hermione, and I can understand that. Um, <laughs> but it just it was really funny that you know here we had a story earlier that Harry was bagel, and now we have Ron as a bagel. <laughs> A bagel? Oh, bagel. Right. You know what a bagel is. Come yeah, on, I don't right. know why Ron's a bagel. Like a, like a piece of because he's 30 and Hermione's 11 and he wants her. Yes. Do What's I have to bagels? put any more crude than that? <laughs> I don't know if I get to connect. I get what you're saying, right, oh. that Ron likes the 30-year-old Ron likes the 10-year-old girl. But what's right. it do bagels? Do you even listen to the podcast? <laughs> <laughs> yes, I was on this podcast. I don't know what we're you're talking about. You're a host and you don't know why he's a bagel. I was oh, on this Mike. podcast too, and I don't know. What to do. Oh, Mike, what are okay. we going to do with you? We covered this little fic by Viridian called Nightmares of Futures Past. In the oh, wait, witch, Harry goes okay, back no. in time and lusts after little tiny Ginny. Do you remember and now? I, believe... I remember now. I remember. Yeah. Okay. Bagel is the word we use so that we can avoid repeating the word pedophile. Right. <laughs> over and over and over again. <laughs> you know, but what I find interesting is that, you know, you guys are, you know, anti-bagel, obviously. But also, <laughs> I think most you know, of the world Harry, is and Ginny are, Harry and Ginny are both bagels, I guess. <laughs> well, not necessarily. But that's also not okay if they have sex, you know, at, at an 11. early age. At, well, they didn't have sex at 11, though. No. But see, I think there's also... A, but is she I talking think down to you, 14? <laughs> I think, well, I think there's a difference when, well, first of all, you could argue whether they're really, like, even leaving aside whether they're 30 or 40, I think, not, not what you want to read, like, you probably don't want to read that, but in terms of what's morally acceptable, I think there's a difference, more, different moral level if you're talking, like, you know, like, two 13-year-olds versus, like, you know, like, a 13-year-old and a whatever-year-old. 33-year-old. Do you yeah. really think that it's okay for two 13-year-olds to go around having sex? Well, I'm, I'm not saying that's what they you are want. actually it's not... adults, then what's wrong with that? Mm. Yeah, well, there's that aspect, too. But even that aside, like, I'm not saying you want it to happen, but I think morally speaking, there's a difference between two 13-year-olds and, you know... A bagel. Bagel, yes. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> oh, boy. Okay, so explain to me, like, two 13-year-olds or, you know, a 14 and a 15-year-old having sex, even though they have all their adult memories, they're in love with each other, they're technically married, but it's wrong because they're young. I didn't right? have a problem with them waiting until they until they were physically ready for that. I didn't have a problem with it. I think most of the problems were Ron and Hermione, not Harry and Ginny, right? Yeah, but, inst- I mean, people were upset about Harry and Ginny having sex, you know, when they were fairly young. I don't know. Keza? What do I think about the sex thing? Mm-hmm. Um, my feelings on it are that 13-year-olds shouldn't be having sex. <laughs> um, well, but I'm a very um, sex-in-marriage kind of gal. However, that's not to say that the whole world is like that. So... I guess many thirteen even if even if they're actually adults um, see for me, even if they're actually adults, I'm still uncomfortable with with teen sex. Um and that sounds weird because one of the things that I have about sex is that people need to be ready. But I, I guess I because that I think for me it's because it can't happen. You can't put thirty year olds in thirteen year old bodies. So I find it really hard to reconcile because I am like very much like thirteen year olds shouldn't be having sex. They're not ready. I'm like, but, but the readiness so that I think they should be is all emotional. So. so was your wish issue with Ron and Hermione having sex because they were teenagers? That's not my yeah. issue. Um, part of it it was half half. It was part because Ron is so much older than Hermione, and until she's an adult that's not fair and part of it is the teenage sex just doesn't do it for me i think people should be adults before they make that step my problem i'll say was the age gap because i I just felt that ron in this story has a level of maturity and experience that hermione can't match and that there's sort of this his relationship with her on his part is a little bit too i don't know like pre-planned sort of like you know like not natural on his side because he's sort of like trying to set her up early on so that she'll be with him later on and that just kind of a little bit i actually felt a bit sorry for for Ron, to be honest with you, because he's still in love with Hermione and there's nothing's going to change it, you know, and it would be a horrible position to be in, I think. I also be comp- thought of Ron as not even so much an adult as very emotionally stunted by the fact that he lost Hermione at a fairly young age. He was 20. Yeah, right. And he lost also basically his entire family except Harry and Ginny. So I don't really know if... He was really 30 years old emotionally. Like, he never had the chance to, like, grow, like, really grow in a relationship and become an adult, like, other than the fact that he basically, in some ways, he's a very old man because he's lost so many people, but at the same time... I think he is also stuck in being a 20-year-old as well because he yeah, hasn't he hasn't grown. He didn't grow and become an adult during the time that he, after he lost Hermione and lost his parents and the final battle until he went back. I really don't think he did. I think he was so focused on going back and planning everything that he lost a lot of the experiences that would have, you know... So that's what I think. I think Hermione can actually catch up to him because... I think that that of all the characters in canon, Hermione had the best chance at, you know, falling in love with someone who was older, trapped in a younger body. Because she is very mature in some ways. In some ways she's immature and insecure. Also about the whole bagel thing and the fact that, you know, Ron was in love with an 11-year-old is that I don't think he distinguishes. It's just Hermione to him, no matter what age she is. She's just Hermione. And 
you know, I really think that, you know, Harry and Ginny are soulmates, but I also think that Ron and Hermione are as well. Does that change whether he's technically years older than her, but also technically not because he's in, you know, a younger body? I don't I don't really know. And I never really explored that fully at all because I'm really not interested in them, but... <laughs> Well, the focus yeah, of the story I, wasn't Ron and Hermione. It was Harry and Ginny, and Harry's Harry's struggle to fix things so that that you wouldn't end up with the same result. Exactly. You know. Yeah. So, do you have any um, favorites in the stories you've written? Favorites. Like you, you look at one like this is the one that has the most I don't know specialness to me. Yeah, I have a favorite of mine, and I have a favorite of Ellis. That, that's not your question you were asking, though. Was it? I just had to put that in. It's the Ella. Um, I like backward with purpose for the plot because I think it was a gift like Al was a gift you know to think of it it was just fun to write and I think I like Yellow Submarine a lot more for the emotion I guess but the emotional I I liked Yellow Submarine yeah I I blogged about it a couple times (laughs) I I found backward with purpose was very plot oriented which is good I think and that sometimes you need a fic like that but um, I didn't I didn't find it particularly emotionally oriented beyond the fact that there was just this whole thing through it that the reason they went back was because it was so hard. But then the plot sort of takes over. Oh, except for Arthur. Oh, it killed me. The whole Arthur thing. That was the best part of the whole story. This shed scene was so hard to write. Oh, he turned into because I don't know, like this is gonna waiting be like for him to, because he's waiting for Harry to come out and talk to him. That was the, no, he's not. Um, Harry oh, wants oh. to. Arthur says no, and then he says to Percy later he can't give to Harry what Harry needs. And uh, oh, and yeah. you're talking to someone who writes Arthur Harry scenes all the time and just revels in them. And for Arthur to turn Harry away was so so hard for me. Yeah, just so hard because I love Arthur parenting, fathering Harry. I love that. Because I feel like Harry needs that, I guess, because the way I look at Harry, he doesn't have either of his parents, but Molly openly mothers him from the minute she meets him. And also I think that in some ways Harry feels the loss of his mother a little less. That's just my perspective, that partly because Molly mothers him, but partly... I don't know. Maybe it's because I, I assume that boys need their dads, you know. I don't know. I just feel like that um, Harry never gets a father figure the way he gets a substitute mother figure. And so I just, it well, kills I, me. It, I think the, he the doesn't real, get that. <laughs> the thing is with, with Harry, you know, he has reminders of his father more than his mother all the time. I mean, he has yeah. Remus, he has Sirius. He yeah. has, you know, all these reminders of that. And um, Molly has really filled the hole that, that Lily has left. And I think but, that his father hole doesn't get filled as much because he's got a lot of reminders right. that are too close to James but not actually James, whereas Lily right. he can sort of fill in with Molly because he's got nothing. He, right. he Like Aunt Petunia just, you know, he <laughs> cut himself loose from her, you know. And I don't know. I forgot where I was going with that. <laughs> You know, like um, Sirius dies, Dumbledore dies, even Snape dies, and Remus yeah. dies. They all die on him, you know. He's um, no father. And, 
I love I love Joe Rowling for not killing Arthur because honestly I couldn't have stood it if she killed him because she was going to kill him off in Order of the Phoenix. I'm so glad she didn't because Harry is left with no one if she but kills in off canon, Arthur. See, I, I never got the sense in I see it a lot in fic and I see it well done a lot, but in canon I never got the sense that there was a, a closeness between Arthur and Harry as there is even between say Molly and Harry. I always got the Harry's male role figures were more serious Remus Dumbledore. So, so after but after Deathly Hallows though, who has he got left? Well, right, yeah, yeah, that, that's a fanfic. Thing, that's what I'm talking. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's what I mean. He doesn't. He's not close to Arthur in canon because he has Sirius and he has Remus and all these people. But then they all leave. They're all except, gone. And except left. for Arthur. Right. Except for Arthur. And so I. But that's just me. I like the whole Arthur Harry dynamic. Do we have any more questions for Ella? <laughs> or are we just got listed to be rabbit on? <laughs> I don't actually have any more questions. Oh, I had one comment. Yes. Like, I forget who mentioned it, but it was in the book of Al, like how there was an inconsistency, supposedly, with um, him not being able to travel back in time, you know, before he already went. Like, let's say if he screwed up in 1981, he couldn't go back and change things in 1980. <laughs> yeah, see, that confused me because it's about He brought maths. up the fact that he goes back to the first final battle before backward with her, like, before backward with her base. And I never saw that as an inconsistency and I still don't because I view it more as a parallel, like a perpendicular reality, actually. Like, you have two lines and one is first final battle and then they intersect at the moment that Harry and Ginny and Ron go back in time and then you have that whole time period before it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Totally and then not because... you have the time period after it. Time travel and physics can be very, very, very confusing. They confuse me greatly. I have no idea what you're talking about. Which does not diminish the enjoyment of the fic. Sorry, Mike. Okay, I, I would actually be curious if this interpretation of your laws of time travel are correct, because would I be correct in saying when you say the time traveler may not change prophecy that has been foretold, that's only prophecies that are active at the point of time they travel back to. For instance, theoretically, if you travel back to, if, to a point in time before Harry was born, and the prophecy about Harry wasn't yet active, you could then change that prophecy because that prophecy hadn't occurred yet. But the Prophecy always occurs before the event. That's what a prophecy is. Once no, no, no. I'm saying if you travel made, back before the prophecy is made, you could because her she is the law. The traveler may not change prophecy. So and that which is told by the one. So the let's court. say uh, when when Sybil Trelawney made the prophecy and when it was 1979 or whenever it was, let's call it 1979. If you travel back to 1978, you could change the outcome of that prophecy. What I, oh, that's what I'm saying is, I think it, that's the only way your laws can work because if you interpret it that all prophecies, past and future. Right. Exactly, exactly. Like, he okay. couldn't actively change the prophecy, and he didn't, but, like, his, it was more of the time travel itself that changes the prophecy rather than the specific person. Right. It so it's only it. prophecies that are in existence at the point of time you travel back to that can't be changed. Yes. It's not prophecies that were made in your own timeline that occur after the point you went back to, right? No. So, yes. so if I understand You're this correct, correctly... Mike. Okay, thanks. If I understand this correctly, Sybil Trelawney makes a prophecy in, let's call it 1979. I don't know, did she make it in 79 or 80? Anyway, let's say you go back. She makes it in um, 80 because... I thought thought it was before Harry, like, before Harry was born. It was was before before Harry Harry was born. The one who can defeat the Dark Lord approaches, not like, he's already here. Right. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, it was before he was born. Yeah, she makes a prophecy, let's call it January of 1980. 
okay. um, six months before yeah. Harry's born, right? Right. So she right. makes the prophecy then. And if you time travel back to March of 1980, you can't change that prophecy. But if you travel back to Christmas 1979, you could. Right. Is that right? Yes. Did I get Maybe. It? I don't know. And my, my other question was, <laughs> I was talking, I think it was with P.S. on one of the podcasts about the Cornerstones of Fate one. And she was telling me that according to your fic, that there's certain individuals who themselves are Cornerstones of Fate that, you know, for instance, Harry's a Cornerstone of Fate and so his birth can't ever be erased. Albus is a Cornerstone of Fate, so his birth can't ever be erased. But then my question with that is, don't you get into this weird paradox where you're saying, well, every Cornerstone of Fate who's ever been born or ever will be born, you can't alter any of their fate. So you can't, for instance... I thought it was more of events, actually, that were cornerstones rather than people, although that can be tied up in people as well. Like, mm-hmm. you couldn't prevent Terry first because that would prevent, you know, the prophecy and everything else like that. And you couldn't prevent, let's say, you couldn't prevent Voldemort taking Harry's blood because that was a cornerstone. But then logically, you can't prevent any of Harry's parents from being born either, right? Because yeah, you couldn't. Or any of his grandparents or something. So I guess that was my you, one you thing. You couldn't prevent that. If, if Albus couldn't prevent James Potter from being born because then you would run into the grandfather paradox. Because Al exists, because Al exists, he cannot mm-hmm. change the fact that Harry is born because right. that would mean that Al wouldn't exist. So he can't get he can't get Snake that. and Lily together, for example, because that it's would the, be It's bad. the grandfather <laughs> paradox, right. Yes. That wasn't when I was going at the, I was that's, not, that's not to say that another time traveler couldn't accidentally kill like someone else. Well, right, but I guess know? what I'm saying is like Harry's like, I don't know, like great, great, great grandfather. Another time traveler couldn't kill that person before he had his kid because otherwise depends, then Harry... It depends on... Wait, wait it depends hold on a second. On where... Hold on. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I oh, think- God, I'm going to sneeze. <laughs> <laughs> hey, hey, I think I've got it. Can I just, like, put forth my theory? Okay, so you're Al, and your existence depends on Harry being your dad. Therefore, if you go back in time and get Snape and Lily together, you can't do it. It's a paradox. But if Ron Weasley goes back and gets Snape and Lily together, he can because his existence does not no. depend on Harry's. You yeah, can't, though, right. if this Harry being born is a cornerstone of fate, right? No, only for Al, not for Ron. No, no, but I thought cornerstones of fate. That's what I guess with my question is I thought cornerstones of fate are bigger than like, fate, like have a little bit to do with the prophecy and how like okay so let's say that Al is born in 2006 right mm-hmm. there are certain things that Al will not be able to change because he was born after a certain time because these cornerstones of fate have been locked into place already so he can't really but are they specific it. are they so, specific to particular people though that's what I'm after like Al's cornerstones people? of fate uh, like Al's cornerstones of fate are different to Ron's cornerstones of fate. Yes. I don't think so. Oh, they are. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> but that's but so, at but. the same time, yeah, I would say that that Al's cornerstones of fate are different because it depends on when Ron would be going back into the past. Yeah. So wait, you're See, saying that if there's that something that happens with Ron that say Harry saves Ron's life, then Harry then does become Ron's cornerstone of fate, and Ron would also be unable yes. to get Snape and Lily together because I, Harry would also be one of Ron's. So these but, aren't you know, then, yeah. So they, Ron wouldn't be able to change anything that would affect, like, let's say because, let's say, well, this is a 
stupid example because if Harry hadn't existed, then the poison wouldn't wouldn't have existed either. But let's say that Ron went back in time and tried to change the fact that Harry is alive, like tried to kill Harry before yeah before the events of sixty year, but he wouldn't be able to because Harry, Harry has, has to be there. Otherwise, Ron would be dead, and therefore and he wouldn't exist. I see, and wouldn't so be able to go back in time. So you're saying then, just to make sure, like if I went back in time, I thought that I would not that I would do this, but in theory, I could kill Harry Potter as a baby because then I wouldn't be violating any cornerstone of fate. Because right. doesn't, right. your fate doesn't rest on his. Okay, that uh, that explains a lot because I was thinking of them, I guess, as sort of like these universal corners. Like you can't kill Hitler because then time flies out of control. Not, not that makes a lot more sense. I think if they're personal cornerstones, so that clears up a lot. Yeah. Thank you. All right, I sobbed over Arthur and I laughed at the love room. I think I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> Ella, I've enjoyed your writing. I've enjoyed oh yeah, your um, very much. I, I look forward to the uh, completion of the things that are that are currently in works. Um, not you know <laughs> socks for one, but I'm not going to comment anymore on that. Um, <laughs> How many works in progress do you currently have? What, like something about it's like five, I think. I don't know. <laughs> lots whatever, and whatever lots. you feel like writing. Randomly stuff. Pretty much, yeah. I have another question. I have one more. All right. Okay. You, you do this as a fan of, of Harry Potter. Yes. Do you have any aspirations of writing professionally? Yes, I do very much. Okay. Yes. Sorry. <laughs> and, and, and in what genre? Mystery, romance? Fantasy. Fantasy. Okay. Any favorite authors? Uh, Why easy George? Yeah. George R. R. Martin. I love. Oh my God, you rock so much. I love. God. What? <laughs> Which one? Martin. Mike. Mike is Martin. a huge Martin fan. Please watch out. <laughs> Oh my god, I can discuss George R. R. Martin for hours. Me too. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you're in trouble, Keza. <laughs> Me? What did I do? Jacqueline Perry, Robin Hobbs. Hobbs is another favorite of mine. Oh my god. Do you like, um, have you read Name of the Wind yet? Yeah, I like that one. I'm anxiously awaiting the second one. Yeah. You like Lynch? Have you read uh, um, Scott Lynch yet? I like. This is so cute. Which one? Scott Lynch, Wise <laughs> Block Lamore. No. I haven't you have read good that. taste in books. I, I'll give you that. Guy Gabriel K is amazing. He yep. is. Um, you need to read Jacqueline Carey if you like the other authors that I'm listing. Ah, Kushal uh, series. Yes. Yes. Mm. Yes. What's your book called? It's oh, she's Feels got Dark five. is the first one. Yes. <laughs> Feels Dark is the first one. Run out and pick it up. I will. Pick I it have. Up I have all five of them so far. If you like Hob and you like Martin, then there are uh, more than five. There's... I bought the advanced reader copy of uh, um, the new one, Name is Kiss. Okay. It was like 150 bucks on eBay. Ouch. You know what you might like too? Um, a little bit more off the beaten track, but pretty good is uh, Prince of Nothing. Prince of Nothing? Yeah. Oh, you might like that. I haven't that. heard of it. Well, there you go. You should I, email me a book list. Sounds good. You should <laughs> Skype. You should give me your contact info. We can talk George Martin stuff. Do you post on his uh, <laughs> yes. message board at all? She's, she's on what, the sorry? forum, Mike. She's in your house. No, George <laughs> yeah. Martin message board. Not the Put, a, put a post please. in a Slytherin common room. <laughs> <laughs> she's in your house, dude. <laughs> no, no, not the Potterfic Weekly forums. I asked if she posted on the George R. R. Martin. I'm just saying forum. the contact yeah. details. You can contact her on www.potterficforum.com. <laughs> <Potterfic Weekly. laughs> hey, uh, hey, send me on Skype. There we go. I'm there you go. One more thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That there were there was a very interesting talk about uh, the troll and Hermione, and I just wanted to say that I agree with you guys. You agree with oh, us? The, uh, 
about whether or not Hermione would have made friends with them if they didn't have the troll. Right, and the fact that I changed it and it was off and I reread it and I'm like, that's totally off. So I agree with you guys. And I probably won't go back and edit it, but yeah. I remember talking about that. I remember, did I have a problem with that? I think I did. I remember now. That was a long time ago. I've done many things since then. Like slept. <laughs> no, but I do remember thinking that if that if Hermione, oh, that's what it was. If Hermione didn't have to cover for them and lie for them about the troll, it wouldn't have been as strong a bond. So it wasn't the fact that they saved her from the troll; it was the fact that Hermione covered lied, up right. for them and lied for them. But I saw them. it more as a personal thing for Hermione because Harry and Ron were already bonded with her. Like there is yeah. no unbonding for them. Yeah, but maybe Hermione wouldn't have bonded with them so quickly if she hadn't, like, done that. You know what I mean? Like, if she yeah. hadn't lied to the professors, then maybe she wouldn't have. Yeah. But... It's an interesting thing. Maybe I'll write a figure out. <laughs> and I'll read it. Oh, not really. I've got enough to do. <laughs> but um, we're going to wrap it up there um, because Mr. Kessler wants to make a sandwich, basically. Um, <laughs> Did you find the announcements? Did you find your I've, I've got an announcement. I do. First, I want to thank Ella for coming on Yay. and interviewing us today and for her, for her fix that many of us um, enjoy and like to read. And so thank you, Ella. And thank you, Mike. Thank you for having and me. You're welcome. And thank you, Mike and Kismet or Kelly. What are you doing? Well, I've been calling you Kelly the whole time, so I'll just stick right. Kelly for, for coming on. They were literally dragged in here with six minutes before we started. <laughs> Ryan was like, hey, how you doing? Can you podcast tonight? I'm like, right Same now. Thing, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Like, oh, when? In five minutes? <laughs> so I think they have done a fantastic because I'm the only one. I was like, Ryan, you can't leave me here by myself. Um, so I'd like to thank everybody for coming tonight and for, for being on the – and I'd like to thank Mr. Keza for leaving um, rather than making his sandwich. So I can make this very important announcement that the Potterfic Weekly Forum members and the Wizengamot have selected Tale of a Long Time Gone by Star of the North to be covered later, well, next season. This is the end of this season, isn't it? Hey, Just hey. messed up my own announcement by forgetting where the heck I am. <laughs> so in the third season of Potterfic Weekly, we will be covering Tale of a Long Time Gone by Star of the North. So there'll be links to that on the forum, and we'll see you all next week, next season, in the future. <laughs> Bye. Thanks, Ella. Bye. Thank you. Bye. Bye. So hold on to the wonder that those books brought to our lives. Keep each other safe. Keep faith. Good night.